Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It is a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. And I'm AJ Faleri. Yay! Well done! We did well it. done! Thank you. All right, that's my whole contribution to the show. <laughs> AJ is once again hosting us. Thank you so much yeah. for doing this. Yeah. We are in Philadelphia at AJ's lovely apartment. There's I, a cat right next to me. I almost yeah. just called it the City of Lights, which is just so untrue. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly not what uh, it is. Yes, the City of Love. <laughs> Philadelphia. City of Lights or City of Love? I, like I said City of Lights. It's okay, technically cool. the City of Brotherly Love. Yes, that's right. That's the, oh, yeah. right. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Wow. But anyway, we're here. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the beginning of season five. Yes. Hey. Of Into the Aether, believe it or not. Pretty wild. Uh, a lot of stuff happening. New art from Scout. Thank yes. you so yes. much to Scout you, for Scout. the beautiful new art. Yeah. Which I think we've been opining over for like a couple weeks at this point. <laughs> yeah. Fun to see it released. Although, you know, we're recording this weeks ahead of time, so <laughs> we still haven't done that technically. Yes. But it's I, great. I love seeing it. Yeah, I'm excited for it to happen and for you to see it, dear listener. But we are here, obviously, to talk about the Nintendo DS, the whole library, and do a bunch of stuff about it. But because this is the beginning of a new season, uh, we thought it probably important to mention what the show is yeah. uh, and what you've signed up for in case this is your <laughs> first episode. Wow. I'm sure you could tell by the probably long runtime. I don't know how long we're going to be talking, but probably for a while. This is a thing that happens sometimes. Yeah. We will talk for a long time, but I think it's worth mentioning at the top into the aether. As we say, it's a low key video game podcast. And uh, the way that really manifests is essentially just like Stephen and I are not really beholden to new video game releases. Uh, we will talk about whatever it is that we would have been playing on a weekly basis. Yeah, we make an effort to highlight stuff we're enjoying. Yeah. So, and that that could mean like, you know, it's a game that we're really passionate about. It could be a game that like we feel okay about, but there's something we want to highlight or, you know, like essentially if it will create an interesting discussion, we will we will bring it up. Totally. And and a lot of that also stems from us I think trying to create more positive discourse <laughs> in the video game sure. landscape as well, which is I think worth highlighting. Uh, you know, cuz because we don't have to talk about everything, it means we don't have to be overtly negative about new things that we just don't like or don't want to talk about. Right. right. Um so, you know, if a new AAA game release comes out and Steve and I are like, "Yeah, it's not for us," then we'll talk about a Nintendo DS we'll game talk about Lord of the Rings the 30 <laughs> or the, the, the PlayStation 2 yeah. and the GameCube and the Xbox. The, the first Xbox. The first Xbox. Yeah. Also worth noting, uh, I don't host the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm the producer. I edit it, so I get to listen to this conversation two times, listener. Um, so if you want to get the real AJ experience, make sure you listen to all, if I had to guess, 10 hours of this show. <laughs> uh, five hours, twice. Yeah, uh, I asked Brendan earlier, I'm like, what time do you think we're going home? And he's like, I honestly couldn't tell you. Like, <laughs> your guess is as good as mine. Yeah. yeah, I do think it's worth, as we're reintroducing ourselves in the show, I think that these episodes, so for the season premiere for the last two seasons, we have focused on one system, and then we'll bring to this episode like the games we especially loved. Yeah. And we do the same thing with our Game of the Year episodes, which, you know, Brendan and I will make our top 10 list. We'll, you know, share that and share what we thought was special about those games. And it does feel like in both the premieres and in the in the Game of the Year episodes, the intention of the show kind of crystallizes in a big way. Yeah. So I think we're always really excited for these, which is why we're all together in person and kind of mm -hmm. like bring the energy up for the same reasons why we would do it in Game of the Year. Yeah, yeah. for the first couple of seasons, we did E3 was our big marker. E3 obviously doesn't really exist right. anymore. Like <laughs> kind of, kind of does State it. of being. Yeah. 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 Schrodinger's E3 right. a little bit at this point. <laughs> and we just felt that this idea of looking at an entire games library just felt more in line with the spirit of what Absolutely. we're trying to do here than anything else. So last year was the first year we did it. Did it with the Game Boy Advance. That was a very interesting experience. Awesome. I would say. We yeah. had a really good time. We also did it in secret, which was we fun. We did. It was a big reveal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think we 
we revealed it like a week or two before that episode yeah. came out that we yeah. had been secretly playing like 70 to 80 Game Boy Advance games uh, behind the scenes while doing the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. And this year we were uh, much more overt about it, pretty much announcing it as soon as we figured out that we were going to do it. Yeah. Between us, I think we've played about 150 Nintendo DS games this year. Yeah, a lot. In like eight or nine months. <laughs> God. And I, I guess... I, I will talk a bit about like how you and I both prepared. I think yeah. we might have had slightly different methods, but essentially how I approached that list because it's worth. <laughs> I didn't play them, and you did. <laughs> <laughs> Dual screens, baby. Duality. Everything and nothing. Um, I, <laughs> worth stressing that Brendan and I are also, you know, in while we're while we've been preparing for this episode, and we, that's I think one of the reasons why we announced it earlier is to give ourselves more time, yeah, and to also like be open to suggestions and like make sure that that list is like as kind of wide as possible. Because I think how we accumulate those games to play, like we'll look at a lot of lists that have been published, like either recently or at the time, like what are considered the hits. Mm-hmm. Then we'll also just like find weird forums and threads from like the early 2000s and be like what are people talking about there yeah uh and also to see like you know what are what are considered like overlooked gems what are just games that we're curious about that no one's talking about yeah sometimes i'll just go on metacritic which is what it is it's not like a firm guideline but if anything gets above a 60 and i'm curious about it i will play it yeah that's kind of my thing is like if it's like if anyone thinks it's okay yeah. and it looks interesting, I'll play it. So <laughs> we're playing other stuff for the show. We also work full time. We also have other things going on. So like bonus episodes, Patreon bonuses. Yeah, yeah. So I think that the idea that we would like finish 150 games, even if we had all the time in the world, just too much, we would resent it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so I think the way I approached it was I played every game on that list for at least like 40 minutes. Yeah. Which I think is pretty generous because that collectively is a lot of time. I yeah. think so too. Yeah. Unless it was like DS game, yeah. Unless it was um, Zoo Tycoon or something that was just like, <laughs> I, okay, like the reality in which I give this a shot and like, I mean, I gave it a shot and the reality in which like I enjoyed it past a certain threshold. I'm like, this is not a good game. Yeah. There so, are like, a couple of games where you start them and you're like, this is clearly not the best way to play this. Zoo Tycoon right. is one, like the Sims 3 on the Nintendo DS. Yeah. That's not the way to play the Sims 3. <laughs> right. Any game that was like meant to be played on a computer, <laughs> right. and they, they put it on the DS just for the yeah, thrill. Stylus is like a mouse, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's as far as that thought right. went when Zoo Tycoon was <laughs> green. Someone said yes. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so every now and then it's like, okay, I can write this one off. But essentially like giving all those games that amount of time I would put it into one of two lists. One list would be like, I could write this off. The other one was like, I either think this is a strong candidate and I want to play it more, or I just think I need to give this more time. Like 40 minutes is not enough. Yeah. Any RPG fan knows that the first 40 minutes is like at home doing chores. Yes. So like <laughs> tie your shoes. Yeah, right. Yeah. So from that using or- the stylus, using- <laughs> <laughs> this is thrilling, innovative, uh, <laughs> But essentially from that list, uh, I I think like I had like 80 games in the I want to play more and needs more time. Mm. So from there, like case by case, each game got more time until eventually I had like a list of like 37. Like I feel strongly about these games, which just is a testament to how strong this library is. Yeah, that's like a fifth. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that like. I, I wasn't able to like beat every game I set out to, but I put in a lot of time into a lot of games and I feel confident. Like it's also worth stressing too, like this is entirely subjective. This is not us saying like these are the most important games with the biggest impact. That would be a very different list. Mm-hmm. This is just like Steven and Brendan played hundreds of games. <laughs> yeah. And in twenty twenty two, these are their favorites. Also so, AJ's here. Also- <laughs> <laughs> Your presence is necessary. 
Don't sell yourself short. So that's essentially how I prepared for it. And I would say that like I feel as confident as I can in 10. It's inherently limiting and it's all subjective, which is why it's fun. It's fun to say like what of this massive library are your very, very favorites. Yeah. Because 10 is just the tip of the iceberg. And I think we both have like dozens of honorable mentions. And there are a lot of games. I said this on the episode we recorded yesterday, which will be the last episode of season four. But there are a lot of games that like may have not made my list that I purposely was like, I want to go back to this. Like, I want to bring it to the show eventually. I want to put more time into this. Yeah, so. I think we'll be peppering a lot of Nintendo DS games yeah. in throughout season five, if I were to guess. Totally. There are so, I, I made, uh, as as per usual, I made a much longer list than a top 10. So I have a top 30. Obviously, like 11 through 30 are all honorable mentions, I guess, hypothetically. But a lot of those games I do want to go back and play more of and talk yeah. about more extensively. Because I think that was one of the things that I thought a lot about with the Game Boy Advance bonus, where some of those games, you know, you and I did finish for that bonus and ended up feeling like, we could have actually done like a whole separate episode just about some of those games, but we kind of encompassed so much of that in that episode that we kind of didn't need to. So I think it'll be nice to kind of highlight some of that stuff a little more this, yeah. this season. Kind of like we had Mother 3 as a bonus and like yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, there are definitely like a lot of big RPGs and just like larger games in general. I mean, the jump in hardware, which I think we'll talk about a bit here, like yeah. this allows for like a lot of ambition in a way that like Game Boy Advance is very ambitious, but it's interesting to see that like, okay, this is a largely like Super Nintendo adjacent piece of hardware yeah like 20 years after yeah. the super nintendo right. yeah, yeah it, it really is pitched like what if you could bring the super nintendo with you right which it is al- a cool idea it almost feels like you know a lot of like modern developers who like purposely go for a retro style like yeah. Game Boy advance is almost that in some right. ways which now it is just all retro yeah but um the ds i think is you it's know, a new more, thing right the ds is more uh, in line with like ps1 and 64, mm. which I think is for better and for worse in some ways, which we'll get into. Yeah, totally. Um, but I think while we're on this topic, why don't we talk a little bit just about like the DS in general, like what we thought of it as a system, what we still think of it, you know, and then I know you had some notes about like the development of the system itself. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I got really interested in just how they even came up with this idea. Yeah. Um, and I think the most interesting thing about it is they specifically pitched it as the third pillar of, mm-hmm. of Nintendo hardware. So they had the home console, which at that time was the GameCube when they were developing the DS. Right. They had the Game Boy Advance and then they were like, the DS will be like the third thing. It'll be different than oh. the Game Boy Advance and they'll both live alongside one another. But the DS also sure does have a Game Boy Advance slot, yeah. which apparently was initially designed not really to be like, okay, this is backwards compatible with the Game Boy Advance because this is succeeding that, but was specifically for developers to make like add-on cartridges Whoa. that you could use as like modules. Like that the would, Rumble oh, Cart wow. or something for the 64? Yes, like R- Rumble Cart specifically. Um, one of the only ones that ended up coming out was the Guitar Hero World Tour game that right. like you, <laughs> yeah. you plugged into the Game Boy Advance slot and it had like the Guitar Hero buttons on it, which is wild. There are actually a couple, like somebody made uh, an MP3 player that you plugged into the bottom that had an SD card slot. <laughs> uh, so you could like actually just listen to music with your Nintendo DS, which is pretty funny. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. This is the whole point of an MP3 player is that it's portable, right? Like yes. how you can't st- with the regular DS. I feel like you could stick in your pocket, but I feel like the DS with like a dongle in it. Yeah. I guess it doesn't have to stick. Yeah, out, so you have to it? Velcro it around right. your wrist. And <laughs> yes. You look cool. Everybody shit. knows that yeah. you're the, it's the CD player. They just made a CD player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, the thing about the DS and I, I, lo- I, I could not find any more information about like how why they thought this was a third pillar that wouldn't be replaced. It just seemed like an experiment. You know, yeah, it just right. seemed like an experiment. And like if it worked out, then they would sunset the Game Boy Advance. But the thing was, is like the Game Boy Advance came out in 2001 and like stuck around until 2006. The Nintendo DS launched in 2004. So 
it's only three years into the mm. Game Boy Advance life cycle yeah. that they launched this thing. And it was such a wild hit so immediately that it was like very obvious that the Game Boy Advance had died like pretty much at launch of the, of the DS. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's, a, it's surprisingly short library. I didn't realize that until we like played so many games yeah. for it. Yeah. The DS, when it launched, Nintendo ordered 500,000 units uh, because they thought that like that would do pretty well. And uh, by the end of that year, so that was November of 2004, to be clear, is when it launched. By the end of that year, they had sold um, about three million. Wow. They were like, 500,000 would be like a pretty good like <laughs> ROI on our weird experiment for this maybe third pillar. And it had right. sold three million units immediately. Oh, my God. Um, and then by that summer, it had sold seven. At this point, it is at 154 million units. It's the second best selling console of all time under the PS2. Right. Wow. And it's like pretty close to the PS2 also which does is it include wild. the 3ds or is no. that separate gotcha it's just separate the, yeah it's just that it's the ds the ds light and the dsi gotcha which is like that family of the consoles. DS family interestingly launched in the u.s before anywhere else in the world specifically because they wanted it to hit black friday uh they were uh, like oh that'd be pretty good and then also hit the holidays but it launched in february of 2005 elsewhere in the world it was like immediately a runaway hit and and because of the Game Boy Advance slot on the back, it was like obvious that you didn't need a Game Boy Advance yeah. ever again, really, either. So, I mean, very quickly, it went from becoming the third pillar to like, oh, this is just the handheld. And I, I still, for the life of me, can't understand how they thought that it wouldn't usurp the Game Boy Advance immediately. <laughs> yeah. When did the SP come out? I'm wondering if there's crossover between... There is. The Game Boy Micro came out after the DS. I remember that. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, the Game Boy Micro, I think, was, I want to say 2000. Five. Yeah. So it was the year. It was the year after the DS came out. I feel like also like the jump, just having a backlit screen was so huge. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things going on in the DS that are like leagues ahead of what the Game Boy Advance was doing, and it's actually wild to think that they were so close together. Yeah. Like in that three-year span, they had added the backlight, which obviously was great. You know, the, the SP I think popularized that, but they added the backlight. They had two screens, obviously, which is wild. Dual screens. Uh, the touchscreen on the bottom, which is like even for 2004, is pretty remarkable technology, considering like the iPhone didn't come until 2007 yeah. Yeah. and then on top of that it had wi-fi capabilities so it could like connect to the internet you could play with people on the internet also you could play with people wirelessly in person as well because they all acted as like their own little routers Wild. so it was actually using wi-fi to connect all the ds's it wasn't like you know other wireless that, like the ds internet was like pretty remarkable and the Wii one was like can you plug this into your local library and like yeah. call the government <laughs> for permission yeah it definitely did include the friend code nonsense yeah, you know yeah. but, but still like i i do remember having a ds around when they came out and being like amazed that i could just jump into like mario kart matches there's a lot of online. cool multiplayer options like, yeah especially like i remember with mario kart ds if someone else didn't have the game yes right, they could play they just had to be shy they guy had to be shy guy that was my i was exclusively black shy guy for nintendo for, for <laughs> yeah. my ds mario kart era because I, yeah. I never got it myself. <laughs> why would I? I'm only playing it with my friends. Right. Everybody loves Shy Guy. You can only be Dry Bones. Uh, <laughs> shit, I guess I better get this game. Yeah. Dry Bones was good. Also, I R.O.B. We'll talk about Mario yeah. Kart. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I mean, PictoChat, obviously, yeah. like, hugely popular thing. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, somebody released, like, a remake of PictoChat for iOS that was, like, an actual messaging app where, like, you could add your friends. And uh, <laughs> me, me and a couple of my friends, like, all talked in PictoChat all day That's at work, so which was really funny. fun. But, yeah, I think I think the... The capabilities that this thing came with, I mean, they all at the time in 2004, like were weirdly enough experimental ideas mm -hmm. that all just kind of culminated in like, oh, this is actually such a huge leap forward, technologically speaking, that everyone wanted one. Yeah, like, everyone wanted one. Everyone had one. Uh, it's it's amazing how many of these units are available. And that was one of the reasons we picked it also. Yeah. Was like the Game Boy Advance is creeping up in price if you wanted to buy this stuff at like a retro store. Games are so expensive, et cetera, et cetera. The DS is so widely available. Um, the one that I got and used for the entirety of this experience cost me $30 on eBay. Holy shit. Uh, and it was like 
pretty much new in box. Like it had yeah. been used like lightly, but like, you couldn't tell. And I would say most games are affordable. Yeah. Every now and then you'll run into a Dragon Quest. It's like, oops, 150. Yes. But you know, I most did just buy games. a copy of Dragon Quest Nine recently, which uh, that was expensive. It was too much. It was yeah. more than the DS. It was more than the DS. Yeah. I think it's interesting too. Like this era, I, I would say that like between the DS and the 3DS, this is where Nintendo handhelds were superseding the main console yeah just in terms of available library totally the wii the wii was like solid at the very beginning of the library but i think at a certain point the mandatory motion controls kind of got in the way yeah um and and that's also when nintendo started to rely on like the online store and you know you could you could buy all the old games which was cool um wii u similar thing like you know it it uh i remember it launched with mass effect 3 which was like such a bizarre choice (laughs) But you Batman know, the, Arkham City in Arkham City. It's like, hey, the games you played two years ago on the 360, you can play they them can on the run Wii. on a Nintendo console. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that sick? But the 3DS was like pretty incredible. So yeah. I think that like the jump to Game Boy Advance from Game Boy. We talk a lot about how like the early Game Boy games, while there are some gems, obviously, I think there was this understanding that you were accepting sort of lower quality games for the price of being portable. Yeah. And then Game Boy Advance is like, no, actually, you can just play Final Fantasy VI on the go now. <laughs> yeah. And then the DS is like, what if this was better than the Wii? And the 3DS is like, the Wii U is nothing. Follow me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and now the Switch is like, you know, it's all combined. Right. So it's really fascinating. I also think the thing that's kind of interesting for me about the DS is that, you know, it is an older system. It, like you said, it, it came mm-hmm. out in 2005 and was active until 2011. And 3DS is obviously a separate system, and we're not counting that library for today's episode. But the fact that the hardware is largely identical, just in terms of the design, like the mm-hmm. two screens, like yeah. for the last two decades, this has been the look and the feel and the expectation for Nintendo handhelds, which yeah. is kind of amazing. That like <laughs> yeah. Nintendo, a company known for just like, trying new things constantly it's like they found what they wanted a handheld to be and stuck to that and it largely worked i mean the 3d edition is like whatever like one game used it but like you know the fact that like i am so now conditioned to seeing like if i'm playing a nintendo handheld it's gonna be this setup i don't know if they'll continue it but it's i think it speaks volumes that like they stuck to this design for so long the two screens is nonsense yeah (laughs) (laughs) like let's to be totally frank i think you're right in highlighting that like they've normalized it because it's been around for so long it's a nonsense idea right (laughs) there's no reason that this thing should have two screens on it and it works so well yeah it works so well. I mean, the amount of there are games that like don't really make use of it in ways that are interesting or cool or fun at all. But there are a lot that are actually using that and using the touchscreen in ways that are like, I'm, I'm glad that they took this risk. Yeah, I think it's important that it was an optional ask. You yeah. know, I think with the Wii, it was like, you got to throw in a little wiggle to, yeah. you know, like <laughs> no matter what your game is, it has to have like a draw a circle on the screen. But, yeah. you know, with the DS, like you could either build your entire game around the touch controls, which some do. Or you could kind of ignore them. Or it could just yeah. be like, honestly, I think some of the best use of the dual screens is just like, hey, there's a map on one screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like, here's the turn order on one screen. Mm-hmm. You know, like just having like logistics on one screen yeah. is really helpful because that avoids like, I, I actually think one of the reasons why I think Ocarina of Time on the 3DS is like the way to play it is you don't have to constantly open your menu and change <laughs> your equipment. Yeah, which you know? is so <laughs> annoying. Oh, that, that, yeah. yeah. I just had to like Pavlovian response to that. Was, <laughs> Deck um, your shield. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I got to put on my iron boots. But uh, I think you're right. I think it's like a very silly idea. And I think it's the the idea that it's silly but worked so well on the DS is kind of proven by the Wii U being like, here's like actually two devices you have to look at. Yeah. And it almost never worked. 
Right. Uh, you yeah. Know, ha- so. Having them all so small and in your hands is really helpful. I, th- I think. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Wii U being like, OK, well, you have to hold one screen and then look at your TV simultaneously. Yeah. And looking back and forth. Literally the only we just joked about it right before we started recording. But the only game that really used that to any effect that I thought was interesting was Zombie U, which was the <laughs> launch title where you were in London running from zombies. Yeah. And the whole idea was like they understood that it would be very weird to expect the player to look at both screens at the same time. Mm-hmm. So anytime you want to look at your screen and look at your inventory you have to like literally put the wii u pad on the ground and while you're sifting through your inventory zombies can still kill you Uh, you have to like be aware of both screens but like the expectation is not you need to be looking at both at the same time right and i think like part of the challenge the the appeal of like oh if like the wii u is on but someone else wants to use the tv you can take the gamepad and play that that the switch just did that but better yes you know so like there are some cool ideas floating around the Wii U. It just wasn't really... It was sort of the strange, like, awkward middle evolution between the DS yeah. and, the Wii, and the Switch. The Wii U did have DS games in its virtual console, though, which That's is... That's true. The virtual console was tight. sick. Yeah. 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 That and was I, the thing, though. I, I, think you're, I think you're right to point out also, like, the Wii, widely beloved, hugely best-selling console, like, really, really successful thing for Nintendo, didn't have the best library also, which is why the virtual console existed, was, like, to fill in the gaps of there's not that much stuff getting made for this. Yeah. And the stuff that is is, like, shovelware, kind of bargain bin adjacent, I think, right. for a really long time. And the Wii U obviously launched with software issues and, like, didn't have enough support, even from Nintendo themselves. Yeah. Because the 3DS was so successful that that's where a lot of the focus went. So the virtual console also on that thing is stacked. And I think that's why a lot of people, when they're, like, bummed that the Switch doesn't have, like, a really functional virtual console, it's because the Switch has so much support, first and third party. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing with the DS. Yeah, the third... I think you can see, like... Like the the first party Nintendo stuff is always going to be pretty solid. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know they they rarely miss. Yeah, but the third party support can kind of make or break a system. Yeah, I mean I think the GameCube and the Switch are beloved as they are because like other games came out for them. Right, and with the DS you had like third parties making games specifically for the DS. Right, which is really interesting. Yeah, that's the thing. I feel like what we're seeing with the Switch that playbook is kind of adopted by the DS. Like, the, like yeah. this was Nintendo's era of, oh yeah, this thing is so successful that we don't need to like rely on our backlog. We don't need to port that stuff over. Mm. It's nice that they're starting to do that with Nintendo Online a little bit, you know, like here and there. They're starting yeah. to dip into it. But I mean, the Switch is so successful that they didn't even really need to do that, which is why I kind of see it as icing. Anytime they release anything that's backwards compatible with like older systems or any kind of Nintendo Online support, I'm like happy that they're doing it, but not really expecting it, you yeah, know? Yeah, Totally. So I guess I'm curious, like what for both of you, like what your relationship with the DS was growing up? Because for me, this was like the years that it was active. It was the beginning of high school and like early college. Mm. And in retrospect, I realized that I actually haven't played a lot of DS games like when I was growing up. Like when I got the DS, I think it was my junior year of college. So a few years after it had come out, I think my first one was the DS Lite and I got it specifically for Pokemon. Pokemon Pearl and mm. Pokemon Diamond had just come out. I, like a clown, <laughs> missed the third generation, uh, which Sad. is one of the best, which, you know, we talked about that. It's my Game number one Game Boy Advance game. Yeah. I feel very strongly about that because I also have no nostalgia for that generation. So I'm like, <laughs> this actually rules. Yeah. I think nostalgia will come up. I feel like sometimes there are conversations about nostalgia that are like, this game is bad and you just like it because you have nostalgia. It's like, that's just your perspective with it. You know, yeah. at a certain point, that's just, we all have a unique relationship with art. And if that, even if it's something you don't play now, if you had that experience with it, that does mean something. Yeah. You don't know? dunk on somebody's love. Right, exactly. <laughs> Regardless so, of when it happened. You know, I think it is 
sometimes like even though it's disappointing when you have like a strong attachment to a game and then you revisit and you're like oh this is just because yeah. i was bored that summer uh, <laughs> that did happen a lot with the game boy advance yeah for me. it yeah. did it, it does mean something and i think sometimes like this goes back to like this all being subjective is like at a certain point everything is just what is your relationship to it where were you at that time mm-hmm. you know so i, I kind of bump up against this idea that nostalgia is like inherently valueless yeah but anyway for me the ds was i got it in high school i got it for pokemon pearl and i played hundreds of hours of pokemon pearl because that was the first <laughs> online one yeah and for me because i skipped like a clown skipped the third generation <laughs> i was like so excited that people were like playing pokemon again in school totally like it had Ooh. kind of become cool again yeah and i remember like in english class like my friend eric being like hey here's how you ev train you know like <laughs> under the desk uh and so i I, got, I had that and i had mario kart and i kind of just like stuck to those games for a long time and then in college i picked up uh pokemon white and black when those came out and i also had the Chrono Trigger port and uh, the FF4 remake. Mm. I also, my my friend Alan, who uh, was my hallmate in my freshman dorm in college, he had like a hacked DS that had like everything on it. Oh, really? So I kind of had a window into like what would be this episode because he was playing <laughs> like the Kingdom Hearts stuff and yeah. like all these interesting games. Um, so like through him i saw a bit more of the library but i I do think i kind of missed a lot of this Mm. so doing this episode was actually really fun for me because i got to experience a library and see it like without nostalgia but also being nostalgic for this period yeah that makes sense yeah that's interesting i uh got a ds at launch when it came out yeah Uh, my parents were very very nice got me one for the holidays in that year 2004 when it first dropped nice um the only game one of the only launch games that we got in the states was super mario 64 ds which was my first time playing Super Mario 64 also. Oh, wow. And uh, just started like a real love affair with the DS from that point on. Um, I had that same launch DS throughout the entirety of its library. Uh, I never upgraded to a DS Lite or a DSi at any point. I just had like that big kind of behemoth silver thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just called it the tank. I just called yeah. it the tank. Um, and I had it forever. And I, I played a lot of the DS library as it was happening. Uh, that was that was my first Nintendo console that I ever owned. That's um, awesome. And I was like really, really, really stoked about it. Um, I, I was stoked about being able to keep up with stuff. And I felt like it was the first time that I was able to really experience Nintendo stuff as it was happening. Mm. Um, because for so long, I like I grew up with a Sega Genesis. I had a PS2 and stuff, but this was the first time that I was like on the same wavelength as the other people in my life who I thought were like really big video game people and they were always preaching about Nintendo. So I was like, oh, cool. I can be part of this for once. So getting to keep up with all the Pokemon games that were coming out, obviously that was like my main priority. But like that was my introduction to Animal Crossing. That was my introduction yeah. to Mario Kart. That was my introduction to so many things wow. that I so deeply, deeply love. <laughs> um, and I have some other experiences that I definitely want to talk about that are definitely based a little bit in nostalgia uh, later in the episode. But I, <laughs> I was a big DS fan um, and I was actually amazed because we went into this episode and I thought to myself, like, I've played a lot of the hits and it'll be cool to revisit this stuff. Mm. I didn't realize how much I had missed. I think, yeah. that's, I think mm. that's the biggest thing about this is like because the first party library was so strong and I was so focused on the Nintendo of it all. I kind of ignored a lot of the third party stuff and third party really turned out for this one. Yeah. Like really yeah. turned out. I, I was amazed at some of the stuff that we played for this episode that I was like, if I had played this in 2006, it would have changed my life forever. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel that way about a few games here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, I'm, I'm so excited to talk about some of them. I think um, my, my experience kind of mirrors yours, Brendan. Mm. Um, I was also a Sega Genesis kid, but then yeah. uh, got an yeah. N64. Dude, Vector Man? Vector Man fucking rules, <laughs> dude. dude. Comic could, Zone? I did not have Comic Zone, Sketch unfortunately. Sketch Turner? <laughs> the original Dark Souls uh, Fatal Labyrinth. Um, 
Anyway, uh, that soundtrack is <laughs> the soundtrack rules. Yeah, so I got the DS I, sometime in 2005. I don't know when it was, but at the time, <laughs> at the time I was in the Philadelphia Boys Choir. Um, oh, so yeah. I had a lot of rehearsing and I had a lot of shows to yeah. get carpooled to, which meant I also spent a lot of time in a car with three to four other boys my age. Yeah. Um, and I think they probably had the DS. They probably got the DS for like Christmas or something. And then I was carpooling and I was playing my Game Boy or whatever. Yeah. Um, and they were playing the DS. And I think that was probably like, hey, I would like a DS. And my parents were like, yeah, all right, fine. If it makes the car rides easier. Then yes. <laughs> um, and I was a huge I, I, I didn't play a lot of my own games uh, at first because I was doing the DS download play with yeah. like Mario Kart and Metroid Hunters and totally whatever else, you know. Uh, whatever else was 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 available for that, and then uh, I think the first actual game that I played myself was Mario and Luigi Partners in Time. Oh, cool! Uh, the which, babies, yeah, with the babies, which yeah. I loved at the time. I don't know if it holds up. Um, we'll but, talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Um, but I had a great, I had a great, great time with that. I was also a huge fan of Superstar Saga when that came out. Yeah, um, that's a great one. But yeah, so so I gradually play. Like I, I remember playing a lot of the DS and a lot of games on the DS, but I. I don't feel like it had a huge impact on me mm. as like a gamer yeah. or whatever, because like you asked me right now and I've been thinking about it for a couple of days because I knew you guys were coming over. You didn't just show up and we're like, we're doing a podcast. Um, <laughs> Dude, dual screens open up. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But I, I really can't like think of any like formative experiences that I've had mm. on on the DS because like I played a lot of Diamond, but I also played Ruby. Like Ruby was my first Pokemon game. Oh, yeah. Um, and that game ruled. Um, but I also I you know, I did with Diamond what I did with Ruby and what I do with all the Pokemon games was I got the I got God and I was like, okay, well that's, I don't need to do any more. <laughs> who cares about the fucking Pokemon League? I have God. Like yeah, what yeah. am I, you know? So, but then, uh, yeah, I, I I don't super remember a whole lot of my library. If I'm being honest with yeah. you, so you're I kind have of in the middle between Brendan and I. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, um, like I have my, I still have my like white, you know, DS like game pack or whatever that has the games that I had in it. And sometimes I open it up and I'm like, I had this game. Yeah. Like, what <laughs> did I play this? And uh, the answer is yes. But really, the only one that I keep coming back to is uh, Castlevania: Portrait of Ruin. That's the only one that has really stuck with me for the last uh, what is it, 2022? Last four, uh, 18 years, whatever it is, mm. for some reason. And I don't know why, honestly. I, that was my first Castlevania game, but it wasn't my first. Like I was really into Metroid on the Game Boy Advance, so I don't know what. Yeah. Why? Why that game stuck with me so much? But anyway, I might have some answers. So, <laughs> so, uh, I'm anticipating a Portrait of Ruin conversation. That's uh, that's my experience. That's interesting. Can I? Can I just while we're going down facts and stuff? Can I Please. talk about the best-selling DS games? Ooh. I would love to hear this. Yes. I, yeah, because we were talking about this a little bit yesterday. I was like, I'm going to save it for the episode. Yeah. The thing that I, I I think is really interesting about this is that Nintendo still updates this list. They <laughs> updated this list as of March 2022 oh like on their website still which is wow. pretty wild so just I'm gonna go from the bottom to the top and this is globally this is globally gotcha Mario 64 DS is at the bottom of the bestsellers list sure with 11 million units wow which actually seems like weirdly kind of low I think considering it was a launch title yeah. I was actually really surprised mm. to see that that was so low um, after that Animal Crossing Wild World 11.6 million Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver at 12.7 Pokemon Black and White the first ones at 15.6 million Pokemon Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum, which is all considered one thing, 17.7 million. And then, this is where I think it gets really interesting, Brain Age at 19 oh, million units. Wow. Brain Age was a huge deal when that game came out. I love Brain Age, dude. Yeah. That game ruled. Yeah, my dad and I played Brain Age every morning yeah. before school for like years. I feel like it's a very clear, like you know what the experience is going to be. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of 
people just like, I'm going to get this. Yes. I'm going to get this for someone else. You know, yeah. it's right. a very easy sell. Right. Maybe we'll talk about Brand Age more later. That I, game insults me too much for me to really have a high opinion of it. <laughs> okay, cool. So I, like, I, oh, cool. Are you 90? It's like, yeah, yeah I'm 90. Thanks for the help. Uh, I, I well, we'll talk. We'll talk about it a little bit later. And, and honorable mentions because I, I'll, I'll just say this: Brain Age is not on my list. Um, but I do want to talk about it a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because it's I, fun. I'm, I'm just teasing. Have a weirdly hot take. Yeah. Okay, so Brain Age at 19 million, and then we start to get into like the big ones: Mario Kart DS at 23 million. Yeah, I would have guessed that was high mm-hmm. up. Nintendogs, and this feels like cheating, but they they consider all of the Nintendogs games as like one thing, hmm. which that, that that doesn't count to me. But anyway. 23 million also. Wow. Uh, so as many units as Mario Kart DS. And uh, then the best-selling Nintendo DS game, by far, at uh, 31 million units, is New Super Mario Brothers. Wow, interesting. Isn't that wild? Yeah. I didn't expect that at all. But I no. do remember that game being a huge deal when it came out. Yeah. yeah. I remember it being like like a seismic, like, holy shit, we got a side-scrolling Mario game again. Yeah. Um, and uh, that I think that's a very interesting list. Hmm. It's, it's amazing. I love that all three of the Pokemon games are all together. Yeah, that's yeah. a very all clean just, like, metric. Together. Yeah, yeah. Except for uh, White and Black 2. Yeah, yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where that landed, but that wasn't even on the list. So I yeah. feel like games that come out in a in a system's life like later tend yeah. to not sell quite yeah, as well. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah. I think that was like towards the end of the DS. Yeah, I that's why I was so surprised at Mario 64 being so low. Right. It was like launching with that game and, and the things that that game does I think are fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another one I wanted talk about later but uh mario 64 ds like is maybe better than the original super mario 64 in some yeah. ways yeah no, I, I agree i mean i think like and that's what i said before kind of relating the ds to n64 and ps1 it does feel like okay like, like we can have a second chance of doing a lot of these games yeah. and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and yeah. sometimes like i do think one pitfall of the ds is like because you have all this new technology there are some games that like are just pumped to like do that, but they don't think if it's fun. Right. <laughs> or like, well, they, I'm sure they thought if it was fun, but like it doesn't like it's more of like, oh, it's cool. They got this to work and not mm-hmm. like it's fun to play. There are it. a lot of games like that. Yeah. There are a lot of games. Yeah. Played. I, th- I think the thing about Super Mario 64 DS that's really interesting is like it definitely is proof, right? Like it, it's almost like, hey, we can have a 3D system. You can take this on the go. You can have like a console quality experience in your pocket at right. any time. Right. And putting Super Mario 64 is almost like, you know, the top of the the peak it's very much like the the super nintendo ports of game boy events yeah like having yoshi's island be i think that was also a launch title yeah or at least early on mario 3 yeah, yeah. it yeah. was like incredible to see like oh wow this is pretty much one-to-one with the game yeah and i think it's like a little bit like the music is a little bit more compressed but um it's largely like okay you can play super nintendo on the go and this is you can now play 3D games on the go. Yeah. Right. So they la- they launched with that, and then one of the other launch titles was the demo for Metroid Prime Hunters, yes. which is the one that you had. And yes. I also played that, like, incessantly. Because I, I had seen Metroid Prime at a friend's house and was, like, obsessed with it, but, you know, <laughs> didn't play it for, like, years afterwards. So the idea of having a Metroid Prime game on a handheld was shocking to me. And I feel like the- launching with those two things specifically was, like, this is what developers can do with this system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can have stuff on this level. And I'm glad that not everyone, like, tried to do that, to sure. be clear. Um, I'm glad that there are things that are more adjacent to like, you know, pixel art and just using the two, two screens and cool ways and stuff. It's not all like, oh, we're trying to make a GameCube game on, on this thing because yeah. that doesn't always work. But I think launching with those two was like kind of a flag in the ground moment for Nintendo saying like, hey, developers, this is going to be a completely new thing. Like this is on a completely different level than the Game Boy Advance. Mm-hmm. It also feels like just based on the games that have come out 
for the system, especially from third parties, that like people were actually excited to use the features. Yeah, mm. like there are, there are people that didn't need to go all in on the touch controls that did. Mm. So it's it's just very interesting to look at that. Yeah, yeah, um, it, it it all goes back to um just the fact that like touchscreens were about to become the thing, mm-hmm. and it was a thing. I remember this from that era too. I remember a lot of like news reports and articles and stuff about touchscreen devices starting to become more the norm. And people are starting to talk about it more as like a thing that is going to take over. Yeah. And it just feels like the DS was the first one to do it. Like the DS was the thing that like prepped everybody for touchscreens mm-hmm. in a way. Uh, and, and if not for the DS, I, I don't know if they would be as prevalent as they are now. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. I mean, we've talked about a couple games, the DS before this episode that like remind us of games that would eventually become popular on mobile. Yeah. I never really thought that like also just as a piece of hardware, it like kind of conditioned you to think about smartphones in that way. Yeah. It's fascinating. Really fascinating. Hmm. That's all I got. You want to talk about the list? You want to get into it? You want to take a break and then yeah, let's, let's take we'll a start break the list? and then let's get right into it. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Great. I'm so excited. The Nintendo DS. Nintendo DS. Check yeah. it out. Maybe it's pretty cool. <laughs> this is an ad for the Nintendo DS. Yeah, this yeah. is uh, all sponsored. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Right, well, see you soon. Goodbye. And we're back. Wow. Well, welcome. Hi. I feel like you are in particular really 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 excited for this moment not that i'm not but i feel like i've been i can feel the energy emanating off of you yeah it's nerve-wracking i mean we're finally again, we prepared for so long and this has felt like a far-off thing still yeah. while we're recording it even feels like we'll do that next week yeah you know it was really daunting I, mean, I think i think there's a even though like it's obviously like low stakes and totally subjective like it is a lot of pressure to look at an entire systems library and be like what are my favorites yeah you know uh it's a big ask so i definitely like i think i had a harder time making this list than even game boy advance which is also hard me too there's a wider scope of genre in the system i think Mm. like this because yeah i think it's interesting to see what genres of games i think really worked well on each system yeah so i think that like like the ds has a lot of visual novels so like there's a lot of games so many yeah all about so spectacle and narrative in a way that Mm. I think the only game that really focused on narrative in Game Boy Advance is like Mother 3. You know, like most of the like even yeah. the RPGs are mostly like, hey, it's the next mission. Let's talk about it. You know, yeah, right. So it was interesting <laughs> to see like that and also see like what series like kind of like excelled and which ones dipped. Mm. And I think like I feel very confident in my 10, but I really struggled with order. This is like the hardest like order I am to so place. with you. Yeah. yeah, I feel exactly the same way. I've had the same 10 games in this list for a while and their placement has varied wildly. Yeah. Uh, with the exception of the ones at the top, which were kind of always a lock, I think. You also, you guessed my list and yeah. sent it to AJ. Yes. And then hearing that, I'm like, I can't be the only one who has been guessed. So I guessed <laughs> oh, yours. Okay, good. I'm glad. I was really hoping, part of me was like, maybe they both did this without telling each other that oh, they yeah. were going to send me my <laughs> send me their lists. Uh, so you have both of ours. I have It might both be fun if like we can confirm if we called it or not. Not that we should reveal what we guessed yeah. necessarily. I'm very curious to see if it will line up. I think that there's definitely going to be some overlap. Yeah. But uh, I, I think that it will be a pleasant mix of sure things and surprises. Yeah. So I'm excited. Let's get into it uh, with your number 10. Okay. So I'm going first. You are going first. Okay. You always go first. And I, I, I like that. Okay. I'm glad <laughs> you do because I, I feel selfish. Oh, no, 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 no. It's, I, honestly, I feel selfish making you go first. In my defense, <laughs> we did flip a coin for like years. <laughs> it is always I, yeah. I think at this point, fate has determined <laughs> enough that you should go first. Okay. You asked for it. Wow. Uh, wow, we're doing it. Oh, okay. man. Okay, yeah. This yeah, that, is real now, now you're feeling yeah, my yeah, energy. Yeah, you know, yeah. I actually didn't realize we were doing this until this exact moment right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my brain just turned on. I, I've, I've been asleep until this moment. Number 10. Always a stressful spot. It's the last spot on the list. 
Number 10 of my favorite Nintendo DS games. I'm gripping the couch. Is Final Fantasy Tactics A2. Hell yeah. Grimoire of the Rift. Mm. Uh, Maybe not a huge surprise. This is actually one of the DS games I've brought to the show before. Yes. I really loved Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. It didn't make my list. I think the consensus of the Final Fantasy Tactics series, that the first one is the best, Mm. and that um, the PSP remake of the first one is like the one to play. Yes. Really Mm. excited to, to eventually check that out. I have the original FF Tactics for PlayStation, and I've tried playing it on the PS2, and like... It's just always felt out of reach. Like, mm-hmm. I play a lot of retro stuff, and it's it's demanding me. Like the first mission of that game, you just watch. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it, it's not even a tutorial. Like, oh, like this is how the game works. You just watch people throw rocks at each other, and then someone's <laughs> like, "Your God, who is king, is dead." And, yeah. like, just, and then you just can't save for like eight hours. So it's like I definitely like I feel like the the branch of Final Fantasy that's all in Ivelisse like you and I just love like we're yeah. big Ivelisse fans and I like that the tone of Ivelisse can range from something like the first Final Fantasy Tactics which is definitely like a more Game of Thrones like dark fantasy mm-hmm. energy to Final Fantasy Tactics A2 Grimoire of the Rift which is like I fell into a book it's summer I'm here <laughs> yeah what I really like about this game is that like <laughs> I think that narratively, it's obviously not really going for anything super interesting. Um, there's like a fun story happening, but like even less like Final Fantasy Tactics, the first or Tactics Advance was about a group of kids that also fell into a book and ended up in Evil East. But like <laughs> you get a strong opening of like seeing who they are in their world. And like, yeah, that game is exploring like, you know, oh, like which of these kids like wants to stay in the fantasy which one mm. wants to go back home. Right. That is an interesting idea. In A2, it's like it, the kid is just forgotten about Earth. Like he's just <sighs> like, yeah, I'm in Evil Ace. I love doing missions. And yeah. that's like <laughs> kind of the game. The game is like way more concerned with the player just having fun mm. than it is in like preventing you from playing the game. Right. Um, I just think like on a mechanical level, this is the best the series is. Like, mm. It's just so streamlined. Seeing the turn order yes. on the top screen is like almost enough hugely beneficial um, yeah. but they really refined like in tactics advanced there was a judge who was like you can't use fire and then if someone used fire they would go to jail <laughs> and you had to like wait for them to get out of prison yeah this game just undoes that where it's like there are every match the judge will say like okay you can't use fire spells or in this match you can't use like these types of abilities uh, but you also can give your team a buff so you choose like okay what's like the restriction what's the buff and if you go against the judge's orders you don't go to jail you just don't get a reward right so it's less uh, and i think it's like it's more of like okay here's a little challenge for this mission not like here's a law um <laughs> and i just i really love i love the presentation of both tactics advanced games like it's yeah. such a beautiful way to portray this world i love the sprites this game is gorgeous i love the music like it's just i think it's also just i i found it to be one of the strongest tactics games on the system Mm. this is an era where advanced wars is really going through an identity crisis fire emblem is like nah i'm good like i'm not even gonna try uh so like i think that other series got a chance to really shine and i think that like a lot of the reviews that came out for this game at the time it came out are largely like yeah, it looks and plays better than ever, but it's just sort of more of the same. Yeah. I think because this series has just sort of stopped here, it actually is like worth playing this one because like it didn't continue like we thought it would. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think the only real follow up to this has been like 
triangle strategy, yeah. mm. which is definitely going more for the tone of the first game with totally. like, you know, war and taxes and stuff. <laughs> um, so I, I'm kind of amazed that they haven't continued this series. It feels like such a missed opportunity because like, yeah, it's really like just charming. And I, I love the loop of it. I love like leveling up someone's class to be okay. I'm going to make them uh, a white mage so then I can make them a green mage. And, like seeing mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. arc for all the characters, mm. it's just great. So I just found this like, this is a game that I was rooting for, but I wasn't sure would make the list. But I'm like, I'm playing this a lot. I'm always going back to it. I will keep playing it like it has to. Yeah. So number 10 is Final Fantasy Tactics 8-2. Yeah. Uh, that game rules. Yeah. It's so pretty. I love Ivalice. Yeah. I, the, one of the things that I always think about was my experience with the first game, specifically opening with that snowball fight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That I always think about as a really great way of highlighting all of those characters and, and all of their various vibes, yeah. um, which just because the three of us are sitting here, I feel like I should call out is also how The Last of Us Part 2 opens. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a chilly similar it's weirdly yeah. the same beat yeah. for yeah. the same reason it's like here's how you will kill people but right. as a snow fight yes right. uh, which is so funny and i and I, I appreciate that final fantasy tactics a2 uh is like no it's it's summertime and and the living is easy uh exactly yeah. yeah um i love i love the protagonist i love the world honestly the bits in which you just get to like roam around and just like experience that world i, I mean yeah ivalice is so good yeah it's like definitely my favorite it's the final most fantasy setting thing. first of all of them yeah you know um, cool. e- even though it definitely is inspired a lot by the prequels of star wars <laughs> and lord of the rings Shit. that actually kind of works it does it does <laughs> it feels like a i think it's interesting when you know final fantasy is a series that always changes yeah, yeah. and i do like how sometimes they take advantage of like hey we got a hit on our hands let's like branch yeah. off and work on this and i actually think someone i don't know how accurate it is but someone in the discord shared like here's where all the different Final Fantasy teams have like splintered off to. Yes. So like oh. I think that there's a pretty big overlap between like FF12 and Ivalice games and FF14. Yeah. Mm. Which makes sense. I think that's also like there is. that team is working on 16, yes. which I'm excited about. Yeah, I'm so yeah. On it that was kind of the big thing for me playing this game was it just got me more hyped for 16, yeah. which like <laughs> this is again the first time I've been a Final Fantasy fan when there's a new mainline Final Fantasy game coming out. Yeah. And that is exhilarating. So yeah. honestly yeah. my experience playing Final Fantasy tactics a2 was like ooh, i'm gonna get more of this soon yeah. <laughs> in 4k i just think Jesus. like if you're gonna play any of them this is the one that just lets you play it the most yeah you know and yeah. I, I get why it, it sort of has a bit more of a lukewarm reception compared to even like sort of the narrative focus of the other two games mm-hmm. um, i think with tactics i'm like comfortable with there not really being a story yeah. You know, like I think that I'm someone who values a narrative in a game, but if it's not really like why I'm there, I don't need it. Yeah. Yeah. You're, uh, I mean, excuse me if I'm wrong, but we've been doing this show long enough that I feel like I could say this pretty definitively, but you're definitely a character first person. Yeah. Over story, even. Like you, yeah. you care more about characters and they're like id than you do. <laughs> about like the actual narrative that they're being thrust through as and, evidenced by three houses in my love for it yeah. i think three houses i honestly think advanced war your love of advanced yeah, wars is no, also very much very on that true. front because like that story is it doesn't matter at all but those characters are so fun to be with yeah that, like you just want to see the like four lines of dialogue they have before a match yeah um, no, you're accurate with that read of me and that's absolutely <laughs> what this game is it's yeah. like is like oh, we don't we don't really care as much about like really what's going on thematically about the like will they won't they stay in evil of it all it's just like yeah they're fun to hang out with yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. You meet a cool thief who like helps you kill some tomatoes with yeah. faces. Like, right. What else do you want? Yeah, attack or kill the tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's number 10 for me. Wow. wow. That's pretty cool. I, I'm guessing <laughs> you didn't guess that. I'm, I'm guessing we're already off one. I think I think that's in the list. Oh, okay. I think so. that's I think that's in the list that I, I guessed. Gotcha. Gotcha. 
cool. My number 10. You're number 10. I'm um, so excited. Similarly, a game I was rooting for that I didn't know if it would make the list or not, but I uh, was very pleased to eventually sit down and be like, yeah, yeah. it's in there. Henry Hatsworth in the puzzling yes. adventure. Nice. Um, I, I needed this to make it for one of us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is a game that like I feel like we almost brought to the show as a goof and immediately became a goof. But yeah. like even as we were talking about it on that episode, um, which was only a couple episodes ago. So if, if you're listening to this for the first time, you can just go back a couple and you can hear our like bigger discussion about it. But um, Henry Hasworth is a game by EA that essentially just I love like that. It's EA. It's so it's even it's so wild. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on it, there, there are people on YouTube who worked on this game who like talk pretty openly about it, like in vlogs, like development journals about the making of henry hatsworth wow and their conversations about it are always like we didn't even think it would be that good (laughs) yeah um the whole idea is like you're an incredibly british man (laughs) who is doing like his own weird mario adventure on the top screen you're Mm -hmm. platforming you're jumping around there's uh, also mechs later in the game which is pretty wild but but the whole idea is like whoa you are on the top screen playing mario game with this like extremely older british gentleman uh and as you're defeating enemies they are dropping to to the bottom screen and they become blocks in a match three game so at any moment you need to be swapping between the top screen actually trying to make your way through a level and the bottom screen where you're removing blocks in a match three and the only way you can remove enemies permanently after killing them in the top screen is to also remove them as blocks on the bottom screen or else they will come back whoa either as their enemy or as like ghosts and yeah. like kind of just like weird objects that float around in the level. So you really, really, really need to be cognizant of both things at the same time, which I know is the thing that you and I just goofed about with the Wii U, like constantly asking you to do that. The thing about Henry Hatsworth is like, it works really, really well. And it adds urgency to everything that you're doing at all times. And you have to realize, you know, I can't just sit here and do the match three the whole time because I do need to finish the level eventually also. There'll be no blocks. There'll be empty. Yeah. Um, so I think I think that push and pull between the two screens, it actually like even of all of the games, I think in my top 10, this is the one that uses the DS best of all of them. I, hmm. I especially yeah, the dual screen aspect of the yeah. DS. I think you're right. It's so it's so creative and like really well done. And even like the platforming like feels pretty good. Like it's, it's awesome. pretty solid. Yeah. The music is great. It's it's honestly like one of my favorite games from EA. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I think me too. It is an honorable mention for me. It didn't quite make my list. My only gripe with Henry, I found it to get a little bit repetitive. Like it's a little mm. bit too long. And like the game itself isn't too long, but the levels go on for too long. Yeah. And I found myself like I really enjoy the thrill of going between screens and the puzzles are so fun. The presentation, the music, like it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic game. Like truly one of the system's best. Yeah. But I just found like when I was playing more of it, I started to enjoy it a little less. It just mm-hmm. sort of felt a little bit like even jumping into the mech, which is like thrilling the first time and completely out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it wasn't really enough to keep me going. I, I, once I beat the first two levels, I'm like, I kind of get it. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I, you know, and, and not that like, I don't think you need to like finish a game entirely to like, you know, have its proper stance in a list. But I just like compared to other games, I'm like, I feel like I don't really want to go back to it as much, but I'm really grateful for the time I had with it. Yeah, I do think there's a thing that you and I talk about a lot and definitely talked about with the Game Boy Advance, but uh, especially true of the DS because I just like had it in my pocket as I was doing things all the time. Yeah, there are definitely experiences on the DS that I think are really strong in terms of like this is this can be like a lean back. I'm like having a relaxing time. I can like jump into and out of this. And Henry Hatsworth, I found very quickly was not that even though i expected it to be <laughs> it's, it's like oh it's a match it demands everything yes yeah. it, it really is like a lean forward you need to like actually <laughs> like be on your game it's like sweating yeah, yeah. it feels like an esport. it's like <laughs> you, 
feels like you have to be like fully on the Holy ball. You have to shit. be like on your game. Competitive like, hats worth. Yeah. 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 Um, it, it really demands a lot of you. And I, I almost kind of respect that. I almost like respect yeah. that demand. Um, and it beat out a lot of games that like are kind of in a similar sphere for me. Games like Tetris DS and Meteos, which I both really loved. Yeah. Are not as high up on the list as Henry Atzworth. Wow, I think it, I, there are a lot of really good puzzle games on the DS. Yeah, and yeah, I think Henry is is the star. Yeah, truly, it's pretty wow. amazing. Especially because again, like it takes it takes advantage of the hardware in a really cool way. Yeah, it could only work on the DS. Yeah, which I think is you know not not the only criteria, but it's definitely a piece of my criteria. Me too. I'm yeah, I think there are games kind of that are heightened by it being on this hardware. And yeah, like fully utilize it. Uh, so shout out to Henry Hatsworth, um, a game that I really, truly do love. I just gave AJ a copy of it. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. Like a, a full DS box copy. Not yeah. just like, not just the game. It's like the entire. You got the manual. I got the manual. You got and the manual. Yeah, I got to tell you, I love a manual. Yeah. Me too. I do love a manual. When you open that box, for some reason, the whole thing is upside down also, which I think actually kind of works for the game. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't know why. Great job, Henry. Anyway, that's number 10. My, number 10 for you. My, wow. my only contribution to this is uh, Haberdashery Sports. <laughs> I love that. So, <laughs> thank you. That was great. Thanks, AJ. Great, great job, Henry. <laughs> I guess that means I'm at number nine. That is what that means. Wow. Wow. Gaming. Wow. <laughs> I I opened my notes app and I saw the list I guessed of you and I was like, that's not my number nine. <laughs> <laughs> I changed. Um, I didn't guess Henry Hatsworth for you, so that was a surprise. Ah. But I was hoping in my heart of hearts. Ah. How that, many hopes? Just the one? Just the one. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> number nine for me. Oh my God. This is a big one. <laughs> That this is like you know when we're at we're at full excitement at number nine. That's how you know. It's <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel too. Number nine is Elite Beat Agents. Shit. Yeah. Um. This is actually a game that I mentioned. My friend Alan, who was in my dorm freshman year, he had this game. Mm. He played it in our lobby of the dorm, and I saw it over his shoulder, and I was like, "What on earth?" Are, are you playing? playing? Yeah. How can I live there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this is a game that he and I played together. And essentially what Elite Beat Agents is, it's a rhythm game. On the bottom screen, uh, icons will appear and you have to tap them to the rhythm of the song. What's kind of nice is like it will show you like a bunch of icons that are in the same sequence for a song will be the same color. Yeah. And it will say like one, two, three, four, or whatever. And rings slowly close around each icon. So you kind of like... The game, it definitely has a learning curve, which I'll get to. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it does like illustrate, okay, like this is what it wants me, like this is the rhythm it wants me to follow. Yes. And the premise of the game is there are three kind of like men in black agents who dance away people's problems. Right. So uh, the first level is this girl who invited this football player over and she wants to ask him out, but then she's suddenly asked to babysit three kids. <laughs> so she's like... I, I want him to know I like him, but I have to constantly change diapers. Elite <sighs> Beat Agents, help me out. So, like, we got you. We're going to dance to Walkie Talkie Man by by whoever. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's all covers of songs, it's by the way. It's all covers. Yeah. And some of them... It's so funny. The way I describe this game's lineup of music, it's like the best night of karaoke in your life. Yeah. Because <laughs> it has, like... It has, like mid-aughts, pop-punk, like Good Charlotte, some yeah, 41. Avril Lavigne. Avril Lavigne. <laughs> 
Um, and it also has like David Bowie, Cher. Yeah. Like, the Cher cover is sick. Yeah. I forgot what the song's called, but I'm sorry, Cher. Please forgive me. But the Cher <laughs> song is great. And w- essentially, like on the bottom is the game. You see the a- agents just giving it their all, dancing. I love them. And the top screen is like how well that person is dealing with whatever their problem is. And it has this almost like fully evolved idea of like pinball or bowling where like, you know, sometimes when, you know, at bowling alleys, you'll get a spare and you'll get like a weird little animation. It's like, what if that was narrative? Right. You know, so like, (laughs) and the problems range from like that, you know, the, the girl and the football player, which are like kind of somewhat relatable to like i'm a ninja and my dad is like the ceo of this corporation and i need to sneak into the building to jamiroquai can you help me out it has sort of like the unhinged strangeness of like katamari yeah I love. absolutely yeah. um and it's just this is i mentioned how like you know we didn't beat every game this is a game that i beat in two days yeah i could not put it down yeah it's also one of the earliest games i played for this episode because i had such fond memories of it. i remember playing it with alan and people like kind of like Guitar Hero or DDR, people like coming over to watch us play, <laughs> mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. though it was on the DS. Like I had that sort of communal aspect in that totally. moment. So I was really hoping that I would like it as much, and I and I loved it. My really my only reason for not putting it higher is it's so fucking hard. Yeah, and yeah. like <laughs> it gets it, very difficult. It, it really is hard to the point where it almost feels by accident. Like yeah. rhythm games tend to demand perfection mm-hmm. based on the genre. Yeah, but it's like if you miss one. Thing, it all falls apart it all falls apart yeah. especially if you're playing ashley simpson's la la yes which like <laughs> the thing about the game is that your score is or, or the status of the character you're helping is always going down mm-hmm. so when the song doesn't have a lot of beats like, <laughs> if you like like ashley yeah. simpson's la la fine song not a lot of icons popping up so i just see the agents like waiting on the bottom while like my score is plummeting yeah Jeez. um so I think that like the appeal of this game is that it's like short and sweet and it has like a score chasing aspect to it. And you can unlock like different groups of agents that mm-hmm. are at higher difficulties. Yeah. Which is I actually find that hard is perfect because normal is slow enough sometimes that I actually don't know what they want me to do. I totally wise. agree. Yeah. Hard is more to the rhythm of the actual song. Yeah. So I find it to be a little bit more attainable. But I think that this game is just like so fun. It really uses the touch controls, I think, in the best way. Yeah. Um, it's like pretty responsive. Like every now and then you'll run into frustration. When it asks you to slide, it's like a little off. Yeah, mm-hmm. can, it, you can run into some issues there. Also, the the thing where like the ball shows up and you have to spin it yeah, like, sometimes yeah. gets weird. But oh. honestly, it's still like so thrilling. I, I remember you talked about uh, for Game Boy Advance playing WarioWare Twisted and just like laughing and having <laughs> the best time. That's how I felt with Elite Beat Agents. Yeah. And I think despite how strange it is, it is essentially about like how music can help you through a rough time. Mm. Yeah. Which like, I think is a really nice thing. I mean, I think the finale wow. of this game is so unhinged by Love It, where it essentially becomes like anime footloose, where mm. aliens outlaw music <laughs> mm-hmm. and everyone resists. And like, it's to Hoobastank, I think. It's so, <laughs> it's so bizarre. It's very of its time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, that's the thing. This also feels like a time capsule in some yeah. way, but I, I loved it. I, I really was hoping it would make the list and it definitely did. So Leap Beat Agents is number nine for me. Yeah, this is one of the last games i checked out actually oh really uh, yeah for, for the experience i played it while i was at walter's disney world um <laughs> there, there was a day where we went to the park and then like went back to the hotel to hang out for a little bit and like take a nap maybe before we went out again later and i was like you know what now's a great time to play elite beat agents yeah <laughs> i did not take a nap dear listener uh i just played elite beat agents and laughed so hard for so long <laughs> and i loved it so yeah. much uh, yeah elite beat agents is an incredible video game i love so much the level where you're uh, helping leonardo da vinci <laughs> <laughs> who is swooning over the model for the Mona Lisa yeah, yeah. That's a great one. and like takes her to an amusement park yeah in in like 
Florence. <laughs> Sometimes the top screen is so good it actually distracts you. Mm -hmm. That's you know? actually my one big gripe with the game yeah. is that sometimes it's hard to focus on the top screen and like that's why I'm there really. Yeah. Like as much as I love playing the game and as much as I love the covers of songs I mean they're like actually pretty great sometimes. Yeah the cover of Sum 41 I think is better than the original. <laughs> you, might, you might be right. Yeah. Um, I, I found that I needed to replay levels if I wanted to know what was happening. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah and, and I think like Again, because of how much perfection it demands, like the score chasing became more frustrating than fun. Yeah. But I just think like as a concise, short and sweet experience, it was a joy and yeah. definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, one of the most fun games you can pick up. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, I think a lot of people can be very glad it's on one of our lists, at least. Yeah, yeah, same. The Henry and the agents had to show up at some point. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. I have a friend who I think is s rank is that the highest rank or is it like a star system i think it uh, it's a s or a star yeah whatever whatever the highest rank is i had a friend who like played the shit out of it until he high ranked every single that's yeah. very difficult every single thing yeah he was playing it for a while yeah because yeah, if uh, you miss one note yeah. you get a b yeah no matter how <laughs> well you did you get a b yeah, yeah. and I, it's I, it's what you said i mean the, the top screen animations and shit rule yeah and I, my my friend who was playing it all the time during like lunch or like before you know musical rehearsal or whatever yeah what a fun era this was yeah it was i was just <laughs> watching the top screen and then listening yeah. to him like tick, 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 yeah. tick, tick, you know the bottom screen yeah uh, just completely annihilating the touch screen <laughs> yeah uh, it's Breaking great. It's it. it a very fun game to uh, uh, watch. It's a bit. It's it's kind of bittersweet though, because mm. I think Nintendo wanted this to be a big deal and just did not sell very well. No. And this is also I, I forgot the name of the series, but it's there's a Japanese only yeah. series that this is a spinoff from. Essentially, it was like localized to be Elite Beat Agents in the West. Yeah. And but at the same time, like as much as I would love to see this series continue, like it really lives and dies on the DS. Mm. You know, like I don't really know if you made a. EBA game for the Switch. Like, I would love to see what on earth it would be. Yeah. Like, I love I, how I, casually you just said EBA. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. You just, right? yeah, man, you just really snuck that in. That's that was awesome. It ends with them going E, B, yeah. A. You know, EBA and I, like, we met. Like, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I think um, they did make one for the Wii that was in Japan, which I think is the other one that I would want to check out. Yeah. I'd be yeah. very curious to see how the yeah, Wii this, one plays. This, I, this could have been a hit on the Wii, too. Yeah, I think so. There, there are other games that use the touch controls in a big way. Like uh, Trauma Center got a Wii game that was a remake right. of the first game. Right. That's actually great. Uh, it's one of the best uses of motion controls. But um, yeah, EB, EBA <laughs> is my number nine. Wow. Sick. That means it's my turn for number nine. Uh, continuing a conversation that we had last year when talking about the Game Boy Advance, I mentioned that uh, there was a game that I think was going to be an entry point into more games like it, uh, and that game was Mario & Luigi Superstar Saga, mm. um, which I said at the time would probably be my gateway into enjoying Mario RPGs, because I tried them for a long time. I tried the Paper Mario games, I tried Super Mario RPG on the Super Nintendo, and like never really 
locked in with any of them. Mm. And I think the the secret sauce in the Mario and Luigi RPG specifically is just the comedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so silly. Mm-hmm. It's so silly. And I didn't expect Nintendo to take such like an irreverent take on their own characters. Like I, yeah. I feel like it's a company that feels so frequently like they kind of almost have like a stranglehold over their own IP. I mean, as you and I talked about when we were talking about Paper Mario and the Origami King, mm. And uh, some of the games that came before that, they were like very strict about what they could and couldn't do with their characters yeah. in ways that actually like limited the comedy of those games Absolutely. And, and actually kind of like removed some of the charm of why people were there in the first place and mm-hmm. why people liked those games. Um, all that having been said, the game that I'm talking about for my number nine is Mario and Luigi. Bowser's Inside Story yes. is nice. the one that I picked. Um, Partners in Time, I did play mm-hmm. and enjoyed a lot. The thing about Bowser's Inside Story for me is that it one-ups the thing that I loved about Superstar Saga. Superstar Saga, I think, on the Game Boy Advance was really fascinating. And this is a thing we talked about a lot last year. Because you're mapping Luigi to the B button and Mario to the A button, what that ends up meaning is that you are constantly at odds with yourself. And it almost creates a situation where even though you are one singular person playing the game, you feel like you're two brothers fighting over the controls <laughs> for a video game. So there are moments in which like, you really need to be in lockstep with your brother to mm. understand like how to proceed in a lot of situations. Um, and it can be hard to do. It can be hard to master those things. And they constantly increase the number of mechanics that you're dealing with to keep up that struggle. So mm-hmm. you're never really at a point where you're like, yes, Mario and Luigi are in perfect harmony. Like that doesn't really <laughs> happen a lot in that game. The thing about Bowser's Inside Story that I think makes that even better is the idea that you are playing as Bowser sometimes. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who haven't played this game or don't know anything about it, the idea is that uh, Bowser essentially is like tricked into taking drugs, which... Uh, <laughs> Gives him the ability to inhale as if he is a vacuum, and he inhales Mario and Luigi into yeah. himself. And most of the Mushroom Kingdom. And most yes. of the Mushroom Kingdom. Yeah. So Mario and Luigi are inside of Bowser. So on the bottom screen at all times, you are Mario and Luigi inside Bowser, kind of running around uh, and just like doing a classic, almost like side-scroller Mario mm-hmm. situation, except you have the same controls as uh, as all of the other Mario and Luigi games. So A is Mario, B is Luigi. Also, the Nintendo DS has two extra buttons. It has an X and a Y button that they've added to this, and it also has a second screen. So the second screen is always, what is Bowser up to? Yeah. Uh, And the X and Y buttons then control Bowser in that situation. So you really are just like actually doubling up on the like confusion and strangeness that you have to experience (laughs) with Superstar Saga Mm -hmm. again in Bowser's Inside Story. And anytime you press the A button, like if you're playing as Bowser and you press the A button, it immediately switches to Mario and Luigi. And if you press the X or the Y button, you switch back to Bowser. So this constant back and forth of needing to switch between the two of them to accomplish things Mm -hmm. where like, okay, Bowser has made his way up to, I don't know, a really early thing is like he makes his way up to this brick that he's not strong enough to actually destroy unless you as Mario and Luigi inside him smash with a hammer his central nervous system yeah. hard enough to power up his fist <laughs> so he can then blow up the block yes. and proceed in the game. Yeah, It is so funny uh, on top of everything else. I think the game is just like absolutely hilarious as funny as Superstar Saga was and sometimes even kind of one ups that just because like making Bowser the, the butt of the joke right. is like really smart I think as well because like He's just a guy who has failed to capture Peach over and over and over again for like 30 years at the point that this game came out. (laughs) And they really play with that a lot in a way that I really appreciate as a person who is obsessed with like the fact that just because of the nature of stories, villains always have to lose. It means they're all bad at being villains, really. Um, Bowser like grapples with that in this yeah. game. Like they really look, they hold a mirror up to Bowser of all characters <laughs> it's and make him story reckon with in more himself. more ways than one. Yeah. yeah. Yes. 
Um, it's it's a really 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 good video game. Um, I I will say at the at the risk of spoiling something a little bit, I was surprised that Mario and Luigi like got out of Bowser for a while. Yeah, uh, about halfway into the game, they like get out, and then they kind of have like a lost moment. We're like, we have to go back. They all they all need each other. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, they, they have a moment. We're like, we need we need to go back into Bowser. <laughs> you play the rest of the game inside Bowser. I love I love this game so much. Um, yeah. and and it really does open me up to now wanting to go check out finally Mario RPG on yeah. Super Nintendo. I feel like that's that's my next peak that I have to climb yeah. for this stuff. Well, you're in luck, Brendan, because number eight for me is Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story. Oh, shit! Uh, so I just, I'll just continue the conversation. I mean, I pretty much agree with everything you said. It's a really great follow-up to Superstar Saga, which I would say is, like, one of the best Mario RPGs. Yes. Um, I grew up, Paper Mario was my intro, so I love the N64 Paper Mario. I think, like, mechanically, I think the first Paper Mario and the GameCube Paper Mario are, are more fun for me, combat-wise. But I think, like... Just in tone and humor, the Mario and Luigi series is the best. Yeah, uh, I haven't. I still have to play a lot more of um, Thousand Year Door. Mm. So like that that seems to be like the one people like really love. It's but good. Inside Story. <laughs> yeah, you're a big Paper Mario fan, right? I'm a huge Paper Mario fan. Yeah. yeah, I still have not finished Thousand Year Door because at the point I'm at, I don't have enough levels or items <laughs> to get through the final boss. Yeah, oh, it's <laughs> rough. And it's too. I was. I was. I couldn't be troubled to go back and. Mm, that is something that I, so inside story is a surprisingly hard rpg there are a couple boss battles that one that's like a bug inside bowser oh, I love is like one. fantasian part two level <laughs> difficulty um i was actually very prepared for this game to be like number one or two mm. i like loved it i think the one thing that kind of holds it back is like the battles just take a little too long mm. like oh, that's interesting pretty much every like i, I think the boss battles are great because they're thrilling and there's a really wonderful mechanic where like you usually are playing as bowser who can mm -hmm. punch and breathe fire. But if you inhale enemies, they go inside Bowser and then it switches. And you have to fight them as Mario and Luigi. Uh, the yeah, first time that happened, shit. I was like cheering out loud. Yeah. When, like the game surprised me that Bowser, like I knew it was going to be inside Bowser, obviously. But the fact that he's like the de facto hero, I yeah. wasn't prepared for. Yeah. And him saying it's showtime before battling, I got so excited. <laughs> and the, when he gets huge and fights his own cat, Ugh. it's very thematically rich to see Bowser, with the help of Mario and Luigi, destroy his old castle. Yeah. Like, I think that, that's, that's the eye of the duck of Inside Story, I think. Because <laughs> I think it's a lot about, like, I think the game avoids making it too corny of him being, like, too redeemed. Like, he's still a jerk the whole time. Yeah. But, like, in face of greater evil, I, I think it opens with Bowser genuinely trying to help. When he sees Mario, he gets so pissed off that he just becomes a villain again. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it almost feels like Mario and Bowser are two sides of themselves. Mm. You know, Mario in some ways is, like, the super ego, like, <laughs> kind of void what other people want him to be. And Bowser is this pure id. <laughs> they do Luigi dirty here. He's like, a, he's always... They always do Luigi dirty. Yeah. He's always been, like, skittish, but he's, like, an actual coward. Yeah. Like, he never <laughs> wants to... They have to push him into every battle. Yeah. Yeah. It's very funny, but I mean, yeah, the this game is the so... first game, uh, Superstar Saga. He's not even supposed to be in. Right. Remember yeah. right, the, the way he gets introduced to in Superstar Saga is like, I'm gonna hang out at home, and then accidentally ends up in the story. There's yeah. a touching moment though, like when you're in. I think it's Bowser's stomach, and like Luigi falls into a pit, and this. I think it's one of the Globins mm -hmm. uh, in Bowser's body, but they they're like, I found this like sacred treasure and this weird guy in a green hat. Yeah. <laughs> like, which one do you want? And Mario. 
says something in like mock Italian, like, yeah. like which is a lot. But uh, <laughs> uh, I also love when he goes, mm-hmm. like, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the creature that has picked up both things, is like, oh, you're saying your brother is like equal to, if not worth more than like a irreplaceable treasure. That's so sweet. <laughs> That's very yeah. nice. I, I think this game is really about needing each other, even mm-hmm. the part of you that you don't want to face. Totally. And, you know, the villains. And I think like having Bowser be the star, because I think Bowser is like, narratively the most interesting character in the mushroom kingdom yeah. like you said the villain that has to always lose and like is there a world in which he like knows how to be good right i mean one of the fast travel points is his conscience or mm-hmm. his like you know the voice in his head that wants him to be better yeah and he's just such an idiot like, he's just eating like <laughs> you know like he's eat, he wants to eat meat and like get in fights like that's yeah. basically it you might think that in the canonical mario timeline this might be the game where he turns around and then Comes Mario Kart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah this <laughs> is where they're all of, hanging out. This is his, like, sort of his redemption. It's the, the closest he gets to the sports games. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so I guess we'll, we can play tennis, but we're not going to hang out. Yeah. 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 So um, I wanted this to be higher. I think I, I felt a little, and this is very much probably just because we were playing over 100 games, but I just found like I wanted to get from point A to point B in the plot faster than the game allowed me to. Mm. Yeah, I totally get that. I I actually have a different gripe with the game that kept it lower on the list for me, which is the sequences in which you're playing as Bowser and wandering around the world, I found to not be that well designed. There's Mm. no map. Yeah. It's really easy to get lost. It's really easy to get lost. um, And it's really easy to have have, uh, kind of a roadblock in terms of figuring out where you're supposed to go next. And the moments in which like, oh, I was supposed to switch back to Mario and Luigi and I didn't think to do that. Yeah. Um, It happened enough that it definitely kind of similar to you restrained me from moving forward in the plot, which is all that, I wanted uh, to Superstar do. Saga had a similar issue where I got lost a lot and I was actually relieved to see that it was side scrolling inside yeah. Bowser. And then of course it's not when you're Bowser. Yeah. So, you know, very small graphic. Like it's still an incredible game. I think it's one of the best RPGs on the system. Yeah. Uh, and again, out of a hundred games, it's number nine. So we obviously yeah. love it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. This, this game was incredible. That was your number eight. That was my number eight. So Speaking now it's of your number eight. Continuing conversations. My number eight is Elite Beat Agents. Oh yes! Jesus, wow. <laughs> now it's higher for you. Yeah. Uh, oh my god well here's the thing is that I had never played it before yeah. I had no nostalgia for it I didn't even know what it was so it I, was probably like shocking <laughs> I just assumed it would be on your list and it really felt like playing the video game version of what I imagine is happening in your head <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling, maybe you maybe you recognize this, maybe you don't, but I have a feeling that that experience that you had in college playing this game, like, rewired your brain. And <laughs> that's, why, that's why you said EBA without thinking. <laughs> it's just in your head are these guys, like, dancing at all times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, this game is unbelievable. It, it is yeah. so funny. It is so joyful. Um, it is, in my opinion, and I don't know, maybe your list will say differently, it is, in my opinion, the best rhythm game I played for yeah, the Nintendo DS yeah. um, of the other ones, this is the one that really stuck with me, um, and and I did want to like score chase, and I did want to see it all, and I did replay levels over and over mm-hmm. again so I could see what was happening on the top screen. Yeah, um, because I was just so floored by every decision. Like every yeah. decision is so funny. It is always like the weirdest thing you could possibly think of, matched with like the most okay song from the early two thousands. <laughs> 
and it's usually just like a, a fine cover of that. And I do, I do feel like this is a game that actually has aged better because it is a time capsule. Yeah. Like this yes. is a game where like when you go back and you're playing Skater Boy by Avril Lavigne, that's hilarious. Like yeah. anything that has Skater Boy by Avril Lavigne in it is immediately funny. Yeah. <laughs> you the, put three dudes waving their arms. The level yeah. for Good Charlotte's the anthem. I I've always strongly disliked Good Charlotte, and I love <laughs> this song now because of Elite Beat Agents. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like a retired baseball player needs to save people in a theme park yes. with the powers of baseball <laughs> to the anthem. Wow, it's it's just an extremely good game. I feel like we've already had kind of the long conversation about it, but um, it is a game that kind of like you. I started playing it at Walter's Disney World, and then yeah. uh went on to come home and like finish it uh, pretty quickly because I, I just couldn't put it down. I always have a feeling like independent of my own list. I'm always like if if I had to recommend to like everyone, like what are the games everyone should play on the DS? Yeah. This is one of them. Yes. And this is just like a universal appeal. Like you can kind of play it at any level you want. Yeah. Mm. It's just so fun. Yeah. It is it is kind of a weird situation where it is both using the two screens well and poorly simultaneously. <laughs> where like I'm glad all that stuff is happening on the top screen, but it does distract you sometimes. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's a it's a conflicting game. I'm really glad we both had that because that means that AJ can put in two tracks from this game's soundtrack <laughs> in this episode. So yeah. you can hear the hits. Or just share and share. Or yeah. <laughs> Just the, the rest of the share song. Yeah, 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 yeah. To, to make up Nobody for not remembering the name of that song. Try. Yeah. It's a new day, but it all feels old. It's a good life, that's what I'm told. But everything, it all just feels the same. Wow. Number seven. Jeez, wow. we're flying through this. Yeah, we are flying through this. I also like Bowser's Inside Story. That's all. That's all. That's all <laughs> oh, yeah, do you want to say, say yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I don't have much to contribute, but uh, I, I, I really, really did enjoy that game. And, and I, you know, I haven't played it since it came out or whatever. Um, but the only thing that I'm really recalling about that game is I remember a lot of the Mario and Luigi, like, side-scrolling, platforming stuff. And mm -hmm. I can't remember any of the bowser actually like moving around the world stuff but i do remember the battles yeah uh so i guess if i were to give a take right now <laughs> um i would say that the the bowser platforming stuff is not yeah good it's not, it's not, it's not very strong <laughs> yeah but the battle the battle stuff is so good. yeah and it's much easier to sense the timing which is something that i think yeah. like, is always the hit or miss part of all the mario rpgs yeah. is like Especially with Bowser, like it's a very clearly broadcast. Like, do I duck? Yeah. Or do I try to punch? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. It's it's awesome. Yeah. I also love just generally the design of Bowser in those games. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like he's got the tiniest little legs. Uh. And yeah. then the widest chest possible. It's yeah. He's, so good. He's awesome. I love it. And the, the, I love yeah. when you all level up and they all pose. Yes. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. oh man. In God. Mario Party, Super Mario Party. One of the only really positive things I can say about that game is that when Bowser wins, he does kind of like a Don Rickles. Like, you know, like, <laughs> he like plays the crowd, Holy which shit. I love. Yeah. Ugh. Number seven for me. Yeah. Number seven for me is Ghost Trick Phantom Detective. Nice. So this is a game I had never heard of before doing this episode. But oh, cool. Any list you look up, it's on there. Yes. This game has maybe the most like devoted cult following I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it's mm. remarkable. Same creator as Ace Attorney. Mm -hmm. And you can definitely feel that. I will say right off the bat, I think this is the best looking and sounding DS game. I totally agree it with you. It is shocking. Yeah. The, the, basically what it is, is you play as a ghost who has recently been murdered and you have one night to find out who your killer was. 
and also who you are. Yes. So it's it, it's <laughs> kind of told in a very classic noir narration, but it has all the charm and the humor of Ace Attorney. Mm-hmm. And it's actually really cool to see like that creative voice in a totally new presentation because Ace Attorney is largely a visual novel. You'll see the characters are in front of you in text boxes. Here it's done in like a like 90s point and click style, but yeah. everything is 3D and the animations are stunning. They're amazing. Like I wonder yeah. if they did motion capture because like hmm. one of the first things that happens is like you're kind of waking up to your new ghost existence and you see a woman get murdered in like a junkyard. Yeah. And then you quickly learn like, oh, if you you can move around by possessing items that have a core. So essentially they've like gamified point and click. Yeah. So rather than having to actually click on everything and see what works, the game is illustrated like here's a path you can take. And if you possess a corpse, which just sounds morbid, it's it's really the tone is well balanced. But if you possess a corpse, you can talk to that person's spirit, hmm. rewind time four minutes and try to prevent their death. Oh, wow. So in some ways, it's the opposite of Ace Attorney, where in Ace Attorney, you're a lawyer, <laughs> yeah. you know, trying to prove someone's innocence. Here, you're trying to prevent a crime from even, from even happening. Hmm. Um, and there's a dramatic irony, because like the whole time you're trying to figure out who killed you and why and who you are, you end up constantly helping other people. Mm-hmm. I, I think the game has a very positive message in that regard. Mm. Um, but essentially, you quickly form a partnership with this woman, Lynn, who's a detective who like is tied to a larger story. And you kind of end up going to all these different locations and like meeting all the people. What I mentioned before mm-hmm. about Ace Attorney's humor, like everyone you meet in Ace Attorney, kind of like Fire Emblem almost, has a gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll have like three animations of them doing something. Yes. There's a guy in one of the Ace Attorney games that's always throwing bird seed at you. <laughs> Uh, and here, because you're seeing it in like your you know a third person view of the characters, like there's a guy who just dances everywhere, and like it takes him like ten minutes to walk down the stairs, and like <laughs> it's just so joyful. It's so funny. Everyone is weird. There's not a yeah. single character <laughs> who isn't extremely yeah. bizarre. And the discovery of like who the main character is and. Lynn Lynn is a great sidekick. They've mm-hmm. similar to uh to Phoenix and Maya, there's a great partnership with Cecil and Lynn. Yeah. Their dialogue is such a joy and like it's so well written. Yeah. Really the only reason it's not higher is I, I think sometimes the game asks you to prevent murders and there's one level that is actually a Rube Goldberg machine. Mm. Like Lynn Lynn dies a lot. <laughs> and it starts to become a joke. She's like, hi, I died again. Like, let's try to prevent that. Uh but she walks into a basement and it triggers this Rube Goldberg machine and then she gets shot. So that that is the game kind of dropping the veneer because every level is a Rube Goldberg machine. Right. Yeah. But sometimes it's like basically impossible to know the logic of like there's one level where you have to like possess a suit of armor, swing a sword, mm-hmm. drop a globe on it. Like every now and then when you find what you're supposed to do, it feels more frustrating than right. not. Like how like it kind of falls into the point and click thing of like how would I know to do that right. thing? Yeah. Not just clicking the entire screen and doing everything. But that being said, it's like it's like an eight to ten hour game. It's very focused and what it does well, it does really well. I can see why it has the devoted following it does. Mm, totally. Really glad I finally played it. It was a really fun experience. Yeah. I agree with you that a lot of the levels do feel like they kind of veer into trial and error territory yeah. in ways that definitely do a disservice to the overall thing. Because kind of like Bowser's Inside story in a way, it's like you just want to see more of the plot because yeah. all the characters are so interesting and as you're saying like sonically and and aesthetically i mean it's on a completely other level than anything else that's really happening on the ds um it's just so so beautiful um it's a it's a really really good video game yeah ghost trick i, ghost pl- trick. I played uh, it's on mobile as well it is, it is. On, it is on uh, mobile yeah. i played the first chapter on 
available because it was free. Um, nice. And I think the rest of it. You like, have to pay for the rest. Yeah, it's like five ninety nine or something. It's cool it's that not. they back this up. I mean, this is like pro- I mentioned in actually yesterday's episode when we recorded that Capcom is great at porting their stuff. Mm-hmm. This game definitely is like the hardest to find, but I did actually get it on mobile just to see, and it plays pretty well. I remember playing the first chapter and like being actually really like impressed with how well it it worked. Yeah, yeah, and then it goes back to what you were saying about DS, like preparing people for smartphones with the touch screen. <laughs> controls on it actually work very well on mobile. totally mm-hmm. i'm amazed that they didn't continue this but i also by the time the game wrapped i was like i'm done with that mechanic at yeah. this point you know yeah. I, I really felt like it had kind of like you know uh, concluded uh it's it's uh excitement for it me it keeps it special too and this is also one of the last ds games as well yeah and i think it's like things that develop cult followings tend to be like not continued yeah and i think it's nice to keep it special because i mean mm. Ace attorney is still wildly popular but like there's a million of them yeah they yeah. vary wildly in quality so yeah. you know it would have been very fun to see just you know uh doing some fun uh fan fandom shit over here but <laughs> i think it would have been fun to see uh, an ace attorney ghost trick the creator crossover? actually talked about that he was like oh, really? i would love for phoenix to die and have sicil like uh, yeah i was yeah. yeah i was just gonna say like cool have like sicil do all the investigation and yeah. then have phoenix do the actual i uh, if, if they bring it back it has battle. to be a collaboration yeah because the ace attorney world is so fun and it fits mm. right in with the ghost trick world yeah. so um, although i guess they kind of also already did that right with with Phoenix Wright and professor Layton, yeah, yeah. Which, which i'm excited to play i now now that we've done this whole experience actually one of the next games i want to play is the phoenix Wright. uh Professor Layton crossover. Yeah, I, I would Very say if you were a fan of Ace Attorney, you will love this. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and I think even if you don't really know Ace Attorney, it's still like it's got, it feels a lot like a double fine game where it has mm. that oh, kind of Tim Schafer like sensibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Agree with you. And I mean that as a big compliment. So yeah, I, I really loved this game. I love I love the box art so much. Yeah, with Cecil just dead <laughs> He's on in the, the ground, worst face down, yeah, yeah. just this ghost like floating out of the yeah. top, looking like really confident. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so funny. Just a just a quick list update. Brendan had this at number eight for you. Oh wow! Okay, so around so, the, you almost got it. Yeah, that was pretty close. Pretty close. Pretty yeah. close. Number seven for me. Uh, wow. I'm really excited about this one, actually, because I feel like this is maybe a, a left turn, maybe unexpected um, a little bit. But it is the number one best-selling game for the Nintendo DS. It is New Super oh. Mario Brothers. Yes. There you go. This is a game that I remember receiving when it came out. Like, I got it as a gift uh, when it came out and uh, fell in love with it immediately, played through 100%ed as a kid because <laughs> I was, like, obsessed. You know, just this idea of, of having a, a side-scrolling Mario game, like, on release was very exciting to me. And it was one of the games that going into this experience I was expecting to be like, yeah, you know, it's pretty good. I played other ones since then. They've made a lot of them. I think an important thing to remember is how important of a game this is for Nintendo. Mm. This was such a fucking big deal yeah. that, that they made a new side-scrolling Mario game at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not only that, but that it was, like really really good i think i think i had kind of forgotten that it was incredible in a way because they've done you know they made another one for the wii they made another one for the wii u they've uh they ported all of them to switch now yeah like new super mario brothers like as an idea is like so far down the line that it's kind of hard to forget that it all started on the ds and like when it came out was shocking yeah Yeah. um but it feels like it just captures so much of what makes nintendo great in such an easy breezy way like the (laughs) even just the like thing that's on the cover of getting the giant mega mushroom that makes you gigantic so you can just like plow your way 
through a level and not even need to like play it yeah. is so funny. The idea that you can like go to the toad houses and just get a giant mushroom that you can just like have waiting in the wings to just bust out whenever you want is Ugh. like just for fun. Like that's just a fun idea. But it also introduces so many things about Mar. It, it, you know, honors kind of the past. There are a lot of ideas that are really interesting. Fighting Bowser Jr., fighting the uh, the the like Koopa kids, things like that. Like pulling all of that into the future was really smart. But it kind of lays the foundation for so much of what makes Mario interesting now as well. I feel like they've introduced so many mechanics that like I have a hard time playing Mario games without them now. Even just the idea of having an item waiting in the wings is like such a great idea. It's so cool to just have that there ready to go at all times that I can just like tap on at any moment that I like really need it. I I feel like the introduction of like the three coins that are hidden throughout the level is really fun and kind of like a natural extension of a lot of what was going on in Super Mario World. I think the music is amazing. The presentation is amazing. The idea of the enemies on the screen dancing to the song as you're playing and running through it, like stuff like that is just like, they didn't need to do that. Yeah. You know, it could have, that bit by itself could have been removed from the game. I still probably would have had it at number seven, but like that, that addition by itself just shows that they cared so much about like putting their stamp on bringing the side scroller Mario game back. Because I feel like up until that point, you had just thought like, well, it moved into 3D and that's just going to be it forever now. Yeah, right. Um, but New Super Mario Brothers proved that idea of like a side-scrolling platformer can still exist. Mm-hmm. I feel like people have tried doing it since and have failed miserably, whereas Nintendo keeps knocking it out of the park over and over again. And going back and playing this game not only highlighted how important it was to Nintendo, but how important it was for me mm-hmm. and how much I still think it rules. And actually, maybe even some of the ones that came later aren't as good as this. Yeah. It is just like a perfect crystallization of everything I'd want from a Mario game. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, I mean, I think this feels kind of like a guitar solo of platforming. Totally. Where it's Nintendo <laughs> being like, oh, the song's over. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think it, you're right that it's kind of a best of. It almost reminds me of the approach to Link's Awakening, where it's like mm. they're almost satirizing and honoring yeah. like their own work yeah. and kind of making this really experimental game. I think it's cool that they did this alongside the Mario 64 Totally. Because the 64 remake was seen like kind of the safe bet, even mm-hmm. though it's like ambitious for a handheld at the time. Yeah. It's like we're going to remake one of the hits. That being said, that game begins in your Yoshi. Yeah. yeah. So they're already like throwing. I think it's yeah. interesting to think about the DS ports or remakes overall, because like in the GBA, like if you're playing FF6, like some minor differences, but it's largely the same game. But, you know, Mario 64 begins as Yoshi. So it's already like we're going to yeah. we're taking an FF7 remake approach to this, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, it's it's that game for all intents and purposes to me is a tech demo for the DS. Yeah. yeah. And like they didn't need to make it fun because yeah. <laughs> Mario 64 is already fun. They could have just taken it and put it on the DS and they said, no, 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 no. Yeah. You're Yoshi. It's interesting you brought that up because I feel like like an actual tech demo Wii Sports is still one of the best Wii games. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I it's think like sometimes... Nintendo can't make a bad launch title. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> right. I think it, it speaks most directly to their intention for that entire generation. Exactly. Right. You know, so yeah. I think it's, it's cool. I mean, Mario 64 even, that was the first 3D Mario game. Yeah. So coming out of the pipe and seeing the camera, which was a new idea at the time. Right. It was mind-blowing, yeah. you know, for a seven-year-old. <laughs> uh, I'm glad. I, I think I guessed this initially, and then I sent AJ a different list that didn't have it. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, unless I'm wrong. No, uh, you actually had this at number nine. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So they're so around go. the same. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah th- each other. Th- this, I will say, uh, very much as a person who brought my DS with me on the subway everywhere I went, this was mm. a game that I played a lot on the subway. Yeah. And, like, I felt myself going back to the year that it came out and, like, trying to get all the coins, trying to unlock everything. 
um, I beat the game and then like went back and was like, I'm going to hundred percent this thing before we do the bonus <laughs> and like didn't get there really. But I have had the music stuck in my head for about three months. <laughs> <laughs> I love the blue shell suit. That's a great addition yeah. to this game. I mean, it just, it's just hit after hit on mm-hmm. this game. I feel like whenever they add it, other than B Mario and galaxy, just like <laughs> kind of pathetic in retrospect. Yeah. I feel like every new suit, like the cat suits, great. Cat addition. suit is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Cat suits are great. Yeah. yeah. No shade on B Mario is giving it as all. It's like, it's just, I don't want to fall slowly. Right. That's yeah, all like you why, can do. Yeah. 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 I fully agree. <laughs> I didn't realize I had such strong feelings against B Mario, but I do. Yeah. Fuck him. <laughs> fuck B Mario. We're like F Mario. Anyway. <laughs> Speaking of Mario, number six for me is Mario Kart DS. Oh, shit. Okay, wow. cool. Um, this is a game that I mentioned before I have a strong history with. I love this game. Uh, I'm actually surprised it's not top five. I, I think one thing that I kept thinking about while playing this is like, I think that Mario Kart, we, we use this analogy a lot of like series where there's a game that represents like, this is the best version of this game up until mm. this point. And it is the game that takes it forward. Mm-hmm. I think playing Mario Kart DS in a world in which Mario Kart 8 Deluxe exists, yeah. I think does pull it back from top five for me. Mm. I do think, though, as a single player experience, this is the best one to play yeah. in some ways. So I think that there's actually not a lot to unlock in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe other than Golden Mario and then like yeah. the different menus. Yeah, the whole the point of that screen. game is that they unlock everything for you at the beginning. Right. Right. Because so, like, if you played it on the Wii U, you had to unlock all that stuff. But the Switch version is like, oh, no, you just have everything. But there's sort of like an arcade execution to Mario Kart DS. First of all, it looks wonderful. Like it, it really. It really holds up. It looks beautiful. The music is great. Some of the new levels, Waluigi Pinball. <laughs> Some of the levels are. I mean, that, which raises so many questions. Like we're in his. Arc- anyway. Yeah. Uh, everything is his dream, you know. Um, <laughs> Jesus. But uh I, I think this game still really holds up. I think it's also, I remember it feeling like, oh, this is the first Mario Kart that really focused on driving, mm-hmm. you know, because I think that like every other Mario Kart, like Double Dash, I think prior to this was the best one. Ugh. But even that, you know, like Mario Kart always, the items are always a big thing other than the blue shell, which is cursed. This feels the most like balanced Mario Kart. It, it feels like it walked so it could run yeah. in a lot of ways. And I think the online play, while not existent anymore, was a lot of fun. The ability to play with friends and they would be shy guy was awesome. <laughs> this is a game that I like 100%ed as a kid. And like whenever I played, I felt like at peace for this episode. Mm-hmm. So I think this is also one where like if I would recommend the DS library to like everybody. This would be on there. Totally. Um, it's truly one of the system's best games and it really holds up. Yeah, I think um, one of the games on my list for the Game Boy Advance was Super Circuit, which I, at the time I described as just a remake, essentially, or like a, a seeing an idea to fruition of the original yeah. Mario mm-hmm. Kart uh, for the Super Nintendo, which I went back and played and was like, this is not very good. But the, <laughs> but the one on the Game Boy Advance like actually is, I think, what they were trying to make. Yeah. Um, Mario Kart DS following that up, I mean, is like shockingly good. It's a huge, it's shockingly yeah. good by comparison. And I think, as you said, you know, uh, Double Dash has its has its champions. I was one of them for a long time, but I really do think that Mario Kart DS was the best Mario Kart game until Mario Kart Eight. Came yeah. Out. And and honestly, it's a little bit contentious between the two of them in some cases. For yeah. Me. 
I mean, there, there's things I prefer about DS. I mean, again, I think as a single player experience, the challenge mode, like, yeah. there's a lot more to do just yes. in the game in general, which yeah. is cool. Yeah. Uh, I love Mario Kart. So that's DS. number six for me. Yeah, wow. I um I did a stream a while back where I played all of the Mario Kart games in a yeah. row to see which one was the most difficult, uh, which was very fun. But Mario Kart DS, it, it, especially in that one night of playing every Mario Kart game in a row, <laughs> DS like really stands up, like yeah. really almost right next to Mario Kart Eight Deluxe. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's so relaxing. Yeah, it's the most relaxing game of all time. <laughs> That's it. That's what they, that's what they say about it. That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what the DS stands for. You um, snooze, you lose. <laughs> my number six. Oh my god. Woo. This is this is actually really fun. I don't know how this keeps happening over and over again, uh, but it's Ghost Trick. Oh no Fan, way! Oh, yeah. which is officially the last game I played for this game uh, for this bonus. Oh no way! Wow! Yeah, um, wow! I kept it on the back burner for a long time just because I knew I was going to love it. Honestly, yeah. um, as you mentioned, you and I did a lot of research, looking at a lot of lists that people had written over time. I think you know, as we talked about with the Game Boy Advance episode, that was kind of like early on in like YouTube coverage of things, but like even then was like maybe still a little bit too early. People on YouTube were like nostalgic for the Game Boy Advance at that point. Yeah, so it was a lot of like trolling through forums. To, to kind of uh, figure out what people thought about Game Boy Advance stuff. The DS was like like in the prime early internet, like games media sites are reviewing every single game that comes out. Yep. There are YouTube reviews of everything. There are YouTube Let's Plays of everything. Um, and in so many of those lists and so many of those conversations and so many of those wrap-ups of the DS, Ghost Trick is like mm. frequently number one. Yeah. Like a lot of people say it is the best game for the DS. So yeah. it, it's interesting that it's this low for both you and me, but still, <laughs> you know, we played 150 games and right. it's in the top 10. That's like remarkable. Yeah. And I think... I think this game is like really kind of a masterwork for the for the platform. Um, I think it's great that it's on mobile. It's very cool. Mm -hmm. um, but I really appreciated the separation between the two screens for some reason. I thought that was really fun. I mean, you've already said a lot of what I was going to say about it because I, I I was sure it was going to make your list, but I, I wasn't I, w I wasn't sold on that idea. I thought that you might replace it with something else at the last second. So I'm glad that I'm glad it made your list and my yeah. list as well um, because this is really one of the ones that I needed to be like proven on. But I like love the Phoenix Wright game, so I was just sure I was going to like this. And it is just so silly, as you mentioned. The animation is off the charts. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. The music is amazing honestly the thing that i think we could go harder in the paint on is the story is great yeah uh did you finish it i know what happens i, I made it to like chapter 15 oh, okay so yeah. i have like a few more yeah okay so you've seen like some big reviews yeah yeah yeah, yeah i mean the game goes in some wild play like hmm. you you will not expect the story to be as good as it is uh yeah. and you will not expect to care as much about the characters as you do until some stuff happens it, it, it's very it, it's more emotional than i expected yes and it's also very like the sense of mystery rules. Yeah. Ace Attorney, you always know who's guilty. Right. You know, some guy shows up like, you know, in like a tracksuit and is like, yeah, I didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah. Um, but Ghost Trick, like you really have no idea. You're, and there's so many twists and turns and like you're kind of suspicious of everyone. Yeah. But like there are really, I think along the whole journey, like you're really connecting with people the whole time, like mm -hmm. literally in some cases. Yeah. And the ability to talk to like animals like you talk to a dog named missile <laughs> at one point which I, i'm pretty sure there's a dog named missile in ace attorney as well oh fun oh. so i wonder if that was like someone's dog in the team oh, yeah, maybe. In. like george lucas and indiana jones right right yeah, <laughs> yeah ghost ghost trick is is a must play yeah i think say. so too and I'm, yeah. I'm glad it's available on mobile so it, you know it's pretty widely available i think like even removed from the ds it's still like a hit and you should absolutely play it and yeah. experience it as you mentioned it's pretty short which is also really nice yeah i couldn't put it down like i really once i started playing i was like so sucked into it immediately 
absolutely. I, I do think that I, I started to wear on the mechanics a little bit towards the end, especially. Yeah. But overall, I mean, just, just an amazing game. It's, a, it's an incredible package. They do a good job of like communicating to you. Like Sis will always be like, oh, I think I missed my path. Like, yes. so like, oh. you know, even, even though like, like there's one where it's like, you have to like lift the garbage can at the right time to mark a circle yes. on it. It's like, how on earth? Like. I never would have got that. Yeah. I never would have got that. But at the same time, like, it's not really. Yeah. I'll be honest. There were one or two that I had to look up. That yeah. I was just like, I, I just, I, I, I don't have the energy like, to do it. It won't get in the way for you to play this with a guide because you're there for the narrative. Yes. And I totally. think there's enough, like, you'll get enough, I feel like a genius moments mm-hmm. where it won't feel like you're going through the game. Like, yeah. you will still be playing it. Yeah. But there's a couple like, okay, I'm going to go on Game Facts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank God for Game Facts. Thank, thank God for Game Facts. My number six game is Game Facts. <laughs> so that was your number six. Yeah. Do you want to take a break before we do top five? Yes. I was like, okay. did, I, did I do my number six? Uh, time is irrelevant. Uh, time stops in the ghost world. That's yeah, true. Let's take a break, prep ourselves, and then we'll do top five. That sounds great. Amazing. Cool. Actually, let's get lunch. <gasps> oh, When I said shit. prep ourselves, I, I was like, let's get a sandwich. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Bye. Bye bye. See you soon. Hello, dear listener. Uh, this is Stephen and Brendan in the present, or at least in the July 2nd, 2022 timeline. Uh, we're recording this little segment after we have already recorded the DS episode in person. Hope you're enjoying it. Thank you for listening. We wanted to just sort of speak a little bit openly about uh, the state of the show and um, sort of like, I think, be candid with uh, certain elements going on. Um, so as you know, we've had a Patreon now for X years. Uh, we started a Patreon because people asked for it and we really like didn't know what to do with it for at least two years. Um, <laughs> we just were kind of blown away by the fact that people wanted to just give us money. So and I think we were and still are uncomfortable with that to a certain degree. You know, I think we we love doing the show and we're always just like amazed that we have an audience at all. Not to sell ourselves short, but like it is surreal because it's such a personal thing you and I do. And it's like I think the kind of interesting element of podcasting is like you're not you don't have a crowd. Right. It It does feel like you're just doing it together. Yeah. We just hang out on Skype every week. Yeah. Right. And it's like, oh, like there there are witnesses to our friendship. Sick. <laughs> um so I think, but as the show has grown, obviously we've, t- we've taken it more and more seriously. And the Patreon, at one point, we had to be like, "Hey, you know, you were paying AJ out of pocket at one point," mm-hmm. and we had to come on air and be like, "This show is so important to us, but we do need help making it because, like, it's not fair to you or AJ to like have them receive a reduced rate and you to be paying out of pocket in addition to working full time. It just became unsustainable, yeah. like financially. Right. So we were open about that. That, that was like a couple of years ago, maybe a year and a half ago. I don't even know at this point. The <laughs> pandemic has melted. Yeah, I, I don't know either. Uh, but since then, we've also like always been playing around with like, okay, now that we're actually like utilizing the Patreon as a space, what do we do there? At first, we were like, we're going to do monthly bonuses there as well which is essentially what we still do but i think we've changed the format of like what a patreon bonus is Mm -hmm. yeah it's a little bit looser it's a little bit more creative we're always trying out different stuff and as always please always send your feedback on what we do there the content there ranges from like 
there might be a news event that comes up that we are excited about and want to cover. So we'll like record something there because we're not really a news show. So like, I think it's, it's often a space for stuff that's like kind of on the perimeter, what we would usually talk yeah. about. And then stuff that's just like more abstract or like, you know, different guests. We even have ideas for episodes without either of us just to have like mm-hmm. a, a place to feature people we love to work with and who have cool ideas and things to share. So we're really excited about it. So I think it's definitely turned from something that we were like kind of stressed and uncertain about to a place they're like, okay, we really want to invest in this place and give back to people who are able to donate to the show. All that to say, I think we're at a point now where we do need some help again. We have been paying AJ essentially a friend rate uh, for the past X years and yeah, the whole time pretty much. It's not really fair to them. I mean, we're at a point where if we if we paid them their proper rate, the show just wouldn't have any savings at all. Mm-hmm based on what we're currently making, but we also want to pay them more because they deserve it because they do incredible work. So we are now aiming, if we hit this number, we will essentially have bases covered. Uh, Right now, I think we make a little over 1,200 a month on the Patreon. If we can get to 1,500, we can increase AJ's pay and also be able to save some kind of money for the show. So that's like kind of our our humble ask. It's it's an awkward position to be in, but I think, you know, whenever we've been candid on the show, I think it's usually received in good faith. Uh, we would truly, I think both of us hate bringing this up at all, but I think we have to be honest <laughs> yeah. with the situation because we essentially want to keep making the show and we do need the support to keep doing that. Yeah. But on a more positive note, our aspiration, and this is like, you know, shoot for the moon, even if you miss a lot of them on the stars kind of thing. <laughs> uh, if we can hit 2,000, Eventually, there's no like there's no like hard date on this. When we hit 2000, we will make a special bonus for all of you on the Patreon. It will be a 3DS episode kind of in the style of this one that will cover our favorite 3DS games. I think that's the level set. That episode will not be a year of prep work (laughs) the same way this one is. Uh, We will definitely check out new stuff, but I think it's going to be a little bit more casual. But I think we wanted to do something for the 3DS that wasn't necessarily a full-blown season premiere. But we're like, this might be something where if we have like an incentive to do it, we'll do it as a nice sort of encore for this episode. So that's where we're at. 1500 to cover base costs for the show. If you can donate, that's incredible. And also, I think now that this episode has been recorded, we can now kind of refocus on potentially getting the merch store set up. So for those of you who have been giving $10 for no reason... First of all, you're a saint. Second of all, you will have your perk in the near future. Thank you for your patience. Um, So that's the situation. Yeah. Just to follow that up. Thank you so much to AJ for doing such incredible work over the years. We've been trying to figure out a way to increase their pay for a long time. um, And and this seems like the best way of doing it. So thank you so much to everybody who has uh, allowed us to keep AJ in as like the third aetherite, I think is how how we've described uh, them in the past. But it's such an integral part of the show. um, And and I I think we've always wanted to bump that number up. So um, thank you to everybody who is helping us to make that happen. And also just very excited to play the 3DS. Uh, I've weirdly alongside doing this episode, which you're listening to right now, dear listener, have like had a real love affair with the 3DS alongside this as well. I've been playing a lot of 3DS again, uh, so would love to do that episode. So um, just, you know, quick shout out to the Nintendo 3DS, I guess, as well. And that (laughs) library. Um, Thanks for all you do. For real. I I mean, as you already mentioned, we didn't start a Patreon until people asked us for it. And I think for a long time we didn't know what to do with it. And uh, I, I think we're like starting to land 
on a more concrete kind of view of the future, which is a really exciting place to be. Uh, also, if you're paying at the $5 tier, you get access to an Airtable, which has a whole bunch of stuff in it, which is like, you know, a list of every episode we've recorded, every game that we talk about in all of those episodes, um, a list of all the games we're excited about that are coming up, like a big release calendar of stuff that I've been updating. But alongside all of that is an ongoing list of ideas for bonus episodes and Patreon bonus episodes. Um, so as Stephen already mentioned, send us ideas and we'll add it to that list. And next time we're sitting down and trying to decide what bonus to do, we can pull from that list. Absolutely. It's also worth noting we have no plans to change like the current tiers. Like we'll always add more stuff potentially, but you know, the dollar tier that allows you access to all the Patreon episodes, that's like pretty much set in stone. Yeah. We don't want to change that. I think it's important for us to have like the lowest barrier of entry be the best perk in some ways. Totally. You know, like we want to share these episodes with you. So I think the dollar tier will stay where it's at. And then you get, you know, the air table, which is honestly, it's incredible. I think that's the tier to get, to be honest. <laughs> Um, and then obviously if you're able to do the 10, that's just like beyond any gratitude I can offer over an audio medium. Yeah. Oh man. I have to add so many Nintendo DS games to the air table. (laughs) Whoops. It's also actually probably worth mentioning, um, alongside you know us wanting to bump up the uh, amount of money that we're paying AJ on a monthly basis for editing the show we have enough listeners now that we've also needed to bump up like our podcast host tier so we're now paying more yes. on a monthly basis for that um, and eventually we'll also have to pay for Airtable which is a free service but once you add enough data to it eventually becomes a paid service so I, I think you know th- these goals are essentially just to like cover the cost of things that we um, just want to like keep up and maintain for everybody like hosting the podcast which is pretty important um but in doing so like we we were just able to finally update um our youtube and we now have every episode of the show uploaded to youtube which is sick um and it's just going to continue doing that every time we release an episode now so this one will be the first new one to launch on youtube at the same time as uh everywhere else which is like pretty sick uh so shout out to everybody who's listening for helping us get to that point yeah thank you so much and again even just listening you're helping the show if you're not able to give financially like even in this scenario where we're kind of asking more directly for support like you know we we will keep making the show but i think as the show grows the cost grows and we just want to be open about that that way you know where the money is going you know and that's also like that is where the money is going. Yeah, <laughs> it is going to the show. Uh, so just thank you to all who are able to donate. And for those who can't, uh, just we also greatly appreciate you listening. Totally. All right. We've talked enough in the middle of this other episode that we recorded a week ago. Uh, let's let's let people yeah. get back to what they signed up for. Yeah, this is sort of parasitic in some ways. <laughs> uh, let's let's release the host and allow the DS episode to continue. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we love you all. Love you Goodbye. all. Bye. Oh, Patreon.com slash it to the cast. We should probably oh, yeah, that mention might be that. Important. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. See ya. And we are back. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Maybe I should have asked before I did that. No, you're good. Radio announcer <laughs> assumption. We are back. Yeah. We have thing. not eaten lunch. I know we just alluded to eating lunch, but uh, we've decided to get it delivered. Yeah, we were betrayed. Our favorite place is closed. <laughs> and uh, we are, hey, we're broadening our horizons, dual screens. There's yeah. always another option. <laughs> uh, so we are waiting for the sandwich, but uh, why not get a few more in? Yeah. yeah. We're waiting. The sandwich is what DS stands for. Oh, man. Oh, God. Anyway, we're on me, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's true. You love that. It's true. We're on you. We're on you. Yeah, we can just move on. Okay. I don't have to make jokes. (laughs) Your jokes are good, and I like them. Okay. Number five for me Mm. is 
Castlevania. Oof, yeah. Hey. yeah, it is. Portrait of Portrait Ruin. Portrait of Ruin, yeah. Yeah, baby. Sick. So I've talked about this. I think I actually brought all three DS games to the show before this episode. It's true. Um, this is a really interesting era for the series. I think like Game Boy Advance, like incredible era for Metroid. Mm. DS, incredible era for Castlevania. Mm. Um, I've said this to you off the show, Brendan, but I feel like choosing a favorite Castlevania here, because we had a loose rule that was like, if you're talking about a series, like try to choose one. Like unless you feel like really, really strongly <laughs> that like, yeah. Half your list should be like Akira Toriyama art. Like, you know, I feel like we would like, okay, what is like, what could you possibly be referring to, Stephen? (laughs) This of the list isn't like three series. It's like black, white, white too. Yeah. Yeah. Soul, silver, heart, gold. Right. Yeah. We'll get to that. Um, Yeah. So for Castlevania, there are three games of the DS and I think they're all great. Yeah. I think that like, really it's more of a personality test than anything. So like Dawn of Sorrow is, I think it looks and sounds the best. Like that seems to have, been given the biggest budget of the three it also someone pointed out in the discord i didn't even realize this which is embarrassing but a lot of games were given subtitles to be ds yeah so donna sorrow was that that was the first one direct sequel to aria of sorrow and kind of a very traditional (laughs) sansworth yeah you keep making jokes um i found donna sorrow to be a lot of fun but it very much is like a direct follow-up to aria um, and that, that might be what you want, you know? I think it's interesting that this era of Castlevania games, I think, like, at the time, similar to Tactics A2, at the time it was, okay, like, we're in the post-Symphony of the Night Castlevania world. These games are all in that realm. But I don't think anyone realized this to be the swan song of this style of Castlevania mm, game. Yeah. Because the next Castlevania game, I think it's Lord of Shadows. That was like a total rebrand third person adventure game. Yeah. The sequel to that came out in 2014. And since 2014, there hasn't been a Castlevania game, or at least in the mainline series. So Whoa. weird. Isn't that crazy? Oh. I, I, I could be wrong. Yeah. But looking at like the mainline entries, there hasn't been one of that long, which makes sense because Bloodstained was a huge Kickstarter right, success right, right, right. made by the producer of this era of mm. Castlevania games. So I think like it is kind of weird. I think Castlevania even more than Metroid has like had a bit of an identity crisis. So in retrospect, this DS era of Castlevania games feels like sort of the post Ocarina Zelda where every game is like every game after Ocarina time in the Zelda franchise is basically like Ocarina of time, but this, <laughs> you know, so Majora's Mask is focusing on like sort of a moodier ambiance. Wind Waker, you know, they all they all like are in that style of game, but they're Ocarina all going time, after but their own thing. Wet. <laughs> yeah, that's the best pitch for it. Um, so I think like I see these Castlevania games as kind of that. It's like okay, Symphony of the Night, but Aria of Sorrow and more of it. Mm. Um, Order of Ecclesia, which was the last one, is very much trying to revisit ideas. And Simon's Quest, which is kind of an infamous sequel, it's it's the second Castlevania game that I think tried to do a lot and is like as beloved as it is like critiqued because it's like even at the time it was very esoteric. Like even for the the NES assumption of how an RPG should function, it was like the villagers are lying to me about where to go next and like you know so order of ecclesia took like a very rpg heavy approach at a castlevania game and i was i was really torn between ecclesia and portrait of ruin mm. as my my pick the thing about portrait of ruin is just that it is the most fun yes like it is just the most fun to play i do think it has the most of a venn diagram with the classic platformer castlevanias it's more interested in action and spectacle 
in a way that the other two really aren't. Mm. And I think honestly, the the central premise of playing as two characters, Charlotte and Jonathan, who yell their names, which yes. that's all you needed to know to know that this is going to be my pick. Yep. <laughs> Switching between Charlotte and Jonathan, who are like two underdogs. Like to be real, the game's story is like kind of nothing. Like it's mm. either extremely campy on purpose or by accident. I think it's on purpose. I think it's on purpose. But there's a point where you're both riding motorcycles and yell yeah when they explode into a wall. So like yeah, I think that's kind of how I like Castlevania on a subjective level. Like mm-hmm. I like it to be silly and lighthearted. Yeah. And this game, even though the story is sort of like fine, I do think there's something kind of engaging about the fact that the lead Jonathan is in a Belmont and kind of has this like imposter yeah. syndrome and Charlotte is like a sorceress in training. So they're both trying to prove themselves, which I think actually made me invested in them in a way I've never really cared about a Castlevania protagonist. Like mm-hmm. I, I did care about them and I was interested in how they would develop throughout the game. I think like the way they both play. So like in Dawn of Sorrow, you are a uh, summer cruise who can absorb enemies powers and like, you're kind of like a blue mage of just like I get random enemy abilities and I can use like a plethora of them. And every run is kind of different because mm. you almost never know what powers you're going to get. Right. Ecclesia is interesting because you have glyphs that you absorb through like a cool back tattoo uh, <laughs> where like the glyphs will be weapons, but they're also powers. And there's like a whole like weakness system that you have to know to progress. Um, Jesus. Portrait of Ruin, I think it has a lot of variety because Jonathan gets all the weapons you expect, like the whips and the swords. He also gets sub weapons, which are like a huge variety and have the same like, you know, pool of moves that like Soma would, but it's all tied to sub weapons. Mm -hmm. And then Charlotte is a maid. So like, I actually do think between the two of them, there's enough variety that I got what I wanted from like an Aria of Sorrow experience, Mm -hmm. but it was through a different lens. And I was always really excited to get new stuff. And the game is like constantly giving giving you things you know yes. i think that like it's a nice middle ground between like okay there's like the central it's weirdly like mario 64 oddly enough where like yeah. there's a central dracula's castle and then you find paintings <laughs> that you jump into and each painting is like a little P- bite size would you say <laughs> <laughs> are they a ruin <laughs> uh, you go into these levels and I, I just think that the pacing of this game is <laughs> is really nice for me. Like I, especially yeah. playing all these games. Like I was always looking forward to playing this one. Yeah. And when I was playing the other Castlevanias, I was like, I feel like I can respect all these on a different level, but like Portrait of Ruin is the one that has my heart. And I love that they yell their name when it's their turn. <laughs> and it just felt like in tone, <laughs> it was what I was looking for. And in functionality, it was like just the most platforming centric action heavy and fast-paced one of the three yeah. Yeah. so portrait of ruin is my number five nice. nice yeah that's of the three castlevania games that's the one i had the most fun with yeah um, yeah as i've mentioned on the show many times but if this is your first episode it's worth probably reiterating not a huge castlevania fan i every single time we try and do stuff like this i try and get into them i always want to like them and mm. i it just never really works for me I, mm. they never really click the way i want them to but yeah this yeah. one is like the closest i've gotten to like really liking a castlevania yeah. game um didn't make my list but i i appreciate having played all three of them this one the most by far the final boss fight of death teaming up with dracula is sick (laughs) it's so fucking it is sick sick. the boss fights are like in general like they they play (sighs) with the switching mechanic in a way that always feels really fun yeah and like like death will chain up one of them and be like your time is up and then you have to switch the other one like free them yeah and also I, i think this is Something we haven't touched on yet, but the the bittersweet or, or the kind of sad aspect of playing the DS now is like a lot of games are really excited to use the online yeah. in a way that you just can't anymore. 
So I think this is the first co-op Castlevania game. You could originally play online. You could also open like a store. Like you could have had like a store of items to sell Whoa. to other people. That's so the whole part of this game I did not yeah, hear. There's a whole online component that like is sort of missing. That being okay. said, it's definitely designed like even though like you could think it was designed solely for co-op based on the two protagonists, the ability to switch between the two and to also like summon them to fight alongside you. It's really well done. And it, it makes this feel really unique and really fresh alongside the rest of the library yeah. of Castlevania. So I, I loved it. Yeah. I had never played and still have and have not played since any Castlevania games. Uh, Other than I only played Portrait of Ruin. Hell yeah. Uh, it was just one of those ones I saw the the art for. Yeah. And I just had two people on. It said Castlevania. I was like, people like Castlevania. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I knew, honestly, I think I bought it because I thought it was Dawn of Sorrow because I like <laughs> knew that was like the DS one. So I was yeah. like, okay, I'll get the DS one. But it's... I, yeah, for everything you said, it's it's such a fun game to just like play and be in. And I still, like I said, 16 years later or whatever, I still think about it. I knew my one friend, I lent the cartridge for a while and they were moving to Japan. And I was like, okay, you can move to Japan, but give me back my Castlevania <laughs> so, I can, so I can play it maybe. Uh, and then my DS had died, but uh, we're good. I, that, that situation has been remediated. So I'm really excited to play it again. And to, I want to dip into the other two. I think you'll enjoy all of them. I would say like if Portrait of Ruin is like the thing you're looking for. Yeah. I would say Bloodstained is the closest to that. Mm. Bloodstained felt very intentionally campy to me. Yeah. And I would um, say Record of Lodos War. That's what I was yeah. going to say. It's a great the, one too. The switching mechanic especially. I yeah. think yeah. that might be why I clicked so much with that game as yes. well. I played the shit out of Record of Lodos War. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, a great that's a great like Castlevania like. Yeah. That yeah. also you enjoy that a lot. I too. loved that game. Yeah. yeah. It was really fun. Yeah. Deedlit in Wonder Labyrinth. Record of Lodos yes. War. Uh, and also I I, I, if I'm recalling correctly, one of Charlotte's magical melee attacks is she just opens a book and a bunch of swords pop out. Oh yeah, that fucking rules. Yeah, her so her sick. weapons are just books. One of which is Don Quixote, and you just open it, Ugh. and Don Quixote, like a knight shows yeah. up and attacks. Ugh. She also yells the name of her spells, which is great. Beautiful. It's like you know, it's a really stylish game. It I is feel like yeah. as well. It's they like they very... all have. I mean, I, I will say of the three, this looks the lowest budget. Like mm. <laughs> like it still looks great, but like. Order of Ecclesia has some like 3D stuff going on with the water. Uh, Dawn of Sorrow is almost a Steven Spielberg movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Whoa. It, yeah, Dawn of Sorrow is maybe one of the, like, second to Ghost Trick. It's like one of the best looking DS. I was shocked at how yeah. high the production value on that so, game was. I think if you just play Portrait of Ruin like, on its own, it looks great. But back to back, you can tell there was like yeah. a dip. Yeah. Um, but that didn't stop me from enjoying it. It's, it got your heart. It's a yeah, good game. It got my heart. Yeah. Good game. Number five. Wow. Number five for me. Oh my god! Here we go. Uh, excited about this one because um, I I wasn't expecting this to make the top ten. Um, Kingdom Hearts three fifty eight over two days. Hell yeah! Boy, is that game good. I I am a noted Kingdom Hearts fan. Uh, yeah. Played the first one when it first came out. Played the second one when it first came out. Missed a lot of the spinoffs. And I, I mentioned this on an episode recently, but um, I've kind of been dipping into and out of the the spinoffs as we've been doing the show. You and I talked a lot about Birth by Sleep a while ago. 
Um, but the DS ones had like totally eluded me forever. There are two that came out for the DS, this one, and then another one called Recoded, um, which you and I like clown on all the time. <laughs> it's, it's the thing about Recoded is it's a remake of a mobile game that essentially existed to be like a kind of forever game. Like that their plan was to just update it forever and just like have people play it forever. And then eventually like they had to wrap up service on it. <laughs> so that just ended up not happening. Um, also like the phones that they made it for just like didn't exist for that long. <laughs> so like, yeah. who are you making it for even yeah. who's holding on? onto their phone to play kingdom hearts coded yeah weird question so anyway they ended up remaking the thing uh for ds and what i'll say about recoded before we move on is that game plays beautifully it feels so good the story is awful like just (laughs) like it's not even that it's incomprehensible because like of all the kingdom hearts games it actually gets like the closest to being almost what you expect (laughs) Just because it's essentially like an almost remake of the first game, yeah. But for the DS, so like you're just kind of hitting the same beats. Mm. It feels a little bit like you know they're trying to swerve every once in a while to like be surprising, but it never actually is very interesting. <laughs> the thing that really kept me playing that game was just that the combat felt exactly like it did on the PS2 somehow. Yeah, um, it was really good. It was it really played really well. Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days though, completely different beast. And actually, I w- I would say, and I don't want to say this definitively because I, I want to keep experiencing. I haven't finished it, but I want. I want to get to the end of it and I want to continue my my playthroughs of all of the Kingdom Hearts games but it's like maybe up there with Kingdom Hearts 2 for me which mm. is my favorite one yeah. this gets the closest to it which is interesting because it's a little bit of like a spinoff of Kingdom Hearts 2 specifically but if you haven't played um, if you haven't played 358 over two days the idea is that you're playing as Roxas who is uh, a member of Organization 13 I know this is silly but you're playing as Roxas he has just joined Organization 13 this is a group of people who if you've played the Kingdom Hearts games or even if you haven't you've probably seen them because they're just like kind they're of on cloaks they're kind of a meme yeah, yeah. they're just like in these black cloaks mm-hmm. um and they all have like different weapons and different vibes and the whole thing is that like you're the new member of organization 13 and their whole thing is that they need to obliterate a bunch of heartless to release the hearts that they have captured to create kingdom hearts i'm not going to get into what all that means but that's like essentially the overarching goal of, of organization 13 roxas is the 13th member who is joining and is essentially the only person who can actually do the thing that they need to yeah, accomplish their goal he can use a keyblade yes uh, because yeah. because he is a keyblade wielder he can unlock the hearts from the heartless so he like the the hopes and goals of all 13 of these members kind of ride on him and he is like so detached as a person he like doesn't know who he is he doesn't know why he exists he doesn't even really understand it he's almost like coming at it from the point of like a normal kingdom hearts fan who like (laughs) doesn't know all the lore (laughs) and is like is like i don't i like i feel no i feel nothing about this goal i feel nothing about the idea of kingdom hearts like Mm. i don't even he kind of like doesn't even like want to exist he just wants to like be in his room and i had this realization like pretty early on in my experience like this is a game about a person dealing with depression yeah and like needing companionship to kind of pull them through it and pull them out of it and like give them meaning because so many of these people, the the whole first, I would say like almost five to 10 hours of the game is you going out on missions with the other members of organization 13 who are like teaching you how to just exist as a member of and this. they're all mean to you and they're or indifferent they're yeah they're either all mean to you or all indifferent because they're so jealous of the power that you have yeah. for the most part oh, they're like wow. oh you're the only one that can do this all of our hopes are riding on this person who like doesn't give a shit <laughs> and you have one friend named axel who is like the one person who is like really trying to give you any kind of encouragement 
and, and, and any kind of like real friendship and like knows that that is the way to pull you through. The game ends up, you know, getting into like Kingdom Heartsy shit where you end up like going to the different Disney worlds and stuff. But that first like five to ten hours where you're just in Twilight Town, which first of all, the most beautiful music in like any video game for me, like that really makes me want to tear up every time I hear it in the first place. Yeah. But that experience of just like learning the ropes with the team is so powerful and so interesting. And at the end of every mission, you have this kind of like little blurb that Roxas will give you about like just how he felt about his day. And it's always just like so sad. His journal was actually like surprisingly effective. The thing about this whole group too is that they're called nobodies. Yeah. And uh, essentially they are sort of like soulless in some ways. Yeah. And Roxas seemingly wants, it's almost kind of like Pinocchio where like they want to understand yeah. humanity and emotion. And like even their friendship with Axel is like, almost imitating the movements like who's yeah. um pretty early on there's another person who joins that can use the keyblade what was her name again is it uh it's with an s it, is, is it, i thought it was with an x like zion or well, something uh yes you're right yeah oh, okay gotcha yes so she joins and i feel like roxas tries to be the role axel was to him yeah mm. but to him it's like friends eat ice cream so now that we're done now we we're eating ice cream, ice cream yeah. and stare at nothing yeah <laughs> and like the the relationship between her roxas and axel I thought that's was the heart really, of the game. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. like really the heart of the game. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also think just mechanically, and I talked about this a little bit on the show already, but I think mechanically it's one of the more interesting Kingdom Hearts games because it really understands that it's not a mobile game, but it's like a game that you're supposed to take with you on the go and you're supposed to dip into and out of. It's a really smart way of of having a game the size of a Kingdom Hearts on a thing like the Nintendo DS because the way it works is you're just going into these levels and like doing these missions. Um, so there's like a main quest that you're always able to do whenever you want. Uh, but sometimes they'll require you to do a couple like mini quests in between and they can range from like a group of, I would say like six ish different kinds of activities, which honestly are all like interesting and fun. The thing about this game, I think a, a reason that maybe a lot of people don't like it is it's really easy to get sucked in and just play it nonstop. Like it's really easy to just like pick it up and play it for like three hours straight. What the game really wants you to do is to put it down always. Like it wants you to like jump in, play a mission or two and then close the DS, move on to a different game, like move on with your life, come back tomorrow, things like that. Um, and I found that once I started to do that is when the game really started to click for mm. me. Hmm. Like when I checked in the next day and it really was the next day for Roxas also was the uh, moment where it like really, that's I, cool. I yeah. started to feel like I was understanding him as a character a lot more. I think, I think this game is really stellar. I think it's one of the best kingdom hearts games. Definitely from like, a narrative perspective as well it's actually like one of the tightest and most understandable which is really nice surprisingly despite, yeah. the title. despite being yeah. like featuring the characters that show up to confuse you yes uh. <laughs> yeah, the thing is is that like in in no version of my life prior to doing this episode that i think that i needed more information about organization 13 like yeah. as a person who likes kingdom hearts i always found that to be almost like they almost represented the bad part of that franchise right, to me right. and and i didn't expect to get to know them in a way that actually was compelling yeah i agree i mean i i was surprised by this game i also found it to be really narratively engaging in a way I think you are the bigger Kingdom Hearts fan of the two of us. I, I like it. I don't know if I love it. Yeah. I played the first one growing up and then I played the second one and I thought that was enough uh, <laughs> to prep myself for three. Um, Foolish. I think you're right. I think this game is is absolutely one of the best written games. Yeah. And it's also like very thematically rich. Um, it didn't make my list. I found the act of playing it to be not very fun. Mm. I think the mission, like I think I made the mistake of going through it and like the missions where you have to just like 
check out a spot and like find where they want you to examine. Yeah. I like actively disliked. Mm. And at a certain point it was so good at evoking struggling with depression. I felt depressed. Yeah. Like, uh, like, yeah. I get that. Th- this game yeah. it, like is, is almost too good at that, mm-hmm. which, you know, is <laughs> a testament to the writing and to what it's trying to explore. And it's not a bad thing. I just, I think the big thing for me is like, I didn't really love the gameplay or the mission. Cause I think something that I love about kingdom hearts is like, arriving at a new world and like seeing what the new energy is going to be and the yeah. fact that like you're just going back to Travers town over and over again and there's a new member of organization 13 being like i'm really good at this you should do this mm-hmm. I, I was like this this feels like a child's brain being forced to go to school yeah which again is like what it's trying <laughs> to what explore, the game is it's like yeah. it's like you're actually also making me do that yeah yeah <laughs> so I'm, I'm really glad you had this this connection to the game i think it's really it's really special and i think this is one that i it didn't make my list but i marked it for like i want to revisit this and yeah. i think like i imagine we'll do more kingdom hearts stuff eventually i think this will be one that we will talk about more at some point yeah Another thing I'll mention really quick for people who are maybe considering checking it out. Um, first of all, I think the control schemes that they have available on the DS, the one that they start you with is not very good. Um, but I don't know why, but th- about three hours into the game, they unlock new control schemes, which are actually like significantly <laughs> oh, better. What? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they do that. It's really bizarre. Um, but there are, there are like better camera controls that you unlock a couple hours in, which I highly recommend switching to when that pop-up shows up. <laughs> what? Um, on top of that, this is a game that actually if you play it on an emulator on your computer works really well with a controller. Oh, cool. Like if you play this with a controller on it, like birth by sleep was another one of those where before they had launched it outside of the PSP, like the best way to play it was on an emulator with a controller, hmm. kind of a similar thing here. I ended up switching back and forth. I just moved my save file back and forth between my computer and my DS, depending on like what I was doing and where I was going. But I, I really, I really, really love this game. What's interesting too, about this one is that in a lot of the big collections, like the like 1.8 yeah. plus whatever in those big collections of kingdom hearts games, this is usually just the cutscenes. Yeah. So in a lot of packages, you can watch this game, which on one hand sounds like the maybe the best way to experience it. But I, even though I just said <laughs> I actively didn't enjoy playing it, I do think the game's message loses a bit if you're not actively Completely playing agree. it through the missions. Yeah, I totally you know? agree with you. So I think that like if you are curious about this game, I think the best way, whether you love it or hate it, or you know you feel indifferent, yeah, like Roxas. Uh, I think playing it is the way to go. Look, they say it's 358 over two days for a reason. Like, take your time with it. Yeah. For yeah. real. That's a great point. I never even thought of that. You shouldn't play all of it over two days? Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> I guess this was number four for you. Oh, yeah. wow. So I was very close. Yeah. Cool. Number four for me is Pokemon Soul Silver Arcles. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. So I knew there was going to be a Pokemon game that made it. Yeah. This is an interesting era for Pokemon. I mentioned before that when I was in high school, I got Pokemon Pearl and played it to death. And like, I have very fond memories of that game, but I don't remember the game itself. I remember playing with friends. Mm-hmm. Revisiting fourth gen, let me be clear. <laughs> I don't think there's any bad Pokemon game. Like even the ones I think are like less successful I don't really think I've ever like not enjoyed them, but like, they always scratch a certain itch for me. Mm. Maybe Sun and Moon is the only one where I was like, eh, I'm kind of over it. That being said, I find fourth gen Pearl, uh, Diamond and Emerald to be like kind of dry. Planet. It just feels like very much like a Pokemon game, mm. you know, for better or for worse, like you're going to get a Pokemon game <laughs> and it's going to be that. I think also like comparing it to third gen and second gen, which like 
you know, we recently did an episode about Pokemon Red and Blue, like the jump to second gen and then the jump to third gen. Like each of those games are taking like really interesting leaps and also like focusing on interesting settings. And fourth gen feels just like kind of dry. It feels like like a lot of the region is in the mountains. So a lot of it is like you have a whole new generation of Pokemon and you see Bidoof and Zubat for like the whole game. Yeah. You know, so I didn't love revisiting that. White and black, I would say if you're only if you're like only going for like what are like the DS exclusive generations, I think fifth gen is great. Like I, I do like black and white. I don't love it on the level that some people do, but I do think it's definitely better than fourth gen. I think it kind of struggles between this idea of like Black and white one, at least, is like, you're only going to see the new Pokemon in this game. Yeah. You know, so like... I love that as a decision, yeah, in theory. T- totally. Yeah. So I think that, like, there's one side of black and white that is trying to be, like, new for... It. Here's, like, your new entry point into the series. Yeah. And the game is, like, so pumped to give you everything right away. It's like, here's running shoes. Here's a TM that you had to trade on GameFAQs for in, in 2005. Here's, like, <laughs> this, this, and this. Go, 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 go. Eight battles. Go, 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 go. Keep going. Yeah. Which I appreciate on one hand. Like, I think that there was a lot of quality of life stuff in that game. I remember playing it in college and being like, oh, I love that TMs are reusable. All that kind of stuff. I like the New York setting. Yeah. Um, there's some interesting ideas that pop up. I don't really think they're executed very well, but like, yeah, there, there was an attempt to do something different. So like, I think that like, I respect fifth gen for trying out a lot of new stuff. Mm-hmm. I just don't think playing it now, it like totally sticks the landing for me. So that leaves the remakes of Gen 2, uh, Heart Gold and Soul Silver, which I remember when we did our Crystal bonus, I remember someone asked, like, is the best way to play second gen Crystal or the fourth gen remix? And at the time I said Crystal, and I, I do think, like, I don't think one is definitively definitively better than the other, um, but revisiting Heart Gold, Soul Silver, I was just amazed at, like, how great it is and how unique it feels. Yeah. I think we talked about on the Pokemon Red and Blue episode, like the fact that for us, Fire Red and Leaf Green felt a little bit kind of just a little too by the books as a remake. Totally. These really take the opportunity to like recreate the world of Johto with the engine of the DS, but also do things that are unique to it. The idea that like every Pokemon follows you around, kind of like Pokemon Yellow, but for every Pokemon, they made a little sprite to follow you for every Pokemon. There are, you know, beats that happen that are unique to this game. All the gyms have kind of been redesigned to have the flair of the DS games which i think that's like the best part of fourth and fifth gen are the gyms yeah um so like you know bugsy's gym isn't just people waiting for you it's like you go on these little spiders that move Mm -hmm. around and i am biased because i love johto as a setting seeing it recreated in this way is like just like a dream come true for me specifically i just also think it just looks the best of the three of them like it has like i agree the best production the use of 3d is really subtle but effective i like this as a single player campaign the most this is also a game that I just loved playing and returning to. And I think it really is like the perfect middle ground between like what I love about the older Pokemon games and what I think the DS games benefit from. It mm-hmm. feels like an also kind of a time capsule at this point, but it's like this is sort of almost the best of in one game for me. So for that reason, it is number four for me. Yeah. Soul Silver. Um, the thing about this generation specifically, I, I read a really great thing on Nintendo.com. They used to do a thing that was called uh, Ask Awada or Awada Asks, I think, at the time. Yeah. Um, where Awada, while he was with us, would go around and he would ask developers of various games that were coming out for Nintendo systems, just like about their production history and like what's going on and like their philosophy behind making these games. Um, and talked to the head of Creatures Inc. and also Game Freak. Uh, Creatures Inc. is who owns Pokemon about just like the making of this game. These two guys in particular had been with the development teams of Pokemon since 
red and green in Japan um, and mm. had like been part of that process all the way through this. And these were like kind of the last ones that they worked on. And a really interesting thing that they said about gold and silver specifically is that they made them to be the ultimate Pokemon games. <laughs> when they made gold and silver, they were like, we're never going to get the chance to do this again. <laughs> wow. So let's just make this the best game we possibly can before we like move on to other projects and other things. And like game freak becomes something different. Um, because as we mentioned during the crystal bonus, red and blue were in development for a really long time. I think it was like six or seven years, which is like, re- it's a long time for a game in that era specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by the time it came out, they were already working on gold and silver. So I didn't like really know that it was going to be a huge hit yet when they were working on gold and silver. Um, so they made them to be like the last Pokemon games and obviously they blew up and like it became this whole thing. But as you and I mentioned a lot, those games were kind of created in that vacuum where there was no pressure at all. So because of that, they were just able to take a lot of risks and do a lot of really wild stuff. Yeah. Um, and then by the time Gen 3 rolls around, which like people are kind of iffy on, still, they're kind of safe. It's the, it's the beginning of Pokemon starting to play it safe. And yeah. I feel like, you know, although I love Gen 3 and I talked a lot about that on the Game Boy Advance bonus that we did last year, there is something about that game that does feel like it's playing it a little bit safe. Yeah. I think as much as I love going back to it, I love that world and I just have such a strong nostalgia for it. And I think it holds up when you get into Gen 4 specifically is like... Diamond and Pearl, as much as I love those games, I talk about them a lot on this show. They did not hold up when I went go, yeah. to go back and Just play by them. comparison. You know, I think if, yes. like, if that was the game that like your intro to Pokemon or like the game that was out for DS, it was a blast because it's yeah. Pokemon. Yeah. But yeah, like playing it even alongside white and black, it's a totally different experience. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah, that's how I felt about Gen 4. Gen 5, I felt almost kind of similar to was like, you've gone in and you've given me 150 new Pokemon. You're saying this is a reboot of the franchise, but you actually haven't really changed a whole lot. Like yeah. there's definitely some quality of life stuff, but the beats feel very similar. They tried to introduce more of a narrative focus, but at the end of the day, you are a trainer going and battling eight gyms. Yeah. You know, uh, so like how much has really changed? I also think, and I don't want to dunk on this too hard because I know people feel very strongly about Gen 5, but I didn't find the narrative to be interesting. I think it it raises a lot of questions that it doesn't have the courage to answer, which right. really bummed me out, I mm, think. Yeah. Um, so you're left with Soul Silver and Heart Gold, which I agree, I think are like maybe the best Pokemon games, if yeah. I'm being totally honest. Like I love, I love... I love gold and silver so much. Like I love those original releases, but Pokemon soul silver and heart gold just like really feel like the crystallization of everything that franchise is doing. And what's so interesting about that. Awada asks thing is they were like, we're doing that again. Like this, these are the ultimate Pokemon games again for us. We're going back revisiting these things that we thought were going to be our last shot. And we're also going to make these our last shot because we know they are because we want to hand the franchise off to other people who yeah. will then take the reins and move on in the future. So like this was them actually knowing that this was the last imprint they were going to have on this franchise, which mm. I think is like really, really interesting. I think, you know, they're still around in the company that I'm sure they're still like, you know, high level executive producing, but they're not directing these games anymore. Right. Um, so this was like it for them. And they were like, cool, we're going to take every single advance that we've pushed into the future with diamond and pearl and we're going to take all of those things and put them in gold and silver and it so works yeah the fact that they took the effort to take like every single piece of online functionality all of the different quality of life improvements all the things that made diamond and pearl really great when they came out and put them in the world of johto is like that was that's it's just dream. Yeah. that's just going to be the best pokemon game really yeah and that's uh, all i want to say for now <laughs> good. uh just a, a quick list check-in um Brendan had this at number two for you. Oh, wow. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. I think that you looked surprised and I was like, either we wildly disagree on this, but I don't think it's true. <laughs> yeah. Or you thought it'd be higher. Yeah. yeah. I did think it was gonna be higher. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, this is like, we're in the territory where all these games are like masterpieces <laughs> in my yeah. head. You know? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Once you get into top five, that's just how it works. Yeah. Yeah. 
Let's do number four for me, and then let's eat sandwiches. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Number four for me. Maybe a game that you thought was going to be higher on my list also. Animal Crossing Wild World. Wow. Yeah. Was not on the list. Whoa. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. <laughs> I know you love this game. I just didn't know, like, because, you know, it's sort of a uh, Mario Kart situation where it's like the series has moved on mm. from here. But anyway, please. The thing about this is that uh, this whole episode was an excuse for me to go back and play Wild World again. <laughs> uh, as soon as we decided on doing this episode, I started up uh, Wild World Save and I've been playing it kind of <laughs> daily ever since. Yeah. Um, this game is still really, really great. It's great. I, I think the big thing about it for me, you know, I, I played it when it came out and loved it. It was my introduction to Animal Crossing. Obviously, I'm a huge Animal Crossing fan. I, I have said that more than enough on this show. Um, but the thing about this game is that it took that franchise and made it like really actually just work for everybody yeah i I think the idea of taking this game and putting it on a handheld console and letting it be portable is the thing that makes animal crossing work better than it should have i think Mm -hmm. you know when you when you play that game on the n64 animal forest or on the gamecube when you have to sit in front of a screen and play it there's something that's less intimate about that verse having the console in front of you in your hands wherever you are checking yeah. in at any moment during the day mm-hmm. um, and playing it and that still really holds up and even more so than the switch in some cases like as much as i love new horizons and i think it's the best animal crossing game like definitely i find that the switch as we've talked about also on the show a lot it's a little bit too cumbersome in handheld mode sometimes yeah, i get that for sure i can't i can't feel confident bringing the switch with me on the subway or on you know a bus or you know if i'm sitting in the back of a car or something mm-hmm. if i'm in like a lift i'm not gonna bust my switch out for like the 20 minute ride whereas i feel very comfortable doing that with the ds and because of that animal crossing wild world is still one of the most portable Animal Crossing games and I think it just got so much right so early on that yeah. even compared to a game like New Leaf which I think you know is the next step is the evolution of these games Animal Crossing Wild World still feels like it has its own unique identity it has its own ideas it's not just trying to be the GameCube version but on the DS mm-hmm. it, it actually introduces a lot of really really cool stuff even just the idea of being able to see the sky on the top screen yeah, by it's it, beautiful by itself just creates like the ultimate vibe yeah yeah that i love like i'm so i'm so nostalgic for just the top screen being stars <laughs> at yeah. night like that by itself and just the decision to do that creates such a sense of place that's like hard to match in even games like new horizons these days i i think you know this is one of the last games where the villagers would be mean to you frequently <laughs> i love that i think there's more of a sense of personality in the villagers than ever before i think the sense of progression is actually really interesting in this game compared to everything else because the next game you get a city folk which obviously Obviously has the city in the background. I almost forgot about city folk for the yeah. Wii. It, it, most people do. It's not, <laughs> it's not great if I'm being honest because it just reverts to what I don't like about Animal Crossing, which yeah. is the need to be at home to play it, right? Or the need to be sitting on a couch or something with a Wii mote. Yeah, with a Wii mote specifically. And then you have New Leaf, which also kind of has the town in the back that you're upgrading over time. I feel like Wild World was the last one where it's like the sense of progression is actually a little bit looser. But when things do progress, it's exhilarating. Like yeah. when you get to finally totally. upgrade the Nook shop at all it's like oh my god i have no idea what i did to do this but i'm so glad that it's happening um <laughs> yeah things carry a little bit more weight you yeah that's actually kind of a pitfall i agree i think new horizons is, is incredible we both love it and i think it's probably the best game like on paper but i think once you have godlike control over like yeah the terrain of your island like it starts to mean less mm-hmm. uh whereas here it's like even just getting on friendly terms with my grumpy neighbor yeah. feels like a big step. Totally. And this is also, I think, a game that benefits like uh, Kingdom Hearts from like checking in every day. Um, I, I really enjoyed my time with this game. I, I love the aesthetic. I love the mood of it. 
I made the mistake of uh, my DS that I was playing for this episode um, was accidentally a year behind. So I fixed that. And then in the game, I fast forwarded oh, a year. Oh, no. So my, you had a billion weeds. You had, I, you, do you have that big flower? Maybe I did. But I, I actually tried to like weed the place. I was like, let me let me fix this because I've grown attached to these villagers. Uh, and eventually I was like, let me let me delete the island. Oh, my God. Yeah, to start over. Oh, no. Uh, it, it really makes you feel guilty. It's like uh, they're going to all be gone forever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they, um, they, I started over and honestly it was still really fun like this game does make you do chores for Tom Nook for a long time that's an interesting thing because I, I find that that's a big contention point with a lot of people who play this game is like I don't really like the idea of doing chores for Tom Nook the thing is is like a lot of people who are playing Animal Crossing for the first time that's that's just a tutorial right you know exactly, which, which yeah. I think is almost so cleverly disguised that it does actually just feel like you're doing chores you know yeah. like they do, they do such a good job pretending that it's not a tutorial that a lot of people do think that they're just being put to work which <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just very silly. And I, I, you know, as a person who has played these games and has played all of them extensively, going back and starting a new save file in Wild World is always that's always the worst part is like, I just need to get over this first like 45 minute hump. And that's actually really difficult. It's definitely putting its worst foot forward, yeah. to be clear. But once I got past that, I mean, it, it's exactly what you want it to be. And I think we, we brought it up on the show prior to this. And something we both talked about was just like the appeal of not having control. Yeah. You know, I think like yeah. I think the games have given you more and more agency, which I think has overall paid off. Yeah. But I do think there is a place for a life sim game where it's like, I don't have a farm to worry about. I don't have like, mm -hmm. you know, it's not rune factory where everything is constantly leveling up. I'm just like here to exist. Yeah. Mm. And, and again, the, the, the things that are there feel so precious. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I mean, even once you get into new leaf, which I think, you know, is probably the next best animal crossing. It's game a nice middle ground one. between the two. Yeah. It is a nice middle ground, but even the ability to like go to an Island and catch beetles all the time, you know, every, every, uh, 7 PM, for example, as the sun <laughs> is setting, uh, especially if you, uh, get rid of all the bushes in the middle of the Island. So you just have the palm trees and then, you know, you just kind of run around until the beetles spawn, then you catch them and you make millions of bells. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. You don't have that in Wild World. You really do. If you want to do well in Wild World, you have to either time travel, which is bad, or put in the work, um, right. which is kind of wild uh, to say that like that's Just like fun. real life. That's fun and cool and good. Yeah. So what I'm saying is stock options are the most important thing in anyone's life. Exactly. This was a uh, Wild World was an honorable mention for me. This was very close to making it. Yeah. Uh, I think the reason I, I moved away is I, I do think that like, well, I, I love the place this game has, I would recommend more recent entries first. Yeah, I agree. You know, so I think that that held it back a bit, but I think it's a, it's an incredible experience and it's also very unique to the DS. That's it, the thing for me. Yeah. It, it kind of feels like what you said about super circuit where it's like, I actually played my first animal crossing was the GameCube one, which I mm -hmm. loved. But I, I think you're right that like, especially as an adult, like having a life, some game that you actively had to like sit down and do it benefits from being handheld. And I think it's not quite as dramatic as like the jump from Super Mario Kart to Super Circuit because Super Mario Kart is like everyone has powers except for you. Yeah. Uh, I do think, though, that you're right that I feel like the series kind of found its voice here. Yeah. In many ways. Which yeah. is cool to see. Hmm. Yeah. I also think like even as much as I love New Leaf and I think that that game is incredible, uh, the 3DS is weirdly a little bit less portable than the DS also. True. Yeah. To a certain extent. Uh, yeah. A lot of the 3DSs that they sold, at least here in the United States, to be clear, I know that this wasn't the case out of the U.S., but in the U.S., we're generally either XLs or like just kind of larger models. Mm -hmm. And it took until I got the Animal Crossing Special Edition non-XL new 3DS to really fall in love with New Leaf um, because it was like actually portable. I would keep it in my pocket while I was working at Starbucks for years. <laughs> um, and that was a, that was a really good experience. But my first 
blush with that was with Wild World. Um, and and I just I have such fond memories of playing that game for the first time and being able to revisit it was uh, was really wonderful. Oh yeah, Animal cool. Crossing Wild World number four. Number four. We're getting close to the top. This yeah. is flown by. I don't I actually don't know how long. It's probably been like five hours. Eh, two and a half. Yeah, that's pretty good. We're do, we're we're pulling it back. We're, ha- have we gotten better at this? Have we gotten, better? <laughs> <laughs> have we gotten more concise? Yeah. Perhaps dual screens. <laughs> Uh, do you want to take a quick break and eat sandwiches and then come back? I want to take a pretty long break and eat sandwiches. Let's do oh. it. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. We're back. Boy, am I full. Yeah, filled with sandwiches. <laughs> filled with ambitions. Filled with ambitions? Uh, that's what I heard. Oh, I, that's way better than what I said. What'd you let's, say? No, let's just go with that. <laughs> filled with ambitions. Can't wait to talk about three through one. Hey. One of the top three. That's inc- incredible. Yeah. 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 Months in the making. Months in the making. Um, is it my turn? It is. Wow. Y- you go first. Number three for my top ten favorite DS games is... Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, Trials and Tribulations. Wow. Yeah. I would say this game kind of counts on behalf of the trilogy. There are actually several uh, Ace Attorney games for the DS. There's also the Apollo Justice games. I didn't get a chance to play the Apollo Justice games, unfortunately, but it seems like the original trilogy is like the one to check out here. Uh, And I did play all three. I finished the first one. I played the first half of the second one. Mm -hmm. And I played all of the third one. Mm. I do want to go back and finish two. Yeah. Uh, two is like the most, I would say like all of them largely play the same. Two adds some mechanics like the psych lock and stuff like that when you're investigating. I would say like they all have at least one great case. Yeah. But two mm. is definitely the most inconsistent. Even three, like three, like opens and closes really well. The middle is like fine. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like some fun moments, but like all I have to say, this trilogy, I, I really love. I feel like it's been cool to become a fan of this series like, yeah. through this show. I think we talk a lot about preparing for this episode, which games kind of became positive rituals. And like, mm. I basically played Ace Attorney, the original trilogy, like every night for months. <laughs> yeah. So I felt like kind of like a comfort show in some ways where yeah. it was like something I kind of checked in on over time. And uh, I just love it. I mean, I think for very similar reasons to Ghost Trick, which, you know, it's not a coincidence for the same creator, but like right. there's an incredible cast of characters, like so deeply strange, but also very heartfelt. Mm-hmm. Ace Attorney gets much heavier than Ghost Trick does, um, even though Ghost Trick has like an emotional core to it. Uh, Ace <laughs> Attorney does manage to tackle some real, I mean, they're all murder cases. So like, yeah. even though the game game does a lot to sort of like distance you from that there are cases where they really tackle it head on mm-hmm. and the game also handles like themes of loss really well and like all these characters are really haunted by things and, and three especially is a lot about kind of letting go and celebrating the past which is a great thing to do at the end of a trilogy yeah um yeah. it does a great job wrapping up loose ends the ability to play as mia and other characters uh, throughout the whole game is sick. Like, if you have invested in these characters, there's such huge payoff for that. I just love it. I think, like, there are a lot of visual novels for the DS, and Ace Attorney is, like, a league above all of them. Mm -hmm. Like, in terms of writing and just, like, 
how invested I am, how they gamify being a visual novel. Like every now and then you'll stumble into like, how do I progress? Especially in investigations. Yeah. But like there is usually, unlike Ghost Trick where sometimes it feels like, how would I, how was I supposed to know that? There's usually always a logic to find. Mm -hmm. And I think Mia kind of becoming Phoenix Wright's like almost Obi-Wan, like force goes to being like, always believe in your client, think outside the box. Like the way they approach like law is kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, And I mean, like, I think part of me wanted to choose the first one because I think if you're going to play one, the first game is like the most like pound for pound consistent. It's a really great arc for Edgeworth and like the relationship that develops between Phoenix and Maya is like the heart of the whole series. Right. But three manages to introduce new characters like Godot and just they just steal the show. <laughs> I love Godot, Godot so much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. I just I, this this trilogy has a very big place in my heart. And it's kind of interesting to like experience that now. Yeah. yeah. It's such a beloved series that is so, you know, like kind of set in stone and like the video game canon that sometimes when something is that popular it's hard to enter it as a new fan because it feels like you're being told to play it rather than finding it for yourself but I think the intimacy of the handheld and like this game's love for the cast really does connect with the player the richness of character and the richness of the dialogue and like the commitment to certain themes like every now and then like there's some jokes that don't really age well or there's like things Mm. that come off inadvertently mean-spirited but like the bulk of the experience I found to be uh, tremendous. Yeah. I really, I really, really love this game. Yeah. I had a similar experience with you where I, there were a couple months ago where I was just playing Phoenix Wright literally every night and pretty much every day also. And like trying so hard to not just make every episode of our podcast about <laughs> Phoenix Wright. Yeah. Uh, for like a pretty extended period of time. Um, I'll say I had the third one at number 11 on my list. So oh, it was very like close. Really yeah. close to the top um, or mm. really close to the top 10. The thing that I would say kind of along the same lines as your recommendation is I think the first one is the best game but the third one is the best game if you've played the other two yeah exactly like i think everyone should play the first phoenix right i think it's incredible um i think it's the cleanest yeah it is Mm. but if you really do invest the time into playing one and two three does pay off well enough that it makes it worth playing even though i do have my same caveats that i brought up on the show earlier just that i i find that the investigation phase ends up I think dominating the trial phase, which is the thing that I have the most fun doing. Like, yeah. I love the trial phase, but the the investigation and the storytelling that has to happen where it's like, okay, I have to go to this location and then talk to this person and then look at this and then talk to this person again and then talk to this person again yeah. for some reason. Mm. Then go to this location I didn't even realize I had unlocked and then look at this and then go back to the first look at like, I actually really dislike that yeah. to be completely honest. like I, I don't think that that's strong game design. I think that that is actively misleading the player in a lot of ways, um, but it all pays off when you get into the trial and it's a blast. It's so fun. Yeah. I love. I actually love the fact that trials are like regimented in a certain way, the way the actual legal system is. Yeah. <laughs> like I actually does. I do think that that makes for like a pretty structured game flow um, that I really enjoy. And the first game is the most consistent on that front. The totally. first game is the most consistent in terms of giving just the right amount of time to the investigation phase for you to be interested in the case. By the time you hit the trial, you kind of already know what you're planning on doing, but it's just like, how am I going to play these beats out? I think it's really, really, really strong. But the reason the third one is on my list is just like kills of Godot. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I have the same frustrations with the investigation phase. It is the rest is strong enough for me to not like that doesn't weigh me down as much, but yeah. I get it. I mean, especially in the third game like they they really i did start to dread when investigations just didn't end yeah they work in the cases where there's more mystery because again a Mm. lot of the cases like you know who is guilty Mm -hmm. and it's more a matter of like proving maggie bird is innocent for like the third time (laughs) than it is like yeah like the the last case actually has a lot of mystery Mm. because the last Mm. case of trials and tribulations features a character who has appeared before and 
Phoenix is also missing for part of it. So there's like a whole like it's really, really like that. That, that last case is why I think the third one is the one that people list. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. I think like if I'm just recommending like which one to play uh, the first one. But, yeah. you know, in my experience playing them, the third one hit the hardest. I will say the other reason that it didn't make my list is because most of my experience playing Phoenix Wright was spent not on the DS. Mm. I played Phoenix Wright mostly on mobile and on Switch. Gotcha. Um, as much as I like it on the DS for a lot of the reasons that you've also mentioned on the episodes uh, prior to this one, it's just another case of Capcom being really good about like pushing their series forward mm. um, and having it available in multiple places. And honestly, it was just really nice to have like on my phone sometimes when I was hanging out, like about to go to bed. Or uh, sometimes if I want to, I will like make a dinner and sit down and be like, I'm going to make it through this whole case. Yeah. You know, like this is going to be my night. And to have it on the TV was sick. Yeah. I do think I would say it looks much better on the DS, though, I think because the art style was meant to be pixelated. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of smoothed out in a way that looks a little off. It doesn't look bad. Mm. Sort of like when Mario and Luigi was remade on the 3DS. It's not quite that drastic, but it's like a version of that. I also like having the dedicated screen for the evidence. But yeah, I mean, you can play these anywhere. The, The main trilogy is almost always deeply on sale. Yeah, uh, they are they are great just for like the history of games. I would mm-hmm. highly recommend them. So number three is the third Phoenix Wright game. Wow, oh, yeah, Mother Three at number three. Mother- <laughs> uh, Brendan exactly. has it at, had it at number four for you. Oh really? Yeah. That was very close. Yeah, yeah, you get me. Number three, for me, uh-huh. is Mario Kart D. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yes. Nice. This is one of those situations where I just needed to admit to myself that this was going to be in the top 10. <laughs> yeah. you know, this is a game where like, I started playing it pretty early on in this process. was like, wow, that's... That's a really good Mario Kart. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, just like kept playing it every once in a while, moved on to play some other games, realized that like in between things, whenever I would sit down and open up the DS, like I would just kind of instinctually go to Mario Kart DS mm. and like do some races while I was like waiting for stuff to happen in real life. And continually throughout like the almost year of this process, that was just my intuition. Every time I opened the DS was like, oh, this is my Mario Kart machine. Yeah. That's bizarre. <laughs> That's weird. I, 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 there was a certain point when I was putting the list together where I was like, I really, I do need to recognize that maybe Mario Kart is one of the best games on the DS. It's not just a weird fixation that I have yeah. to just play it every time I open the system up. Um, because again, kind of like New Super Mario Brothers, when I was a kid and got Mario Kart DS again, it was the first time I like had a Mario Kart for myself. I got so into online play. Yeah. Uh, because that was when the Nintendo Wi-Fi service was still available, and I played it a lot. I got really good at it uh, until people. Figured figured out uh drifting snaking, snaking. Yeah. yeah in in a way that was like actually brutal uh, yeah. for my child hands uh, <laughs> just couldn't pull it off but i did unlock everything in that game when i was a kid and uh really felt that inclination to do that again and did again for this episode yeah um and i feel like if i'm putting that much time into the game and i like it that much and i'm getting that competitive with myself about it uh mm-hmm. 
then, you know, it deserves to be on this list. Um, and I do think uh, what I said before, I will reiterate, I think it's the best Mario Kart after 8 Deluxe. I think 8 I Deluxe totally is like the best Mario Kart game. The hands down, no question. It's unbelievable. Um, but Mario Kart DS is really like shockingly good and holds up. And I think what you said is another thing I want to reiterate is that it's, it has the best driving of all of them. Yeah. I think like still, like I do think it feels the most almost like it's adjacent to like a Gran Turismo or a Forza Motorsport for some <laughs> yeah. reason. Um, even though it's Mario Kart, it just feels so tight and works exactly the way you want to. Also, again, beautiful video game. It's, yeah, it's gorgeous. It's it's just stunning on on this uh, on this hardware. Uh, it really like stands head and shoulders above a lot of other games that are trying to do 3D on the system. And the thing is, there are a lot of games that try to do 3D on the system. Yeah, mm. and frequently that's all they have going for them. Unfortunately, this really does marry like perfect gameplay with yeah. really, really, really beautiful aesthetic. Yeah, it's also like I mean, a lot of the previous to this Mario Kart Super Circuit, Mario Kart on the Super Nintendo. It was like mode seven, the game. Yeah. You know, it was like, this is like the world, the world map view of FF6, but you're racing through it. (laughs) So actually like, I don't know if this is exact, but it feels like the way those games work was like, you are moving your character's animation, but it's actually the level Mm -hmm. that is moving past you. Yes. And Mario Kart DS is being like a fully realized version of that is really amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's even an improvement upon, you know, double dash in many ways yeah i was gonna say that i mean yeah. like put that up you know if we're talking about the ds and and specifically what nintendo wanted you to think with the ds was like okay we're launching with super mario 64 ds like compare this to the n64 isn't it amazing you have it in your pocket like right. compare this to mario kart 64 yeah it's, night and day it's night and day yeah yeah um i, I obviously have fond yeah. memories of mario kart 64 and it's still fun to play but this yeah. is like it's on another level yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It, this is one of the ones that really bummed me out that I couldn't continue to play online because I, yeah. I I would have over the past year gotten really into it if I could have. Yeah, I, I had this a little lower than you, but I also think that like this is the one game that I was sure would be on both our lists. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it, it is like as close to objective as you can be. It is one of the best DS games like yeah. for everybody. Yeah, it's great. And it sold really well. It yeah. did. When you're right, you're right. When you're right, you're right, Nintendo. You got Dry Bones. You got Waluigi Pinball. You got Rob. You got, got Rob. Shy Guy. This is the we're really pushing Rob <laughs> era. Yeah. He yes. was in Brawl as well. Like, why is Rob everywhere? He was yeah. the main antagonist Imagine making Brawl. failed hardware a character. <laughs> yeah. You know? Dude, the virtual boy Dude, is playable. Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> the Zune. Dude, the Zune. We put the Microsoft Zune in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. <laughs> I want da, to see da, what da, I? Da, 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 uh, you zoom. had this at number two. I guess it's as number two for you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. So I was close. Yeah. Number two for you. So this was the biggest surprise for me. Ooh. I don't know if it will be a surprise for you because you're better at reading me than I am myself <laughs> in some ways. Uh, number two for my DS list is The World Ends With You. Oh, yeah. That you makes know? sense. No, I didn't know, but that makes sense. So I had a weird history with this game because I, I didn't play it when it came out. It came out in like 2007, I believe. Mm. So that was like my junior year of high school, which I'll get to. Um, I, I, this is one of, you mentioned at the start of this episode that if there were games that you played when they came out, they would have changed your life. Mm. And this is very much that. And yeah. I still, it still had that effect for me, but 
World Ends With You, I, I never played. It was ported to the Switch a year or two ago. Yeah. And I played it, and I, I enjoyed it. I brought it to the show. I thought it was pretty cool. My read on it was like, I can see why this has like a cult following, and you know, I appreciate it. It's kind of rough control-wise on the Switch. Yeah, which you know I'll, I'll talk more about in a second. But um, I remember when we did that episode, I had a few people reach out to me and be like, hey, please play the DS version. Yeah. And uh, you were right. Um, but, you know, so I played the Switch version and then the sequel was coming out mm -hmm. and they made an anime that was like, here's the plot of the first game. Yeah. You can watch it. It'll catch you up to speed for the sequel. I watched that series. Yeah. I got the sequel and I thought the sequel was like fine and kind of moved on. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it's a, it was a fun game, but in watching the show, it yeah, what was did you like, think of the anime? I also watched it. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Um, I liked it. So I feel like I've had like unoptimal ways of viewing the world ends with you and finally doing this episode yeah this is actually unfortunately one of the games that is pricier um but i did manage to find a physical copy because i don't think it emulates great mm. um personally but world ends with you is my pitch for it is that like there is an aspect of almost every square jrpg that's like an undercurrent of sadness and of like trying to be a better person like i think a big plot of FF7, you know, amidst the anti-capitalist stuff with Shinra and with Sephiroth, like there's the journey of Cloud, like opening up to other people. Mm. And, you know, I mean, so many RPGs are about like the power of friendship and all that. The World Ends With You is like actually about that. And I think it, it, what it does brilliantly, you know, and it's really on the nose. I want to be clear. The writing is very on the nose. I do think it actually works despite them like kind of saying the message of the game out loud. I think it works because one, this game doesn't pull any punches. Like, it gets surprisingly very heavy yeah and like major Ooh. characters are just like killed off like yeah right in front of you and i think what this game does so well is that it shows you how hard it is to actually connect you know i think mm -hmm. that like the main character comes off like a holden caulfield shithead where he's mm -hmm. like it's you know who cares about other people i'm better off alone um the premise of the game is essentially kind of like battle royale ish where basically everyone is dead uh everyone in in this game has died and they are all competing for a second chance at life, although not all of them know that right away. Mm. But that's the, the premise of the game. They're all competing for a second chance at life. And if they lose, they get erased. And every day, they, like, their existence is erased. And every day, they have like a mission. And one of them has to complete it in time. Otherwise, everyone is erased. So they can all win together, but they all lose if, if no one gets mm. it. And in order to fight what's called the noise, which is like, uh, monsters kind of styled after graffiti. The aesthetic of this game is sick. It's so cool. I think it's like my favorite like Nomura designed yeah. stuff. It's like Nomura meets like Jet Set Radio meets like <laughs> I, like what Hot Topic wanted to be. You know, uh, yeah. but um, it's cohesive. Yeah. Essentially, you can't really. You're powerless without a partner. So Neku, the main character, like you know, has his headphones on, of course, and is like, oh, "Who cares about other people? Like they all suck, whatever." And then this girl, Shiki, runs up to you and is like, hey, I need a partner. Like, the noise is after me. You partner up kind of against your will. And the whole beginning is, like, Shiki trying to get Neku to open up and him resisting. And a pitfall of this could have been making her, like, a manic pixie dream girl mm -hmm. and him, like, being like, oh, the power of friendship. But, like, <laughs> instead what they do I should is, take my headphones off. Yeah. <laughs> what they show is, like, everyone in this game is, like, something major they have to get over. Yeah. Like, everyone has issues. And I think Neku waking up to that and also realizing, like, when he does let his guard down, he immediately gets hurt again. Mm -hmm. And it's showing you how hard it is like, I think this is the only game I've really played where it's like, yeah, cool, power friendship, but it's really fucking hard to trust other people. Yeah. If you've been hurt, you're not going to do that again. Yeah. And all of these characters are essentially like 
this idea of them getting a second chance of life, they're getting over their own trauma, you know, and, and to compete in this game, their entry fee is what they value most, um, which I won't spoil because that's like a really interesting idea. Like some of the coolest plot beats are about that thing. So I won't say too much there. But another aspect of this game that I love is that the way the combat works, and this is why I think a lot of people really wanted me to play this on the DS and why yeah. you should play this on the DS is that mm. the top screen is one character who you're controlling with the D-pad and the lower screen is uh, Neku, who you're controlling with the stylus. It's a Ugh. fucking mess. Let me be clear. Like, <laughs> yeah. this is the only game I played that, like, straight up is like I almost never know what they are asking of me. Right. <laughs> I struggle with the controls. I'm terrible at the game, but it works thematically so well that I actually have the patience for it. Yeah. Because it's also drilling this point that, like, if you're not paying attention to your partner, you are going to fail. If you're not invested in what they're doing and their success you will fail. Wow. You have to be confident enough in what you're doing and confident and like actually trust them mechanically. Cause if you don't give them inputs, they just play on their own. You have to, at a certain point, you just have to memorize what they need to do. So you can be like, I don't even need to look. I know they're going to be okay. I need to focus on what I'm doing. Mm. It's brilliant. Like it, it really, it's hard to put into words, but like, kind of like how when you were playing 358 over two days, this idea of checking in like actually every day. Yeah. That eureka moment was me like kind of making sense of the dual screens here. Yeah. It's one of the only situations in which they use the hardware to make like a heavy thematic point. Yeah. Whereas a lot of other games, Henry Hatsworth, for example, weirdly enough, uh, and Bowser's Inside Story are both trying to do a similar thing, but for completely different thematic reasons in a way. Yeah. This is like, oh, there actually is something really beautiful about this idea of the duality in the two screens. And like you can use it to tell a really interesting and engaging story that uh, I don't think any other game really tried, at least that I played. No, I, and this game just evokes a mood that is like really unmatched on this hardware. Yeah. And like it is this is also like a criteria we didn't consider. But I think like this game really, really needs to be played on the DS. Yeah. You know, I think, again, like having the two characters, the touch controls are, you know, like you can replace that with other things. But like it's just because that's how the DS works. That's how it needed to be. That's how you control the two characters. And just, I mean, I love the aesthetic. I love the music. Like, it, all that is really cool. But I just, I found that the message of the game, while it sounds really corny on paper, is so well delivered. And I mentioned how this came out when I was in high school. And I feel like pretty much everyone goes through a version of this where they are, at least from my experience, there's a point in your early adolescence where, like, you go from trusting the world to being suspicious of it. Mm. You know, and I remember literally my junior, senior year of high school, I started to doubt my friend's intentions and like really it was pre-therapy. So, <laughs> I, you know, I was getting getting there, but I yeah. was really struggling with this idea that like I wasn't of value to other people. Mm. And this game was also exploring the idea that like sometimes the characters are in a certain state of mind where they don't want a second chance. Like there is actually an easiness to oh. being erased. And I think Neku's desire to like it's it's easier to be without other people just focus on me is also like this thing like he doesn't think his existence has any value mm. you know it's not out of like arrogance it's out of just like he's he's not well like ambivalent and to or... see him kind of turn and to like actively live for other people as the story is like kind of really getting heavier and eventually you have a new partner who you initially don't trust and it kind of explores like mm. different types of relationships like I, I I didn't complete this game. Uh, I I got two thirds of the way through it, and I had seen the anime, so I know I know how it ends. Right. But I think like it's a message and a story that can really only be told as a game, mm. and can really 
optimally only be told as a DS game. So like whenever I I, had, I struggled putting on the list because like on a mechanical level, I think it has some serious issues. Yeah, totally. But I also think that everything is so in unison for the message that I'm like, this is a masterpiece in some ways. It's it's a complete mess that somehow works, and yeah. I get it. Yeah. I, so I think that like if I played this in high school, this would be like an FF7 Mass Effect for me. I think I would have had that. Mm. And I felt that from my past self playing it, which was kind of a weird experience. Mm. So all that to say, even just playing this the first time, I, I had a really intense experience playing this and like kind of having to confront old mindsets in that way. It was yeah. very powerful. I, I would highly recommend it if you have a way of playing a DS. I think it's worth trying at the very least. Yeah. yeah. It's worth, yeah. So as you already mentioned, it's available on switch. It's I, I just checked. It's still available on mobile. I think it's like 20 bucks on mobile. Yeah. I, I haven't played that version. I have played the switch version and like didn't really click with it at all. Yeah. Um, I don't remember. Does the, does the switch version of the second one also like work mechanically the same way as the first one? I played on PS4. Oh yeah. The, I mean that game ha- just has controls. Like it's not like, okay, good. Yeah. That's what that yeah. was going to be my question. You just switch between <laughs> the characters. Yeah. This, this is a game that really does need to be played on the DS. Um, and, and as you mentioned, that's not like the criteria for this episode, but I mean, it definitely helps, yeah. you know, like there are a couple of games that were close to making my list that didn't because they are better played elsewhere, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm. Um, and this is one that like, actually, this is the best place to play it. I do think it's like one of the most clear and cohesive games that Nomura has put out, I think, in our lifetime. Yeah. Um, he definitely like had an idea, saw it through. It was a masterpiece. Everyone kind of agreed. And then we like moved on. And then we got a sequel recently, weirdly. Yeah. Which is fun. I think the sequel gets, it's exploring more stuff about the game and the world, which is like fine, but it doesn't feel as like emotionally intense mm, for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I didn't have the same experience as you. Um, I, I got more frustrated with the controls than anything. And also like you, I had already seen the anime. So I was yeah. like, I know what I'm getting story wise. And I already kind of click with this and I like it. But the gameplay just wasn't there for me. But it does remind me, speaking of like flawed masterpieces, it, uh, another DS game in a way, Death Stranding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Uh, just, just another game that like those mechanics are not for everybody. But if it works for you, it's going to work for you yeah. like a lot. And, and that's kind of how this game is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Nice. Yeah, it's, I, it's the Death Stranding of the Nintendo <laughs> DS. Is what we're trying to say here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't I wasn't expecting it to hit as hard as it did, mm-hmm. which was I think that was like. You know, because again, I sort of experienced it already. Like I knew where the story was going to go, yeah. and uh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful game. Yeah, so number two. I had yeah. a feeling it was going to hit you. Yeah, I was. I was excited for you to play. I it. feel like this is my three fifty eight. You know. Yeah, mm. definitely, it's definitely. Like, what con- what shade of Nomura emo are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nomura, a lot of representation on these lists. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Brendan had this at number three for you. Oh wow, so pretty close. Yeah, yeah, yeah I thought it was going to be a Number two. Number two. Wow, we're getting there. Uh, I'm very excited for number one. We have a whole other game we got to get through first. All right. (laughs) Uh, My number two is Pokemon Soul Silver. Hell yeah. I had a feeling it was going to be higher after our discussion. Yeah, we we talked about it a lot. I'll say it again. It's the best Pokemon game. I really do think that. (laughs) Yeah. 
Like, if I was to introduce somebody to Pokemon, I would just give them this one and be like, this is actually everything you need. This is everything that's good about every Pokemon generation just smashed into one game <laughs> and it's on the DS and it's pretty cool. The, wow. Again, the biggest bummer, no wireless. Like, you can't yeah. do Wi-Fi stuff uh, and that that's that's. It was also rough. the Poke Step thing that came out with it. There yes. Was like, okay. It was so, the original Pokemon Go. Almost. Yeah. It was called the Poke Walker. Yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please, Steven. It was called the Poke Walker. Uh-huh. Um, it was the reason that these games got made also wow. was uh, they introduced the idea of the Pokewalker first and was like, wouldn't it be cool if you like hung out with your Pokemon? They were like, that would be really cool for Johto and Kanto because that game is so big. The idea of like swapping out Pokemon constantly was really cool. Uh, and uh, they greenlit it. Um, okay. So the thing about Pokemon Soul Silver, I played it when it came out, obviously loved it a lot. Um, like you, you had this experience where you were like, oh yeah, it's, it's cool to see people in high school, like playing Pokemon again with uh, Diamond and Pearl. I had that experience in college with Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Yeah. Um, where I went to college like right around when it came out and uh everyone I knew got really into it. I also went to art school, just to be clear. So like a bunch of like weird nerds, you know. <laughs> uh we all had DSs and we were all playing Heart Gold and Soul Silver. And I got super into them, obviously, because I love Gold and Silver. It's always my favorite Pokemon game. Uh the idea of them remaking it, especially after Fire Red and Leaf Green, I was like, oh my god, are they gonna do it? Are they gonna do it? And then they did it. It was great. The thing about it is because everyone was playing in college and we all got like really competitive, we did this thing where we bought these armbands with Pokeballs on them. We bought four <laughs> of them. And uh in our in our freshman dorm, we had four floors that people lived on. So we were essentially the elite four. Oh my god. Fuck. And there was one person on each floor who was allowed to have the armband at any given time. Uh, uh, and wow. at any point you could challenge the elite four. If you saw somebody walking around campus with the armband on, that meant that you could just challenge them then and there. It was like literally like you lock eyes. That's amazing. Um <laughs> And it was great. We did that for like two months. It was yeah. exhilarating. I won the armband and then dropped out and took it with me home. So uh, I win forever. Is wow. <laughs> yeah. And that's why that game is number two. I'm not, con- uh, I'm not unconvinced, or I guess I have my theories that that's why you dropped out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and my mom. Yeah. <laughs> she gets it. <laughs> um, no, I, I really like I really do think, you know, on top of all the other stuff that we said earlier, I do think that gold and silver are the best Pokemon games or is like the best generation of Pokemon. Yeah. I think like also and I, I hate to put it in these terms, but like it's the best bang for your buck. Like you start that adventure and it goes forever. Yeah. Like it's amazing that I can play games like Diamond and Pearl or Black and White or even like the more recent ones like Sword and Shield and like not even finish them, not even get through like the eight gyms and badges and stuff and get to elite four and whatever and in gold and silver and heart gold and soul silver every single time i start them i do all 16 and the elite four like i i can't not (laughs) if i start this generation and that's not just nostalgia i really do think that these games are designed in such a way where it feels exciting to make your way through them every single time the amount of pokemon they have is obviously great when you finish the game national decks you get everything yeah uh i mean the amount of stuff that they're that they're doing in here is great. The way they use the touchscreen is really fun. I love Soul Silver so much. It was so fun to like play the whole fucking game again. Yeah. This is like I've done it so many times in my life and it was not any less interesting to do it again. I think it is a best of all world scenario. Yeah. I don't really think any other remake has really been that point in time. You know, yeah. I haven't played Omega Ruby or Sapphire. They're great. Yeah. But I would rather play Emerald. Right. Mm-hmm. Personally. Whereas I think this kind of lives alongside Crystal. I think the best remakes live alongside the source material, yeah. I think. And going back to what I was saying before, I mean, like, this is the developers of all those games saying, like, right. we know this is the last one this time. Yeah. You know, we're revisiting the one that we thought was the last one, but we know it is this time. Let's, like, really go all out. Mm. And uh, they nailed it. I mean, they nailed it. What a way to go out. Yeah, for real. I like every single Pokemon game that comes out. I compare <laughs> against this one and I have the whole time. 
and it was really cool to revisit this. I thought this was going to be number one, to be clear. Wow. Mm. When we started this episode, I was like, Pokemon Soul Silver is going to be number one, definitely. And yeah. like every other game is competing against this. Mm. <laughs> um, and uh, it was cool revisiting it and being like, yeah, this is really one of the best games. Yeah. It was, I mean, I, I gave a lot of time and thought to like all the Pokemon on this console. Yeah, me too. I, I really, it just, it just feels like even on a mechanical level, like this is the one. Yeah. I finished black. I didn't finish black too. Yeah. I play a little bit of, uh, of white too. And white two is interesting. I mean, I, I do think that there's some improvement there over the originals. I mean, I think all these games are worth your time. You'll find your favorite, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, these, these are mine. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Nice. Um, I, my only thing with, any of the DS Pokemon games is I wish they were easier to emulate. Yeah. Like the, one of the things that's very easy to say about like the Game Boy and Game Boy Advance ones is like you could put it on like a flash drive and plug it into any <laughs> computer and, and, it, and it'll be able to run it. Yeah. yeah. You know, once you get into the DS, it's not really quite the thing. So it's a little bit harder to play these games. I also love the saving a lot of data. That's like <laughs> my favorite. Yeah. Data is so it's funny. Like, yeah. It's such a weird trademark of the DS ones. Like you gotta, gotta wait. <laughs> Give me yeah. a second. We're doing so much. Did you see all the Pokemon? You just caught a hoot hoot at night. Give me a <laughs> Fucking six. 16 badges <laughs> <laughs> i had a uh, uh what's the electric sheep omphoros uh yeah i had an omphoros named orpheus that's nice. nice that's pretty cool right yeah that's pretty cool <laughs> guess that means it's my turn it's your turn number one number one the number one game for the nintendo ds no pressure right the whole thing number one on my list of 10 favorite nintendo ds games is dragon quest 5 hand of the heavenly bride same <laughs> and you both predicted that your number one yeah. would be dragon I, quest 5 i had a feeling <laughs> yeah i think this is like almost a meme it was like this is yeah. probably gonna be it like <laughs> I think that for Game Boy Advance, like we had, I think more, I, mean, I don't know, maybe equal overlap. Like I had no idea what number one was going to be Yeah. between this and Heart Gold, Soul Silver and Mario Kart, weirdly. Like those were the three that I'm like, those are going to be on the list in some capacity. Yeah. Dragon Quest V is not only my favorite DS game, but I think just one of the best games I've ever played. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I, I think I totally agree with you. I think it weirdly also is kind of like, it contains elements of everything we just talked about. It's yeah. secretly a great Pokemon game, yeah. for one. <laughs> for real. Uh, it has a monster catching mechanic. It's an incredible kind of like, you know, you know what you're getting into with Dragon Quest. You're going to have this like classic adventure. But I think it immediately starts on a different emotional level than any other Dragon Quest. Yeah. Starting as a kid on a boat. And this is also the, the two screens here just like make everything feel like, oh, is this what I see before I die? Like this is just so <laughs> like every moment in this game just feels so like heartbreakingly beautiful. Where you're like, oh, like, yeah, <laughs> I, I think now it's worth noting. This is a remake. Technically, it, yeah. the Dragon Quest five was never released in the U.S. before this game and it was remade for the ds mm. and all the uh, dragon quest ds games have a similar art so i love it these games really know how to use 3d because the sprites are like super nintendo-esque but the environments are like almost look like they were painted yeah they have these like splotches of color and like the pixel art for the battles is is incredible yeah. it's so beautiful it's like actually almost embarrassing compared to pokemon in a way yeah. like yeah Look, I, I just said that Pokemon Soul Silver is the best Pokemon game. Yeah. But I mean, compared to the battle animations going on in Dragon Quest V, 
shocking. Yeah. It's, and, it may, and you know, I think these games, I think that Dragon Quest in general, and especially Dragon Quest V, does ask you to meet it where it's at. I think if you play this kind of just going along the critical path, like you will kind of be surprised at how demanding it is. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's like difficult. I just think you kind of have to train your brain to like, okay, like there are going to be some sessions where I'm just training. Yeah. And I think adding the monster catching mechanic to that, the fact that like every battle you have a hidden percentage chance of like just getting that monster to join your team. <laughs> Talking about aiding a theme, like the entire game is really about like taking care of others, whether yeah. that's like, the monsters you find or eventually like the family you start mm-hmm. uh it is about sort of fatherhood and parenting in general and sort of the sacrifice that comes with that the the game delivering the full scope of the hero's life starting as like a kid who can't read on a boat and your yeah. dad takes care of everything for you learning that okay in order for me to take care of others even if just my friend and i sneaking into a haunted house i've got to get stronger and she's got to get stronger so we can like do things on our own and then i have to get even stronger to to take care of the people that i love mm-hmm. um this game is also shockingly dark like i was not expecting this yeah. especially knowing that this was the entirety of somebody's life yeah. i was I, you know i guess there would obviously be some kind of darkness there but it goes in some places that i thought were like really yeah. shocking that was actually there's a there's a moment that i know you're alluding to uh, pretty early on in the story yeah. that is like the first kind of like mini time skip that happens i imagine yeah Yeah. that bit in particular was the moment that put this at number one on my list yeah like that i went from like this is a pretty good dragon quest game but dragon quest 9 was the one on my list for most of this experience and then i hit that moment in five and it was immediately like oh this is doing something way different than what i was anticipating yeah it It goes it goes some places that are like actually really like bold yeah and makes them work uh it does you know to get this dark for a game that is known for being like the cozy thing you play before bed Hmm. was like really surprising and the fact that it loops around and still feels like that by the end is like masterful like actually masterful absolutely yeah i mean i feel like there hasn't been this kind of set the stage i think for like something like ff7 to do similar yeah things with its story where like they just take big risks but seeing like the scope of this person's life and the extreme up and downs. Yeah. It really does feel like it, it's, it's paced so well. Cause it's like a, you know, like I think it's like a 50 hour game and like most games don't cover this span of events in such a short amount of time. Mm. It's a game I'm going to constantly revisit and constantly like refer to and like what I like about RPGs. And this game kind of has everything you want in a good game and in a good RPG and is like the gold standard for a series that has set gold standards constantly. Yeah. The weird uh, like elephant in the room about all this is we couldn't put Chrono Trigger at number one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like, I'm honestly glad that that game doesn't count because I don't know what I would do. Yeah, that, that is an impossible choice. I, um, I really I don't know what I would pick. Between yeah, the, the two of them. The, those are both like vying for best game of all time. Yeah, like for real stuff. Chrono Trigger, we didn't count because it is just a port. Um, yeah. I do think this is the best way to play it. Also, while we're on that discussion, the mobile port of Dragon Quest V is actually pretty great. That That is where I played it primarily when we brought it up to the show like a year ago. Yeah. I got pretty far in the mobile port. Some of the puzzles in the dungeons where you have to like move certain things are a bit off because the virtual analog stick is like not great. Yeah. Mm. Um, I don't like the mobile ports very much. I, they are a way to play it, but yeah. I have a really hard time with that control scheme. I just say like, because this game is also like one of the expensive ones. So like if you just yeah. want to play it, the mobile port is in a bad way because it is this version. Like, totally. It is the DS remake. Yeah. But I think playing it on the DS and like actually seeing like, oh, like, you know, seeing that 
that shot of the boat in the beginning and hearing that music on your phone is actually less impactful than getting it on the two screens. Yeah, it's like, oh, this this world is so big that one screen can't contain right, it. Right, right. <laughs> because, you're, like, because you're four. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, and that's the thing. It's like, even though the writing in this game can be kind of silly and like, you know, uh, there's a man whose only role is being like as Italian as possible. Yeah. Like the writing is like kind of what you expect from Dragon Quest, but I think the game is so emotional. And I think the opening of just like, you're a kid on a boat who is sort of just like looking for something to do as this like score sweeps. Mm. Like it is telling you that that is an important moment without being like sat down and told it directly. Yeah. And the game is full of those kind of moments. Yeah. And it really does like, it's, it's just a beautiful experience. I feel like it's hard to put into words, but I think it's just like thematically very rich. I think like in terms of Dragon Quest, like I think 11 is still like my favorite as an overall package, but as like an emotional experience, uh, this is my favorite. I think I'm with you. Yeah. yeah I, I, I don't think it's unseated 11 for me. Yeah. Um, that game is so special and I, I just think is also kind of a masterpiece in its own way. But this is a game that there's a lot of what I thought was hyperbole kind of floating about. You know, like yeah. every, everything that you just said is stuff that I've like heard around and just like I didn't I didn't believe it. If I'm being totally honest, yeah. like I didn't believe that I was going to sit down and play this game and like walk away being like, wow, that was like actually like an emotionally brutal and honest and like shocking thing that I just experienced. Like it was re- it's a really beautiful game. Um, that's exactly what ended up happening. Like I I do think that if you sit down, and you start playing it. You know, you'll be like, haha, it's funny. You're four years old. Your dad has to do everything for you. It's very silly in the beginning. If you do give it enough time there will be a point where you're like, oh God, my heart hurts. Yeah. And it really, I mean, it's, it, it kind of matches like the beats of Ocarina of Time. I think both games are kind of like about that brutal moment where you grow up. Yeah. You, know, you have like both characters have to grow up very quickly. Yeah. For, for the circumstances they're in. And then like fighting for others is just a really beautiful theme. And that's like weirdly present in a lot of these games. I think because of the dual screens, oddly yeah. enough, like, even something sillier like Portrait of Ruin like has that like duality to it, the teamwork aspect to it, like working together. Yeah, I, I, I had a feeling this is both of our number ones and I'm very happy it is. Yeah, I have two quick notes about Dragon Quest V Please. that are worth bringing up. Number one, the team that made this for the DS also made a PS2 port that did not come to the United States is playable and there is an English fan translation that oh, yeah. I am kind of curious about checking out because it's like a totally different art style, yeah. Uh, which I'm very interested in. Uh, number two, there is a film adaptation of this movie that exists. Do not watch it. It's not good. <laughs> yeah, just going to tell you, if you get curious about it, just leave. <laughs> Go watch Iron Chef. That's also on Netflix. <laughs> wow. I do think it speaks volumes, though. Like, this is the one that got the film adaptation. Yeah. You know, like this is the story. Like, I, I think that, like, Dragon Quest isn't often known for its narrative. It's usually, like, very happy to be, like, Kind of like we've compared to Pokemon often where it's like yeah. every game is going to occupy similar space. And this is like, I, I'm really happy. They, they felt the need to recreate this experience for the U S yeah. so like very grateful that we got this game in any way, shape or form. Yeah. I'll also say on the side, just talking about, cause we mentioned a lot. There are a lot of dragon quest games on here. You got four, five, six and nine are all like mainline dragon quest games that got released for the DS. Uh, nine was the one on my list for a long time. I think the uh, inability to play it online really hampers it, unfortunately. Yeah. My take on it about like how it's actually interesting to play it as a solo experience is kind of like counter to what the game wants you to be doing. Yeah. You know, I was almost like finding something that wasn't really there in that game. Six, it's fine. That's just like a weaker entry. Yeah, it really is just like... It's still good. It's just not on the same level. Yeah. I, I understand why it's like towards the bottom of a lot of people's lists. Yeah. Um, it, there, it's not really doing a whole lot. That's very special. Four, though. Four sick. Is a, yeah. I don't know how far you got into four. There's a part where you play as a merchant 
Did you get to that bit? No. Okay. I need you eventually. Yeah. You know, that will, that that is one that I'm like I will play this. Later. Eventually, yeah. go back to four. You'll get to the part where he plays the merchant, and you will lose your mind, <laughs> and, and and you will you will wonder for a hot second, probably like I did, if that is actually the one you should put on this list. Um, and then you get further in the game, it's like I ah, know five is the best one. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's a moment of brilliance hmm. that I think almost sets the standard for what they just do through all of five. Yeah. Um, there's there are glimpses of moments in four where it's like they're gonna make one of the best games of all time eventually. It's just they didn't get it right this time. Yeah, four is all about like different character perspectives, which is cool. It's almost yeah. sort of Octopath esque. In that way yes it is um yeah. but like you know it connects it's really cool. <laughs> um wow. lists all right i'll play it jesus <laughs> fine god yeah I, I i could see us talking about dragon Quest five again honestly yeah I mean, there's a lot to discuss here yeah you want to go through your list again yeah 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 let's do it so uh 10 to 1 yeah 10 was final fantasy tactics a2 grimoire of the rift nine was elite beat agents eight was mario and luigi bowser's inside story Seven was Ghost Trick, Phantom Detective. Six, Mario Kart DS. Five, Jonathan Charlotte. Charlotte. <laughs> uh, Portrait of Ruin. Four was Pokemon Soul Silver. Three, Objection, was uh, <laughs> Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. That's your joke. I know this. <laughs> me. Trials and Tribulations. Two was The World Ends With You. One was Dragon Quest V, Hand of the Heavenly Bride. Yeah, hell yeah. On my end, 10, Henry Hatsworth in The Puzzling Adventure. Nine, Mario and Luigi, Bowser's Inside Story. Eight, Elite Beat Agents, EBA. Uh, seven, <laughs> New Super Mario Brothers. Six, Ghost Trick Phantom Detective. Five, Kingdom Hearts, 358, over two days. Four, Animal Crossing Wild World. Three, Mario Kart DS. Two, Pokemon Soul Silver version. One, Dragon Quest V. Wow. wow. Sick. We did it. So cool. Wow. I feel very fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. You want to take a quick break and then uh, talk a little bit about some other games that like maybe were in contention? Yeah, I think we're going to do honorable mentions and then we're going to try to settle on a top five for the show itself. Yeah, I think it's going to be easier than we thought. I, I think so. I was pretty easy. Yeah, I was anticipating it being very difficult. And yeah. you know what? I think it might be a pretty I think we have process. Uh, more overlap than we thought, especially for number one. Yeah. Uh, so. Unless you're really trying to get Big Brain Academy in the top five. <laughs> It's like it wasn't on either of our lists, but I think you can make a case for Big Brain Academy. Yeah, yeah. Master Disguise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, let's take a break. See you soon. We've done our top tens. Wow. And uh, you and I opted, usually what we like to do is honorable mentions first. Yeah. Uh, but we opted out of doing that for this instance, specifically out of um, fear that we were going to accidentally spoil each other's lists. Right. <laughs> uh, so we have a bunch of honorable mentions, things that things that didn't come up. Um, and I'm curious if you just want to like hit me with one of them. Yeah. So I think, I think some came up naturally. I have, I have 10 like concrete, in no order, 10 games that were like, pretty close to making it and that were shuffled on and off yeah so this is in no order um i already mentioned henry hatsworth uh was one of them trauma center under the knife mm. was one i think that that is one or two i did i chose one mm. 
I think that two plays better, but I like one just overall better. Yeah. I think that the story of two is kind of all over the place in a way, like tonally. Yeah. One feels a little bit sillier. Yeah. Once you have to defuse a bomb, it's like, okay, this is no longer even surgery. Yeah. But I, I, <laughs> that game was like one of the earliest games I played and I was, I was hoping it would make it. I think that like it is so brutally difficult in a way that it kind of gets in the way of it i think mm. but i do think it's like one of the coolest uses of the touch screen i agree i f- have a feeling like the wii is probably the best one to play because mm. i think that like what's nice about under the knife 2 is that they have like better art for the characters and it just like plays better mm. and that's the same deal for second opinion on the Wii. so if you ever do a wii episode trauma center will get its due i'm sure mm, um hey but- do you want a wii episode no i was just gonna say second opinion but <laughs> But I, 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 unfortunately, I'm glad you did say it. Unfortunately, we made eye contact and I was forced to say it. So, the trauma center under the knife, uh, one and two are both fun. Uh, I think if you want to play a game that utilizes touch controls, that's a good one to play. Yeah, Tetris DS was was a big one. How good? It's great. It's, it's like, like maybe, maybe the best yeah. Tetris. Yeah. I, the only thing, big caveat for me that's worth mentioning, I have not played the Tetris Effect, which I know is very silly as a person who loves Tetris. I've not played that. Yeah. I have it downloaded on like literally three different consoles right now, <laughs> and it always is just like looking at me whenever i turn on like my switch my xbox or my playstation yeah it's just always there and i'm like one day <laughs> but tetris ds was great i actually did end up playing it a lot yeah tetris ds is awesome a surprise hit uh, another one might and magic clash of heroes which i brought to the show oh recently. it made it up mm. nice. yeah, this, i think this is honestly one of the best tactics games on the ds yeah it's pretty cool i eventually went for ff tactics a2 yeah which i think was the right call for me but this is a great game my magic clash of heroes is awesome i did check it out after yeah. after we recorded that episode um, and order uh, of ecclesia fun. is another one that that was the one that was closest, mm. uh, but I went with my heart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Charlotte. Um, retro game challenge. Such a cool idea. It just got a little bit repetitive after a while. Mm. Like, I think I, I, I actually think that the, the games that they made, like, it's so impressive that they made fake games that are good. <laughs> and they made like a whole fake like manual for every game. Yeah. <laughs> I just found like the time. I wish they changed the games faster because they give you like five challenges for one game. And it's like. I want to see something else. I'm kind of sick of the Galaga game. Mm. Um, so I found it to be a little bit taxing, but really, really worth checking out. It's definitely a hidden gem. Didn't realize this when we first brought it to the show, but a bunch of people called it out in uh, comments and tweets and stuff. But apparently it's an adaptation of a game show, a Japanese game show, yeah, yeah which is pretty cool. Oh. It's all, that, that, I think the host is like the head in the sky yeah. who's like, <laughs> fight my child self. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, another honorable mention, which I also brought to the show, Dragon Quest Heroes Rocket Slime. Yeah. It's like incredible. Again, I think the central mechanic never really evolves past a certain point, but like the mech battles are hilarious. There's a lot of mech battles in this game that are surprises. <laughs> yeah. Surprise mech battles. Was that like your pick for a Dragon Quest spinoff? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I, I, I liked the Joker Monsters games, but Rocket Slime was like, if I was going to choose one, it would be Rocket Slime. Mm. Um, Radiant Historia. This is one I really expected to make the list yeah me too and the more time i put into it the less i liked it to be honest mm. i found that the like the whole game is about time travel to be clear i think it's a good game it almost made the list but i think like the central premise of like oh there are these branching paths and like kind of chrono cross like you choose one thing and that creates one reality but then you can travel back to that point choose the other thing it's a really cool idea but the game eventually just asks you to do all of them Mm. So it becomes like really tedious to go back. And the other really big thing. It doesn't feel like you're making choices anymore. Exactly. You just have to go and redo everything. Yeah. And 
actually what happened to me was my I, I was playing on the DS, but I was playing, you know, it was emulated. Yeah. And I it stopped working. So I, I have it on the three DS. Oh bummer. Yeah. And I started playing it there and it's it's just so much better on the three DS. Yeah. Like that's why it's kind of what list. ruled it out is like it really helps with that aspect because you can skip dialogue you've already seen. Mm-hmm. So like which is that should have been in the game already. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that the whole game is you traveling back in time and you have to see the same thing over and over again, that was almost enough to kill it. I also just found I didn't really care about the cast very much. I love the oh, lead. Yeah. Um, I think they're likable. But I also like the lead a lot, yeah. I like the lead a lot. It's a really cool world. It's a really cool story. Yeah. It's very well written. It's also one that I want to go back to and play. Like I'll probably just play the rest on the 3DS. Mm-hmm. But once I had that moment of like, I don't really love like the tedium of going back and forth. And then when it stopped working and I got a taste of the 3DS version, I was like, I don't know if this counts anymore. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think this is a 3DS game. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah that, that was that was what removed it from my list too, was um, I, I made it to the same point in the 3DS and the DS version and was like, I really would rather have voice acting. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, a big thing. The voice too. acting is awesome. That also endears you to the characters way more because yeah. also ca- our favorite Caspar, the guy who plays Caspar in yeah. three houses is uh, Marco, I think. Yeah. Nice. So right in his story, I felt very conflicted on, but I mm. ultimately was an honorable mention. WarioWare Touched, uh, this is oh. a big one. I feel like you said this, and I feel the same way. It would have been this or EBA. Like, yeah. I feel like they couldn't both. It, it would be too silly if they were both on it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, WarioWare Touch is great. I don't think it really... The thing is, like, I think the first two WarioWare games are like the gold standard. And WarioWare Touched, well, it does utilize the touch screen in cool ways. Um, it varies wildly character by character. Mm-hmm. Some mini games, like Ashley's games, first of all, first of all Ashley's song is incredible. Yeah. Her that song is so good that almost made the list just for Ashley's song. <laughs> that would have been the reason to put it on. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Um, but Ashley's level is all about dragging and dropping, which is perfect. Yeah. Other, I found I found more than any other WarioWare game. I struggled to figure out what they wanted me to do. Oh, interesting. Like more often than not. Wow. So, mm. um, really great time. Like it has everything you want in a WarioWare game, but it fell a little bit short for me. Also, we already highlighted them last time. I kind of felt like, let's highlight something else. Mm. Yeah, the thing for me, I that was my introduction to WarioWare, was with Touched. Yeah. Um, loved it. Loved revisiting it, but realized that I think the first one and Twisted are better yeah. WarioWare games, unfortunately. By a hair, but yeah. they're, they're, all, they're all fun, but yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Mm. Um, Wild World was an honorable mention, uh, which we kind of already talked about. And the other one that surprised me was the remake of Final Fantasy IV. Mm. Um, I think it's like also kind of a mess. Like it's yeah. not like, it's essentially like what if you made FF4, FF9 in like not great ways. Like, <laughs> yeah. like the combat is really slow. Yeah, and like really slow. The voice acting is hit and miss, but I do like for enough that it's fun just to have a different way to experience right. it. Yeah. And yeah. the dude who plays Kane is giving it his all. Yeah. And it's like sick. Yeah. Like that's how like he has given us the definitive performance of Kane. <laughs> uh so I enjoyed just like seeing a fresh take on four because I think four is like one of the best Final yeah. Fantasies. Yeah. So I think if you're a big fan of four, this is worth checking out. Otherwise you can probably play the pixel remaster and have a better time yeah which or is the game boy advanced version or the game right. boy advanced version yeah. which is or great. that the was P- one of your go-to the psp yeah. version or the psp yeah there's so which many i've versions. also heard is so great. like yeah i don't really know what this one brings other than voice acting but it's cool that i've it heard exists. it makes the game significantly harder about halfway through also yeah which yeah. i don't really want yeah right, personally interesting um, it is there are some scenes that like seeing like you know this game starts off also very heavy and yeah. seeing some of those moments like in 3d in 3d are yeah. pretty shocking yeah other times it reduces it where it's like these are just like the beginning is very quick dialogue and in this game it takes like 20 minutes <laughs> like just that scene on the red wings where, where cecil yeah. is like this is maybe a bad idea yeah that's like 10 minutes yeah oh takes my a God. long time so <laughs> 
but you know, other scenes are more effective. So I, I felt kind of mixed on it, but I'm like, this is of all the, uh, the final fantasy remake of three is like, eh, yeah, I didn't really care for it. But the four one, I, I enjoyed more just because four is such a strong source material. Mm. So those are my honorable mentions. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. I'll do mine. Oh yeah. As we mentioned, I mean, this is a really hard one to do a top 10 for. So usually I do a top 20. This time I did a top 30. I'll just run through some of this stuff. Maybe stop on some if I, if yeah, I think it's yeah. important. 11, Ace Attorney 3, nice. as we talked about. Uh, number 12, Professor Layton and the Curious Village. Yeah. Um, a game that I honestly, the, part of the reason didn't make the top 10, another really great one for emulation. Because mm. what I found myself doing was I just had it open in a window, like on my second <laughs> monitor <laughs> at all times. So I would just be like doing stuff for work every once in a while and then would like turn over to the second monitor solve a puzzle and then move on um you and i talked about this a little bit in the car yesterday i, I looked into the development history of that game which is really really interesting it's a collaboration between level five who made that game and this guy who was known for making these extremely popular puzzle books in japan there's like series of puzzle books that were kind of like uncle john's bathroom reader they were just like a thing that was like at every like checkout forever so like everyone had these books um, so Professor Layton in the Curious Village is weirdly enough just like an adaptation of one of those books <laughs> oh, nice. into just a video game. Um, and he like made up a couple new puzzles. I think it was like 20 or 30 new puzzles that weren't in the books for the game specifically um, as like part of the selling uh, or part of like the, the bulleted reasons why you would buy the game. Um, <laughs> so it was very popular in Japan for that reason because people were like, oh, have that guy's book. Would love to play the video game, which right. is yeah. so funny. But blending that with like an Agatha Christie-esque thing was very funny. As yeah, well. I played um, Curious Village and Unwound Future. I like yeah. them both. I think I just I didn't find the marriage between like navigating the town and the puzzles like meshed for me. Yeah. Like, I found I'd rather just be doing one and like the alternating between the two. Kind I was about of, like, to say, I feel like if, if you just had me like shuttled from puzzle to puzzle with like a little piece of dialogue in between, I think I would have liked that more than like, OK, now I'm in the town and I have to figure out where to go. Yeah, there's, I believe what a curious series, village this is. Yeah, <laughs> I believe it was inspired by Ace Attorney. So I think it was trying to have like the investigation stuff. Yeah. And it doesn't really work at all, in my opinion. No, because it's the investigation beautiful. is just doing more puzzles. Yeah, like the, the look <laughs> of the world and like the, the art is great. But yeah, yeah it, it is just to get to another puzzle that's like completely unrelated to what's even happening. Yeah. Uh, then old male be like, I think I saw where that cat went. If this clock had no arms, uh, what time is it? It's like, I don't know. Uh, number 13, Super Mario 64 DS. Nice. Good. Like I said, I think it's better than the original. Uh, yeah. It also, think, yeah. it also looks better. Which is wild, uh, yeah. like graphically speaking, it's actually kind of amazing that they like made the game look better on the DS. Pretty cool. 14, Radiant Historia, kind of another situation mm. where it's like, it's better on 3DS. Yeah. Uh, Warrior Wear Touched at 15. Number 16, maybe a surprise to some people, Inazuma 11. Yeah. Also better on the 3DS yeah. because you can get online. <laughs> So that's cool. Internet. Internet. It's pretty sick. Uh, number 17, a game I really wanted to make the list just because I like would love to have talked about it uh, more at length, but <laughs> N+. Oh, yeah. The platformer. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is a game that started as a Flash game on Newgrounds. Yeah. Um, and that's was like, it sounds familiar. Yeah. I was like, that's... It was just called N at one point, yeah. and then uh, eventually started getting some console ports, uh, including N+, for the DS. Beautiful. Super tight platformer. Yeah. Highly recommend checking it out. It's available on like most stuff. I think there's a version of it on Switch. I think it's called N++ on Switch. <laughs> Check it out. I mean, really, really cool. If you just want like a like kind of like make your way through hell platforming game, um, give it a shot. Uh, 18, Tetris DS. Already talked about it. 19, my pick for Dragon Quest stuff was Dragon Quest Monsters 2 Joker. Mm, nice. Um, That's a fun one. I, I can't believe that that game exists and looks the way it does. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, it's another situation where it's like put that against any Pokemon game, like even even now almost. Yeah. It's like it somehow looks better. Yeah, um, it's pretty remarkable. Um, I just found that eventually the, I lost the, the plot of the story. Like yeah. I just didn't care as much Same. anymore. Number 20, Kirby Mass Attack. 
That was the best Kirby game, yeah. in my opinion. There are a lot of Kirby games, a lot of like really interesting, like throw spaghetti at the wall, see with sticks kind of situations. Um, and Mass Attack is the one that works. A quick pitch, you play as 10 Kirbys at once. Yeah. Uh, and wherever you're touching on the stylus, they all just kind of like <laughs> like gravity like pulls them to wherever you're touching on the stylus, and you throw them like Pikmin to solve puzzles. Yeah, it does feel weirdly Pikmin-esque, yeah. actually. Uh, it's really cool. I liked Squeak Squad. Squeak Squad, honestly, is pretty good. solid. It's like... <laughs> That's just like a solid ass Kirby game. Yeah. You know, Canvas Curse, not so much. Yeah, I I like Canvas Curse. I expected to not like <laughs> Canvas Curse because I remembered people not liking it when it came out and yeah. actually came out much much more positive about it. But yeah. I mean, if I'm going to put one on the list, it's going to be Mass Attack. Yeah. Mass Attack also, interestingly, the last 2D game, like actually 2D pixel art game that Nintendo made. Wow, really? Yeah, isn't that wild? Whoa. Wow. Fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> um, number 21, World Ends With You. Oh, wow. Nice. Good video game. Uh, number 22, Yoshi's Island DS. Yeah, I found that once they like are all about switching the babies, I'm like, eh, I don't really care about yeah. this, but it was a fun game. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 23, Rune Factory 3. That, yeah, that was also really fun. It's really good. I mean, the reason it didn't make it higher for me was like, you know, I think four and five are just like better. Yeah. Um, but they're, like, I think they're honestly so good that I don't feel the need to go back and play three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing about three is you live in a big tree, which is honestly maybe enough to check it out. It's great. I also, mm-hmm. I love the intro of the game. You're just a weird like goat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Um, <laughs> Rune Factory 3, number 23. Uh, number 24, Retro Game Challenge. Uh, number 25, another game that I really wish made it higher on the list, but unfortunately didn't, was Salata Robo. Oh yeah, I was so charmed Hunter. by that. Yeah, sorry, Red the Hunter. Right. Yeah, it, one of the best looking DS games as well. Like, yeah, the presentation is great. It's one of the ones where like it is fully in 3D. Definitely runs and looks better than it should on the Nintendo DS. And unfortunately, like it just didn't hold my attention. Um, yeah, it's same. really cool though. It does have the the blending of like it looks great and is fully 3D and actually plays pretty well. But I just I couldn't get invested in the story unfortunately. So it didn't yeah, really that's kind of where I lost interest eventually. It's also a well. sequel which I didn't realize to oh, a, really? to a game for the PS One. Wow, which is interesting. It's also one of the hardest DS games to find. So if you want to get a physical copy of it, I hope you. Uh, are rich. <laughs> it's kind of like steampunk Star Fox in some ways. Yeah. 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 Beat him up. It's fun. Yeah. Number 26, Golden Sun, Dark Dawn. <sighs> yeah. This is one like, I think that this game plays really well. Like the actual like dungeon design. We talked about it a bit. Yeah. Um, the Wikipedia dads, as we call them, like yeah. if the dads let you have fun. Yeah. Then this game would have been much higher for me. Yeah. But the uh, combat and the dungeons are great. Yeah. I honestly, I mean, it's my favorite Golden Sun game. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, number 27, Medios. Oh, uh, that was the Sakurai game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really, really, really cool puzzle game. Yeah, it is cool. Kind of a match three thing, but with a whole lot more going on. I honestly don't even know if I can go into it, uh, but it's really cool. I played that a lot. It was like between that Tetris DS and Henry Hansworth, weirdly. We're like, yeah, Henry's the one. Yeah. I can, I can really only do like one like standard puzzle game. I felt like, um, but they all made, you know, the list in some capacity. My magic is weirdly kind of similar. It's like halfway between yeah. match three and tactics. Number 28, big brain Academy. Nice. Hot take way better than brain age. Uh, I played them both every day for a month. <laughs> is that a hot take? How big and how old is your brain? My brain is so old, <laughs> but it's also so heavy <laughs> and is a shriveled raisin. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's a hot take, but Brain Age was like the one that sold, you know, uh, but Big uh, Brain Academy still around. They just made a new one for Switch. Yeah, so I, I love know. Big Brain Academy. I was a huge fan yeah. as someone who had both. <laughs> I yeah. like Brain Age because of the math ones. But I like uh, Big Brain Academy for everything else. Yeah, uh, it's really good. Uh, number 29, Rhythm Heaven, which uh, I think nice. some people might be surprised to find this low on a list. But I honestly wasn't a huge fan. I like the one on the Game Boy more. 
Yeah, mm. me too, actually. I played that one in Japanese, I, and I thought it was better. I think also this is one I emulated, and I wonder if that threw it off, because it was like almost oh. impossible to be on rhythm. Oh, really? It's because of the delay mm. of emulating that it made it so hard. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm. Um, and number 30, the last one I'll mention in this uh, honorable mentions section, is Hotel Dusk, Room 215, Yeah. Um, which was another game that came highly recommended, and I was excited to check out. I waited specifically for a rainy weekend to play it because I thought that would be the best for like a noir. Yeah. And uh liked it enough. I mean, stunning looking. Yeah. It's like what you hold it like aha a book was modern art. Yeah. You know? Oh wow. The you, take on me video. Like everything looks like a yeah. sketch. Yeah. You hold it like a book. Really cool. Yeah. It was nice to like curl up on a couch and play it for yes. uh, like three or four hours. It's a really impressive production. Yeah. Yeah. This I didn't find the story very engaging. I never wanted to go back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um so that's my list. Hell yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I think, you know, uh, we, we didn't mention this earlier on, but it's probably worth saying out loud, like subjective lists. I'm sure there are games you liked more, dear listener. Um, but, you know, we did this for a year and this is how it shook out for yeah, us. Yeah, we, we played over 100 games, too. And like there are a lot of games that I think I'll probably bring to the show. I mean, there's a lot of SMT stuff that I didn't even mention that was like pretty good. I yeah. think um, Strange Journey was my favorite of the bunch. Oh, really? The Devil Survivor games are interesting because they're kind of like halfway between Fire Emblem and, yeah. and that. But That's why I was expecting you to have those on your list. Yeah, actually. yeah. I just didn't really like the story very much. Oh, interesting. Um, I mean, they're all they're all pretty fun. Like mm. SMT, like. Similar Dragon Quest, they don't really change the mechanics very often, so you're always going to get that. I found that, like, the almost aliens tone of Strange Journey was, like, kind of infectious (laughs) Mm, for me. Yeah. I think SMT often likes combining, like, technology with, like, the occult. Yeah. This idea of, like, a group of Marines stranded in, like, the Arctic being like, we got to figure out how to talk to demons. It's like, (laughs) I'm all in. This is is awesome. The The only way is demons. This is Strange Journey, friend. (laughs) I liked the art style a little bit more. It looks like, um, I don't know which artist it was but it looked more like persona 2 art mm. uh, and i think the artist for the devil survivor games did like cyber sleuth the digimon game it mm. looks very similar oh cool yeah, yeah. but um either way like they're all, those are all solid like yeah you know, there's a lot of really good rpgs on the ds we could do a whole episode just about rpgs and it would still be hard to make a list i think so yeah, yeah. uh but inazuma 11 would be number one. <laughs> Hell yeah what a good video game that was. Um, I am actually really excited to continue with Raiding Historia, though. Yeah, yeah. I, that's, that is one that I'm sure, like, I, I wanted to like it more than I did, but I am also, like, I think it will be fun to see through. Yeah. That's kind of where I land on it. Yeah. Anyway, um, those are our honorable mentions. Honorable Yay. mentions. Also, just a big shout out to everyone who recommended stuff. Like, thank you for helping us form this list. For real. Um, even if it didn't make it, like, it was on. I enjoyed the bulk of what I played, even if I'm not shouting it out directly. Like, yeah. This was a really positive experience. Unless you recommend Wario Master Disguise, I probably had a good time. <laughs> um, uh, Retro Game Challenge was a listener recommendation. It was, yeah. And I'm so glad. It was such a cool game. Yeah. You know? I had a great time with that one. Yeah. We will definitely need your guidance for when we do Dreamcast. Oh, like, we're just saying it. All right. We sure. said it last time. We were, said yes. We said either Dreamcast or the PSP. You want to say it now? And since then, we've decided Dreamcast. So yeah. yeah we're doing Dreamcast. This is yeah. Be fun. So we've decided next season is going to be the Dreamcast. I'm so excited about it. I have like season. no context for it at all. Yeah, neither we don't really have a strong connection either way. Yeah. So that'll be really fun. Very excited about Woo. that. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for you to talk about how bad Sonic Adventure is, unfortunately. Oh, that's sad. Uh, Sonic Adventure 2 uh battle on the GameCube and other yeah. gen systems. Sonic Play- Adventure 2 was on the Dreamcast, right? And yes. then Battle was the like GameCube port. Yes. Yeah, I it's so. so much better on the GameCube, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. I played on the GameCube, but I loved it on the GameCube. It's very good on the, the GameCube. I also yeah. loved it on the GameCube. Uh, it's kinda clunky on the Dreamcast, but yeah. <laughs> I just remember playing multiplayer of that game and Amy Rose's ability to go, just wait a minute. And yeah. then it'd be 30 seconds. Yeah. It was like the whole match. So Amy Rose could freeze you just as she wins. Ass, yeah. That's great. That's sick. A plus. I mean, that's spoilers. The game of the year. Uh, uh, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, we're going to do Dreamcast next. I'm very excited about that because there's a lot of games that like that is often kind of called the swan song of like the arcade era. Yeah. Mm. There's a lot of cool stuff I'm excited to check out for that. So. Yeah. Fun little screen on the controller. Before we move on from the DS, our <laughs> oh. beloved dual screens, I yeah. think now we're going to move on to the top five for the show. Yeah. In case it's your first episode, you don't really know what that means. Longtime listeners know that when we do Game of the Year episodes, kind of like what we just did, Brandon and I each have a top 10, and then we try to settle on a top five for the show. Um, so it's not necessarily like the mean average. It's more like, what are the five games of the ones we've listed that best represent like our collective taste and like the show's energy overall? So this time, like we will have to choose games from each of our top 10, but it doesn't necessarily have to be even our top five. We can like have a conversation about that. Yeah. Weird to just be like, oh yeah, Dragon Quest V is number one. But it is. I mean, it's number one for both of us. I yeah. think it would be weird if it wasn't our number one. Um, yeah. What What else do you think? Anything immediately that not to put as a number, but like contenders for the rest? I, I of think the list? It, it might be good just to list out the ones we actually both have, just to have it all there. Sure. So that's Pokemon Soul Silver. Pokemon Soul Silver. Uh, Mario Kart DS. Ghost Trick. Ghost Trick. Bowser's Inside Story. Yes. And Elite Beat Agents. Elite Beat Agents. How yeah. many is that? That's six, I think. I mean, should we just work with those or should we like, well, do you have uh, anything that you want to make a case for? Yeah, let me look it over. So Final Fantasy Tactics A2, I think, is very much for me. Mm-hmm. That's my treat I gave myself. <laughs> uh, it doesn't have to be for both of us. Yeah. We beat Agents is together. Inside Stories together. Ghost Tricks together. Wow. Look at that. Mario Kart is together. Portrait of Ruin. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is also very, you're not a Castlevania guy. You've tried so many times. I think it would be forcing my energy a little it's bit. It's so sad. Yeah. I want so badly to be into these games. Yeah. Have, did you play Bloodstained? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just I feel the same way about all of them. It's like ah, it's not, it's not gonna hook me. Is it just yeah. the 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 vibe? Like what doesn't click with you? I I honestly I couldn't tell you. I think that's kind of it. I never feel really invested in the world mm. at all, which I think is really important for me. Yeah. I really think that's. I mean, that's the thing that Metroid gets really right. Is why I'm like always kind of more on the Metroid side. Yeah. Is, uh, I think I think that the tone that they evoke in that game makes me curious about the world, and I like need to see it. Uh, and Hollow Knight, obviously, like probably one of my favorite games of all time. I just sure. want to remind you, Portrait of Ruin ends with you fighting Dracula <laughs> and the Grim Reaper. Yeah. Well, now I don't have to play it. <laughs> Fine. Uh, I won't make a case of that. I'm gonna make a case for Ace Attorney. I think that I'm, I might add that to the list here. World Ends with You, I think, was was pretty far off. So that could also just be like, I think. World Ends With You and 358 are both like very personal experiences, so that might yeah. not be top five. And then Dragon Quest V is both of us. So the only one that isn't on both of our top tens that I would say I think we should consider for both of us is Ace Attorney, yeah. uh, Trials and Tribulations, or the first one. Yeah, but I agree with you. Yeah. Um, do you want to think about for a second Henry Hatsworth? <sighs> yeah, I mean, these are all like candidates. So yeah, I'm going to put Henry on the candidates list. Yeah. <laughs> I think for the show, I mean, I don't think we've sold more copies of a game after recommending it than Henry Hatsworth. Yeah. People Henry Hatsworth keep... and the Third Age. Those I was just like... about to say, people keep posting in the Discord about buying the Third Age. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I love to be clear. I really do like that game. I am. Still You're not pl- alone. I'm it, still playing it. It feels like we like awoke a fandom. You know, yeah. it feels like like everyone like thought they just had a dream and played it. Yeah. Me and the other like bitter emo kids who played the fellowship game and not the third age are like, fuck you guys. Yeah. You had fun. I had to do chores. Yeah. Well, you know, we're all gonna get Lord of the Rings Gollum this year. That's true. So uh, you know, get excited for that. It's like Death Stranding, but you don't have a backpack. You right. just sort of and you're Gollum. Fall in the mud. And you, cough. And you, yeah, you, you cough a lot. Yeah, you just have to be Gollum. Yeah. Sneak around. It's kinda like playing Resident Evil 4 as the merchant. Like, <laughs> okay. 
What am I going to do? <laughs> I wonder what the story of that game is. Gollum? Anyway, top five. Yeah. Uh, anything else that we think? Yeah, from your list. Yeah, I'm trying to think. All right, so I got Dragon Quest on there. We got Pokemon on there. We got Mario Kart on there. Honestly, I don't see you wanting to put Animal Crossing on there. We could, um, we could put it in the candidates. I mean, that's, you know. I'm okay, I'm okay giving it up. I'm okay with okay. that being a me thing. Honestly, the only thing that I would make a recommendation for, because I don't even think I talked about it hard enough, is New Super Mario Brothers. Mm. Yeah, uh, we can put that in the candidates. It's the best-selling game on the Nintendo DS. Yeah, and we all care about profit here in the area. Right. So. It's true. Dude, <laughs> you telling me you can get stocks and bonds? <laughs> Jesus Christ. You get eight friends to sign up. They get eight <laughs> friends to sign up. You can be your own boss. Dude, uh, these aren't just the Mario Brothers. Yeah. They're new and they're super. Did I ever tell you my friend and I, when Galaxy came out, we always went, you don't get it. He's in space. <laughs> wow. We like, stop each other. Like, no, 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 no. You, dude, you sit down for this yeah. one. <laughs> he's in Galaxy 2. But he's also a bee. <laughs> he can be a bee sometimes. Um, anyway. <laughs> Look, I've really turned you sour on B Mario. B Mario sucks. I forgot. <laughs> I, 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 for, I forgot. I forgot about B Mario, and now I just can't stop being mad. Yeah, being mad. Can you imagine Mario going to space, and they're like, "Oh, what, what cool new powers did you get? <laughs> like, what, what hat did you find? I found the bee. I can fly. I can fly, kind of yeah. slow. Yeah. <laughs> it seems fun for Mario, but it's not fun for me. Yeah, you know? it's not fun for us. I can yeah. get stuck on hexagons. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay so what are the candidates here we got dragon quest 5 we got pokemon soul silver and heart gold we got mario kart ds we got ghost trick phantom detective we got mario and luigi bowser's inside story we got elite beat agents phoenix Wright, ace attorney trials and tribulations three we're yeah. gonna say yeah i'll say three. Or are we gonna say one well three was on my list one wasn't technically wasn't on either of our lists that's true yeah, and yeah, three was number eleven on my list, so I'll say yeah. yes, right? Eight is turning three. Henry Hatsworth and New Super Mario Brothers. How many is that? Nine. Nine. Okay. Might be eight. I just counted so fast. <laughs> <laughs> Did it I actually down? didn't. I counted really slow, and I still didn't figure it out. <laughs> to be clear. Do, do, you, do you have it written down? I do have it written down. Cool. How do you want to do this? Do you want to make a case for five? Do you want to talk through them? It was nine. I can still count. Um, big Brain Academy over here. <laughs> Jesus Christ. My brain is huge. Do My I want brain to talk is about? 80. I would love to talk about. I yeah. mean, Dragon Quest Five number one. Yeah, that, right? that, that seems like it makes sense. Here, can I, I'm just going to say this out loud, and we're just going to make it happen. We're both going to agree on this, obviously. Chrono Trigger is zero. Like end all, be all. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. like floating above the list. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it, it made the list. It kind of yawned and pointed at yeah. the Elite Beat yeah, Agents. Yeah. We'll put it at number zero. That doesn't mean, I want to be clear, that doesn't mean it's better than Dragon Quest V. Right. It just exists in the middle but of But because it doesn't count, I want it to have some kind of representation here. Yeah. But maybe you and I have a whole bonus episode where we just fight about that. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't know what side I would take. I don't know what side I would take yeah. either. I would say... We could surprise ourselves. Yeah. I mean, it really depends. Yeah. All right. So we got two through five that need to happen. Um, yeah. I can I can mark off Dragon Quest because that is here. Great. Is there I anything that you like immediately or like, I don't know if this is going to work out. Um, I actually have the opposite thought. I, I, I feel like Mario Kart has to be there as well. I agree. You know, I think Mario Kart DS, I don't know what number. I just think like it should make the list in some way. Yeah. Top five. Um, I also think Pokemon has to. Yeah. It's the best one. Yeah. Here, here's a thought. I think that I would like either ghost trick or ace attorney to make, cause I think they kind of represent a similar game. So if we're doing top five, like I wonder if, if uh, if one of them can make it, but that just a thought. It doesn't have to. I'm just thinking like 
an effort of getting one of them on potentially. I agree. I do think it should be one of them. Yeah. And I guess it would be Ghost Trick because that was on both of our lists. I do. But now I'm thinking it should be Phoenix Wright. <laughs> really? Yeah, kind of. I mean, look, the reason it didn't make my list is because I played it mostly on the Switch. Yeah. But the actual series we both like. Yeah. It's really good. Okay. I mean, I'm into that. It's great. I mean, if, if it wasn't for that. Yeah. It would it would have been on the list. Probably okay. instead of Ghost Trick. Really? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. I was it was it was an either or thing for that for me also. I see what you mean. Okay, cool. So yeah, why don't we uh I guess we can cross out Ghost Trick and just say Trials and Tribulations. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting shake up. Wow. Yeah. So now we're down to eight. I get up to feed the cat for one minute and you've upended <laughs> up the entire list. Um Good luck coming back now, Ghost Trick. <laughs> okay. So what's next here? All right, the things we have left. Um, Mario and Luigi, Bowser's Inside Story. Yes. Elite Beat Agents. Yes. Henry Hatsworth, New Super Mario Brothers. Oof. I think EBA should be on there. I think also like... In, in that the, case, that's all the games. Is that it? We don't have any more slots then. So let's hear it. The The games that are... It's in, not... A, I, mean, yeah, I just want to hear it. The games that are in contention yeah. would be Dragon Quest V, Pokemon Soul Silver, and Heart Gold, Mario Kart DS, Elite Beat Agents, Phoenix Ride 3. Interesting. Okay. And, and what are the ones that like were candidates but are on the outside now? Mario and Luigi, Bowser's Inside Story... Henry Hatsworth, New Super Mario Brothers. Wow. Wow, okay. I think Inside Story is the one that was on both our lists. Mm-hmm. The other two were just you. <laughs> okay. We can say Henry Hatsworth wow. is like 0.1. <laughs> you know? Honestly, I feel pretty good about those five. How do you feel? Yeah, I think I do too, actually. I, I like Inside Story a lot, but I think that like, I think <sighs> the five there is like more collectively us. Where'd you have Elite Agents? Elite uh, Agents, I think, was nine. It was number eight for me. And where was Inside Story? It was nine for me. We had we had th- those two at the same place, but swapped. So was Ghost Trick w- was higher for both of us. This is weird. Yeah, <laughs> this is weird. The thing is, if we have Ghost Trick and Ace Attorney, yeah, that's a lot of like Phoenix Strike energy. Yeah, which isn't bad. I mean, if that's us, that's us. We do dance wherever we go, and we ask a lot of questions. That's true. So I w- I do I do think weirdly enough, although you and I both had Ghost Trick on our list, I do think Phoenix Wright is a better representation of Into the Aether. Interesting. Why is that? If you don't mind asking. Godot. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime Godot threw coffee yeah. at Phoenix Wright, it was incredible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And also when he loses and he starts like like uh, chugging it. Yeah. Oh my god. He's incredible. So yeah, I mean that's a, enough of a convincing. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Ghost Trick's yeah. wonderful, but I think for us, it's Ace Attorney. Okay, so I, I feel really good about uh, Pokemon. I think is a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Mario Kart, no brainer. Ace Attorney, I'm sold on. Dragon Quest Five, and what was the what was the fifth one? It's Elite Beat Agents. Elite Beat Agents. Oh my god. And so then, see, needing to think about it makes me wonder. Like, do you feel that in your heart of hearts? What about Henry Hatsworth and the Bustling <laughs> Adventure? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I think EBA over Inside Story. You think so? Uh, that's, that's honestly, I think that's the only thing that I could see actually swapping. Yeah, I could make a much harder case for New Super Mario Brothers. I'll just say it so we can throw it out. I just think that that game somehow is underrated, even though it's the best-selling game on this console. <laughs> Sometimes it goes full circle. I think. I think same thing with me, and I've said this on the show many times. But every time they announce a new Mario game, I just don't care until I start playing it. I'm like, holy shit, this is my religion. Yeah. Um, and. <laughs> I feel like collectively as a society of people who play video games, we have forgotten that New Super Mario Brothers is a perfect game. So just throwing that out there uh, and then also throwing the game out, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, which really means that the only thing that could be swapped here is Elite Beat Agents for Bowser's Inside Story. Or Henry. I I think we can bail on Henry. (laughs) Sorry, Henry. 
Yeah. Okay. AJ, I'm curious what you think. Henry getting representation on the top 10 list at all was cool. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Uh, Luckily for me, I've played both of those games. Inside Story and and Elite Beat Agents. And man, they're hard to compare. Yeah. I guess what not even like what do you like better, but like what do you think speaks to the show? And this includes you because you are part of the show. Thank you. What is our energy? Are we more dancing away problems or are we more facing problems internally? Mm. I think... Have we swallowed the kingdom or have we danced a good Charlotte? What are the so so it's it's Dragon Quest, Pokemon, Mario Kart, Mario Kart, and then Phoenix Wright. And then Phoenix Wright. I think Elite Beat Agents fits better in that slot because if you're gonna put another RPG in there, then you're compare then you got two RPGs on the list and we're comparing Dragon Quest V, maybe apparently the greatest game ever created to Bowser's <laughs> Inside Story, a game that is really good but kind of flawed. Sold. And then also Elite Beat Agents just fucking rips and is a fun time to play. Yeah, you said it was what my brain looks like. Yeah. It was actually my brain age results. They just turned the cartridge into <laughs> yeah. EVA. Uh, and I think the, the You've vo- unlocked a demo of yeah. Elite Beat Agents. Your brain is makes no difference by some 41. <laughs> and I, th- I think the vibes of uh, EBA are more ITA. Oh, than wow. That's the quote. That's the back BIS. of the box. <laughs> BIS. Yeah, yeah. I don't like that. It's like a weird like <laughs> lobbyist that like profits off poison. Oh man. Yeah. Let's say it's like a mirror world ITA. Yeah. It's like <laughs> we go one letter back from T and one letter up from A and then we flip them around a little I'll bit. I'll say it again. Buying into stocks. <laughs> <laughs> and bonds. Buying into stocks. Nintendo the stocks. <laughs> anyway. So it's Leap EBA? It's EBA. It's yeah, EBA. I, I yeah. it's and EBA. are we sold that order? Is the order? No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on, step it up. The only thing we have on the board is Dragon Quest V at number one. Pokemon, Mario Kart, EBA, Phoenix Wright. That's your proposed order? No, those are the things that are left. Okay. I would say number two should be... Hmm. You had Pokemon at number two. I had a number four. Yeah. Number two for me was The World Ends With You. Three was Ace Attorney. Mm-hmm. Ace Attorney was on your list. Uh, or it was an honorable mention. I'm trying to not make this top five my top three yeah because my top three is dragon quest five pokemon and then mario kart mm-hmm. this kind of makes sense though it's pretty good yeah elite agents feels like five makes the most sense because it was lower on both of our lists mm. i'll put that there and see how that feels yeah and it feels nice to close on it close on a musical number you know <laughs> totally uh, four so mario kart for me was seven or six it was six for me yeah and ace attorney was much higher for me, it's like, I think, I definitely think Pokemon is number two makes sense. I think um, so too. I think that's the other one that feels obvious. At the moment. Yeah. Cause I think it was like higher for both of us, even though I had Ace Attorney above it. Mm-hmm. It was like, I think that just makes sense spiritually. Number three, I would maybe make a case for Ace Attorney above Mario Kart. Just cause I had Mario Kart a little lower. And I think like speaking to the show's characteristics, I feel like that is a nice three. Cause we get like. Pokemon, we get like a Dragon Quest, then we get like a more narrative. I mean, they're all, I guess they're all kind of narrative, but like. Especially Mario Kart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think Elite Beat Agents at five feels good. I think Pokemon at two feels good. It's just a matter of three and four. Yeah. I can see it going either way. I mean, I think you're right. Like if I, if I were to just be in like compromise mode, which I think makes the most sense here, I think it would probably be Dragon Quest, Pokemon, Phoenix Wright, Mario Kart, Elite Beat Agents. Because that way yeah. at least I, I had, I think it's right at three. So one of them is mine. Two of them is yours, mm. and then four and five are like kind of a mashup. Sick. Yeah. Honestly, mm. feel good about that. I feel good about it. Easy. Yeah. yeah. Easy. This one. It was an easy one. I thought this was gonna be much longer and much more uh, 
brutal, full of tears. Yeah. But it was full of EBA. I appreciate actually having more third-party representation here. Yeah. It's not just a Nintendo party. So, yeah, let's see. EBA, Nintendo. Is that Nintendo? Yeah. It's really? first, that was, uh, amazing. It was, it was a short-lived first-party game. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Rivaled only by codename Steam in terms of longevity. Oh, sad. Yeah. Arms. <laughs> Arms. Four is um, Mario Kart. Mm-hmm. Nintendo. Three is Capcom. Mm-hmm. It's Attorney. Two is uh, Pokemon. Nintendo. And one is Square uh, with Dragon Quest V. Yeah. So still mostly Nintendo. And but- Zero. And zero also is square. also square. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised at myself that more Atlas stuff didn't make it. I mean, a lot of honorable mentions were because Trauma Center is actually also an Atlas series. Mm. That's kind of what I was alluding to with like third parties going all in on yeah. on the DS hardware. Yeah. Like Atlas was like, yeah, we're ready for touch controls. We're going to make a <laughs> hospital <laughs> drama. I, uh, I was actually surprised that Devil Survivor didn't make your list because that was the one of all the Atlas stuff that I played that I got the most into. Yeah, it's um, cool. It's a cool series. That's another one, though, that I think is a little better on 3DS. Mm. There's a... Oh, the, I didn't realize it was on 3DS also. So there's Devil Survivor 1 and 2 on DS, and then there's like a like Persona 5 Royal version of Devil Survivor 2 oh, on really? 3DS. Interesting. Um, which I think also adds voice acting and also has Caspar in it. He's yeah. in like every game. I might check that out, actually. Yeah, it's fun. I think I, think I like the tone of 2 a little bit more. 1 is a little like edgier. Yes. And mm. 2 is a little bit more more like well it's the apocalypse but it's fun to hang out <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right that, that might be one we revisit i have a feeling i can see that yeah dragon quest 5 pokemon heart gold soul silver phoenix Wright 3 mario kart ds elite beat agents that sounds great wow it's a good wow it's a good top five we did it we did it we did the whole thing Woo. wow it's amazing wow yeah. we prepped for so long I feel a weight lifted. Yeah. In a good way. I feel I feel proud of the work we've done. Now all we have to do is play three hopes. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Wow. It's the only yeah. it's the only game left. And uh, eighty Dreamcast games. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but we can wait until at least January for that. Yeah, I'm gonna wait a little bit. I'm gonna wait I'm gonna wait until <laughs> at least like December. Yeah. I might keep an eye on uh, yeah. some eBay listings. I'll yeah. probably pick up a Dreamcast between now and then and maybe I'll bring some stuff to the show. Mm. But I'm not gonna like start the process until yeah. At least a few months just to party. Yeah, I need I need some time. Yeah. Especially well, the thing about it is got to prepare for Goaty. Oh yeah, isn't that weird that that's coming up? Kind of. Yeah, six it months, feels like but... it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it does kind of feel like we it. are in the latter half of the year. I already so have weird. so many games on my list. Yeah, which is wild. I think we also wanted to before we wrap up. Uh, for those of you who have stuck around for this long, I think we also wanted to give away a Nintendo DS. We did. <gasps> I'm going to be clear. This is not a situation like last year where uh, Kyle Starr so wonderfully uh, made a bunch of Game Kyle advances Yeah, that we then gave away some custom ones that were like into the Aether themed. This is a situation where we were like just kind of last minute, like it'd be really fun to give away a DS. Yeah. So we're going to give away a DS. Yes. Uh, we don't know which one it's going to be. Honestly, it could be a DS. It could be a DS Lite. It could be a DSi. But uh, we'll try and make something special happen, I think is the idea. Yeah. Steven, what should they send us on Twitter? I think it needs to be EBA related. I'm just wondering how, why, and where. But I think maybe should you send us a song from the game potentially? That's I want to be visual though. You know. How about just the Mona Lisa? <laughs> wow! Send us an image of the Mona Lisa on Twitter uh, at Into the Cast. Make sure you're following us. Follow us on Twitter and at Into the Cast a picture of the Mona Lisa. And you will be entered into a group of people that we will randomly, it's not first come, first serve. We will randomly pick one of you, send you a DS. Yeah. We'll say it'll run for two weeks after this episode comes out. Sounds good. So 
If, if you don't get a DM two weeks after this episode comes out, unfortunately, it was not you. But if you do get one, that means you win. No and DM, you have no DS. This incredible <laughs> library and two screens ahead of you. You got two screens. You got a touch screen. You got a touch screen. You got a mic. You got a microphone. Some games ask you to blow into it. Like <laughs> it's pretty cool. Inside Story, which is pretty fun. New Super Mario Brothers, unrelated to the microphone. New Super Mario Brothers, fun thing about it. When you close the DS, Mario goes, bye bye. <laughs> And then when you open it, he goes, it's a me. That's nice. incredible. Pretty sick. Number one. Number one. <laughs> there is, I think it's a Looney Tunes game. If I'm not mistaken, uh, there is a game in which uh, it's like a collection of mini games. And one of them is you have to help Bugs Bunny. I think it's Looney Tunes. I might be wrong about this, but you have to close the DS and they just play sound out of the DS and you have to play with the DS closed using the shoulder buttons to like help a blindfolded Bugs Bunny make it somewhere. That's incredible. Isn't that sick? Yeah. Wow. Anyway, number one. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, yeah. Send us a tweet. No text. Just the Mona Lisa. Just the Mona Lisa. And make sure you're following into the cast and you will win a DS. It'll be exciting. Hell yeah. And uh, we'll try and do something cool with it. Outside of that, I guess we should wrap up. I think that's it. We did it. This is the beginning of season five. Hooray. Season five. Very exciting. It feels Thank like you. an ending, but it's also a beginning. Exactly. It's zero. Oh. It's the chrono trigger of seasons. Hell yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Great. Well, hey, where can people find you, Brendan? <laughs> where can people find me? I, I want them to find the show first at yes. IntoTheCast.online. It's where we have our uh, Twitter and we have an Instagram and we have YouTube and Twitch. We also have a Patreon that you can back over at Patreon.com slash IntoTheCast. Thank you all so much for everybody who's doing that. Mm-hmm. If you have not backed the Patreon yet, what you get when you do that, if you back at the lowest tier, is uh, access immediately to an RSS feed filled with bonus episodes that we just kind of make on a whim whenever we're kind of feeling like it, Yeah, uh, which has been really fun and kind of fulfilling. Um, we've done like one a month recently, which has been pretty fun, but like, depending on what's going on, uh, we might do more or less. Um, we have some fun ideas for the Patreon this year, which I'm excited <laughs> about. Yeah. Uh, so looking forward to that. If you back at the $5 tier, you get access to an Airtable document, which will list every single game that we've ever talked about on the show. It's like a full database of like, you can go in and see what games we talked about in what and how many episodes. Also, it's our planning document for the show. So you can see in real time as we're like planning episodes, whether they be Patreon bonuses or things like that. Uh, we have a whole list of all the bonus episodes that we potentially maybe want to do for Patreon and not Patreon bonuses as well, which is pretty cool. So that's at the $5 tier, $10 tier. You currently get nothing. Um, I'm going to be on. You know what? We haven't actually talked about it, but like we're at the end of the episode. So why not? Uh, Chase Bank fucked us. So <laughs> we've had a really bad time trying to like legitimize this and turn it into like an actual business um, and got like totally screwed over. Uh, we're like, like logistical errors, not even like yeah. a rejection. Just like, yes, it got messed up. It got messed up like over and over and over and over again for months. LLC. Easy. Chase yes. Bank. Not. Not at all. Yeah. 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 So uh, we went there to open up a business account. It didn't work very well. Um, and uh, they eventually eventually told us go to a different bank so yeah. that's what please we're gonna don't do come back yeah. yeah it was actually out of like help they're like please don't like it will be worse if you it's like the yes. ending of undertale yes. like, just don't come back yeah, here. The, <laughs> yeah, the phone <laughs> flowey was your accountant yes yeah. the phone call was a chase bank man who called me and said please take your business elsewhere it's for your own good uh <laughs> So we're so that's why the merch store was supposed to launch on April first. Yes, and that's why it hasn't. Yeah, we we're gonna launch it as a goof, but it was gonna be real <laughs> the yeah. idea initially. But uh, that's why it hasn't launched. We're still like trying to figure that out. Uh, but hopefully that will happen in the near future. Yeah, and the yeah. idea is that if you're backing the ten dollar tier, permanent discount on everything. Yeah, and then also we have some ideas for other things that we can add to the ten dollar tier eventually as well. So just a heads up that that exists. Thank you everybody who's backing us at that tier yeah, already. Thank you so much. It's amazing. But yeah, that's what's going on over on the Patreon. But I think that's. It. I think that's it. Wow. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm I'm very excited for a new season. I, I love making the show with both of you. I'm glad we were able to do this in person. AJ, thanks again for having us Thank here. Thank you, AJ. 
excited for you to play Portrait of Ruin. I'm also uh, excited to go back and play Portrait of Ruin. I'm excited for you to play Chrono Trigger, too. I'm oh, very excited to play Chrono Trigger. Yes. I'm extremely excited to play Chrono Trigger. Yeah. Um, and I'm delighted to have you Honestly, here. Patreon bonus, just like come and tell us what you thought about Chrono Trigger. <laughs> yeah. It's good. <laughs> oh, it's good. It'll be oh, eight second episode. I like video game. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. EBA? EBA. Um, <laughs> my name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. I am AJ Flair. You can find me at AJ Flair and my other podcast at Async Pod where we talk about Hell yeah. Thank you. It's all, great. All part of uh, TWG, yes. Worst Garbage. Online, uh, a cool network of podcasts. Thank you, AJ, so much for editing this podcast as you're, well. You're welcome. Um, and if you want AJ to edit your podcast, you can go to AJFolari.com. Uh, yeah, or you can just go to my Twitter. I'm mostly just retweeting stuff that right, I You can find him at Outlook, Yahoo, and <laughs> AOL. Yeah. Cool. Just shoot me an email. Hotmail. Yeah. <laughs> cool. See ya. <laughs> Happy season four. Congrats, my friends. Yeah, season four wrapped. See you next season. Uh, DS, bye. Bye, DS. <laughs> like DSI, but yeah, DS- yeah, it was good. DS, see, <laughs> see ya. Goodbye, everyone.